Hello and welcome to the Hawk's Nest. Irritably, uncomfortably annoyed live stream show. My name is Brandon Kane, and uh, I do appreciate you for tuning in. I know it's a tough loss, and we're all kind of dealing with that our own way, but you're choosing to deal with it here. So thanks for doing that. <sighs> Fighting the urge. Not to completely go on completely an unhinged type of rant, you know, a time where you show your worst side because of the frustrations of things you're seeing. I'm wrestling with a lot of different emotions right now myself, and I'll be interested to see if the chat also has uh, some similar ways in which they're being pulled. Uh, our Seahawks fall to the Rams in another brutal game, different from the first, but uh, brutal nonetheless. And you lose the game in a way that's been very familiar and similar to us. Uh, I come back out of this game as the number one thing that comes to my mind. And it's the overarching thing that comes to my mind when it comes to the, the coaching staff. It isn't in my mind when it comes to the front office because it's already been applied. And the word is adjustment. Everyone's got a plan A, you got a plan B. Everybody's got a good idea, but can you have a good second idea? And when I look at this team away from the front office personnel standpoint, and I'll tell you in a second why I'm giving them a bit of a pass on this, is that when I look at the structure and the issues that occur on this team across the board again and again and again and again and again, I continually come back to going, we're not making the adjustments. You can fail at the application of something and then you try something else. What do we say of when you try at something and fail and continue that very same application over and over for years on hand? What result do you conclude to on that? What finality should I come to as far as a closure on that? Should I have hope for that into the future? RC Ox are, yes, winning more games than they're losing this year. But they have gone up against a, a crew of backup quarterbacks, teams at not full strength, multiple teams and Cardinals and Rams through four of those games that are in true rebuilding mode. Rams fans can get all pissy with me all they want. I asked the content creator from the Rams, one of the bigger ones you'll find out there this past week. Yeah, first question out the gate. You rebuild or not? Yeah, we're rebuilding. Not any well, eh, waffle. That's what we're doing. And you lost that team twice this year. And again, you do things good in the game, but then you walk away from them. You blitz on that first drive against the Rams. Witherspoon gets a sack. You get a three and out. Come back later in the game, have a blitz. Cause an interception to Tariq Woolen. It is they flash the stat. You all saw it with your own eyes. Right there in the third quarter, it was looking you in the eye if you were paying attention watching the screen. That it's so obvious. It's so obvious to people watching that the GD telecast is showing the stat to you. Stafford, not blitzed. Stafford, blitzed. The team started to do its worst things defensively in this game when it stopped deciding that it wanted to do anything as far as the blitz game goes. They're just going to drop in soft coverage and hope they could hold on for dear life. And as we've seen for years, 
that just doesn't quite work. And it didn't work today. Offensively, certainly, they own up to the majority of the blame, but much like we've seen in recent, same kind of same thing here. Waldron, plan A, no plan B, no, uh, what is that word? Adjustment, none to be found. Looking high and low, and it ain't to be found. Can't deal with the blitz. Kind of ironic. The same thing that I would ask for and call for and have been calling for from our defense, that when they do it, they are ultimately successful, is the same thing that is giving our offense fits and struggles and hellaciousness at every turn. Stack fronts. Sometimes you bring them, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you blitz, sometimes you don't. Make the quarterback think. Make him process prior to the snap. What's going on? Who's coming? Who's not? Instead, no, we'll show you a front four. That's what we're going to do. Because being predictable has worked so well over the last few years. And that's just kind of the way we roll it. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one for me to chop up and uh, find a lot of positivity from right now. For certainly this four-game stretch, you can go on a monster mash run and you know tear through and light up the world and go 4-0 and shock us all. Hell, that fit the type with this team that we just never quite know what we're going to get. And hey, that fits within that is that you go out there and you... You blow up with a lot of uh, bluster. But if we're reaching, trying to reach certain conclusions as we get to the depth of this season, it's getting a little bit harder and harder to find um, a lot of hope. Well, finding any hope that you're going to get to a contending status this year. But I'm starting to get little dings in my armor here about a lot of the confidence I do have with this team coming into this year was going to be also based on the assessment of this team, this coaching staff, and what they were going to do, Right. Because Schneider can bring the talent in. The talent can be good enough and do the best it can do and, and start to read its heights from where you hope that talent could reach. But if the coaching staff is not up to snuff with the other coaching staffs in the league, and I'm talking X's and O's, play design, philosophy, can that team reach a Super Bowl? I present that question to you. Hard for me to see. You, get, you might be a team to get to the playoffs. But the question on this has got to be some of this to the assessment of the future of the team. And that's a big question I have, especially coming after this game, but most especially over watching the last season and a half of this rebuild. It's one thing to lose if we're going through this pathway with young players finding their way. And, oh, there's Devin Witherspoon making a boneheaded play. Instead, it's the young guys helping to carry the day. It's the young guys on point snap in and snap out. So you can't go to necessarily that level of that 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 that, that easy game blame that you could go to this going well young roster young guys playing young guys just trying to learn how to be learn how to be pros harder to go to that spot isn't it it's a little tougher to get to that area when what we're seeing here is oh look defenses are doing the same thing up against our offense and we don't have an answer oh there's so much of this playbook removed from what we thought we were getting when we when Waldron was coming aboard ah the defense Always back to the four-man fronts and sliding to depth and coverage. Four-man fronts, depth and coverage. Dropping them back, dropping them back, dropping them back, dropping them back. Picking us apart, picking us apart. That same old beat, that same old tune. Talent can get better. Roster can improve. But if that same beat plays next year, How do we not, how, how is it when people then present to me in the chat as they will next off season and they'll say, look at the player we added here. Look at the player we added there, Brandon. 
we're better here, we're better there, on paper, we're this, this. And they'll say, don't you have confidence now we're a contender? And if I see this team fit the type for what they've proven up to this season and what they're showing up right now, there's time to fix this well. It's not the end of the story. But if I'm seeing this just fit, if this story plays out without the twist, it's going to be hard for me to reach a spot in July or August and say, ah, that's a Super Bowl main ready team right there. Because I'd be lying to you. Because I've been seeing things go on for years that are not being dealt with. And it doesn't seem like they're necessarily trying to deal with them. And that's got me worried. Not reaching a final conclusion here. Not jumping to conclusions. Because I already know there'll be people in the chat going, just jumping out of play I'm not jumping off anything. I can be patient with this team and us not reaching the state of being a contender this year and understand it. With the youth of the roster and with the fact you're in year two of the rebuild and it's not an end-all, be-all, an excuse, but it's one that makes it understandable, those results. I can't understand as much lack of evolution adaptation. That's the part, that's the part I'm more kind of you know, struggling with. The front office, for instance, had this very same problem for years. Bad drafts, unable to make it go, kept failing. And after you had these magical, I say magical drafts in 2011, 2012. But then 15, oh, 16, 17, just look away, look away, I tell you. 18, oh my God. 19, no, make it stop. Make the bad draft man stop. But then, but then, 22, 23, you have the best drafts ever. Some of the best drafts, at least in Seahawks history. Let's just, I'll put, I'll put a cap on it. How did you do it? How'd you do it, John? Every media place has asked him. Every media member at one point or another has asked him, how have you done these drafts? How have you found such success? Are you hitting on these picks? What, what, what's, this, what's the secret sauce, John? Well, we changed. We were doing one thing. We're doing one thing. And now we're doing something else. In 2015, we were doing one thing. In 16, set one thing. 17, one thing. 18, one thing. 19, one thing. 20, one thing. Now we're doing something else. Draft need versus value. We leaned into value. And with it, you found this great success. There's a similar turn here for Coach Carroll and the coaching staff to be made. But the turn doesn't happen. Let's see what you guys think. I've ranted enough tonight. I'm off my, uh, I'm off my high horse. I thank you for watching tonight, and uh, I'm going to try to turn it as positive as I can. I, as like you guys, am a fan of this team. I got my heart on the line with this team as much as anybody else. These kind of losses are as brutal to you as they're brutal to me. And so... I know sometimes people expect me to be able to on high in my reactions on this and to be able to just sort of, you know, with, with angelic like wings go, it'll be okay, people. You know, like I got a responsibility to never get angry about some of this stuff and I'm not going to fly off the handle, but I'm frustrated as hell. And I'm tired of looking at some of these performances saying, look, come on. You lose these next four stretch of games, you went 0-4, that'd be one thing. But to lose twice to a rebuilding Rams team this year, Cup goes out a quarter and a half into this game and you somehow start playing their offense worse. 
Oh, maybe you guys got some explanations. Maybe you guys can walk me off the cliff here. Let's see. Let's see what you guys got. <laughs> Thank you for watching tonight, by the way. I appreciate y'all. And uh, I do hope you're having a good night. And uh, everyone's maybe dealing with this loss maybe a bit better than me. <laughs> Brandis has been looking forward to this. I'm venting. Well, I'm going to give you some of that tonight. <laughs> you're kidding. You're going to get a good healthy dose. Second half, Shane Waldron and shit officiating are the epicenter of said venting. Uh, yeah, the officiating, I'm, I didn't even get started on that yet. I haven't even... I haven't warmed up yet. Uh, the officiating is just another thing. It's much like this team. I, I don't, I'm not reaching any of the things I'm saying. I'm not reaching con ultimate conclusions tonight. I'm just asking questions. I'm wondering out loud. For instance, when I'm watching these games and calling these games, gaming and get out and watching the intricacies of these calls and why, when, when's called this, what, where, and that's called that over here, there. Oh, I, I'll, be, I'll be touching on this in my recap video on this game. You know, my team is always grossly seeming on the other side of being penalized and always heavily penalized so. So, I mean, either we're just, we're just the most undisciplined team in football by a wide amount or there seems, seems some dirtiness here involved, which I'm not, I'm not acquitting it to that, but when those folks out there that hammer and lam, you know, lament about the fact that you can't say the thing's rigged, it's not rigged, come up with another excuse, such a poor excuse. Well, when you say that, you got to understand these kind of games are what puts fuel to that fire. Because not only does it feel like a poorly officiated game anyway, but then you get on those calls, those game-changing calls, those calls that are going to flip things around. Here come captain official fans. You know? That call down there with those legs, uh, those legs curled up together, folks. Like, we don't have to guess on that call of how that call is properly officiated or whether there's a divergence between officiating crews and how that play on Pukanuka between Witherspoon where their legs tangle up is called in an NFL football game. Go back to the Detroit game. Third down. Jordan Brooks comes on the blitz. He just blasts the running back out of the way has a free and clear path to Goff. Goff has to throw it too early. The legs tangle up between Witherspoon covering a crossing route. It's inadvertent. It's a no call. It's not even a tough call for the official in the moment. Witherspoon's hands aren't up. He's not messing with him. There's an initial chuck off the line of scrimmage within five yards. He's running a short crosser. So within that five-yard territory, Witherspoon is within his rights to have his hands on the receiver. So we have Detroit game here, third down, no call. Here, oh, we'll get the call. Oh, just happens to turn it from being a fourth down and field goal for them, which keeps them seven points back to now suddenly getting them first from the first and like two yard line. Big difference. And it's those kind of balls on top of all these other calls over here. I'm not trying to put the, as you guys hear at the top, this ain't all just going to be on the blame on the officials. I, they do have a part to be played on this and it does get tiresome as a fan week in and week out going, okay, my team's always on the other side of this. Okay. Okay. And again, there's two things to derive from that. Either one, the NFL slant, or we're just the crazy most undisciplined team uh, to be found. Because, and if you don't believe me, go look at the, if, if you think I'm on my rock, off my rocker on this one, go look at the flags here after Sunday in this game and how they match up with us versus the rest of the league. And don't look at total flags because some teams haven't, I think, even had their, all their buys yet. Look at flags per game. Um, Alexander says playing like this, we are beating, we're not beating the Niners at Seahawks F and more like the flag city Seahawks. <laughs> yeah. 
as the team maybe in the Niners right now, the way this is shaping up. Uh, Nick says, what a shameful outing. What a shameful outing. 130 penalty yards. I love how undisciplined we are. Well, it's got to be like I say, one of those two things. And there's definitely some undiscipline in there. I'm not putting it all on the officials. There were some good calls in there that were realistic, but there was so just too many flags for me. Too many flags. Nick says, this one hurt. Shot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, we did. It is to be sure. Bimi says, well, I guess no Walker Thursday night in KMAC time. KMAC time is right. I'm guessing that he's going to be a bleak, probably rested on a short week. Aaron says, that was a really, really disappointing. Ended out our season. Very well could have. Absent some magical run you can pull off in this four-game stretch, it's going to do that. Mike says, Shane Waldron's done after the Baltimore game. I was done, but losing to the Rams two times without scoring more than 16 points is making my head hurt. Without, with, he is out of job. Hard for me to understand how he should be keeping a job at this point. You were handed an offensive arsenal, the likes of which few play callers in this sport even come into the, the basic vicinity of approaching. And over and over, game after game, we find ourselves saying, you're squandering it. That's not, you should be getting more out of this. And instead, his offenses seem to be searching in the dark without a flashlight or a candle, their hands grasping for a wall that is not there, uncertain of every step forward by which they take. Why, damn it? Why? Alexander, have a good night, man. Daniel Berry Sports Highlights says, hey, we own you. Five and 10 against McVeigh is Carroll. I can't, I mean, what can I say? Like, you know, I got to own, I got to own when I'm owned. I'm owned so bad right now. My team's owned so bad by around by the Rams when we play them. I should just have a open, closed sign draped around my neck. You know, the old kind they used to flip in the little shops. Open for business. DeMarco, first time going to SoFi, and man, Rams fans are annoying, but good game. Well, it was at least a, a close game. wasn't like that first one. Stung a bit. Too bad DeMarco would have been good to be able to watch their little faces cry up themselves on that side of things. Must have been brutal there as uh, the team gave you a little bit of life at the end. But uh, thanks for holding it down for us 12s out there in California. RJ's is ref suck and Waldron suck is how I'm feeling still laughing out loud. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of mad at a lot of things here. Don Don says, uh, hello, Hawks Nest. Uh, hope everyone is well. Doing well, man. Hope you're doing well. Bam Bam Cam, hello. Says, I'm tired. Carol, outcoached by McVay. He's been outcoached by McVay since he's arrived there. And, uh, you know, if I go back to the 2017 contest defensively and I go, here's what they did, did you defensively. And I say, I show you it. And I show you today's game plan. They're going to look startlingly close together. Heavy three wide receiver sets. Defensive coverages dropping into soft zone. Uh, a running game that eventually wears you down. Uh, it, it all is, it kind of plays into that same, same manner and mode. William says, we need new ownership. I don't know if that's coming anytime soon, William. I think we're locked in at least for like years now with Jody Allen. Gavin says, hey, how about uh, don't block Sam Darnold coming through the middle to blow up your quarterback? What a play. Yeah, I, don't we love it, folks? I, again, you folks that want me to be optimistic here, okay? 
So, cause there are those folks that if I start to get a little negative and I get it, I'm, I'm understanding it's not the best to show your, your ass when doing this type of stuff. So I'm trying to be understanding to that mindset of it. I have a player who has wrecked my team for 10 years, 10 long years. And he's devastated offensive line after offensive line. And yeah, he's also maybe the biggest game wrecking force in all of football. So I got to put that into perspective in my outlook here. Granted, got it. But we refuse to double team him. I watch the all 22 over and over again, and we utterly refuse at times. Here and there, you'll, you'll mix some in. But if you're an offensive coordinator and you're facing Aaron Donald and you're looking at the rest of this Rams defense, how in the name of all that is holy do you not say, put the double team on Donald like 90% of the time? I, I, I don't, he broke Russell Wilson two years ago. Did he break Russell Wilson on the back of a double team? Let's go back. Let's go at. Hi, this is Brandon in 2020. Russell Wilson's last season, but I don't know yet. I'm full of optimism and think we're still a Super Bowl contender. Oh, wait. Look at that. Donald just broke my quarterback's finger. Oh, they're still not, they're still not refusing to double team him. This sucks. Why'd they do that? I, you'd think they would learn at some point. Well, I'm sure we'll learn in the future. Still don't double-team Bobbitt. Still not double-teaming Donald. Oh, okay, now we're back to the modern day. Okay? Did we double-team him today? Nope. No double-team Donald. And he goes back and does what? What's that answer, folks? What is breaks my quarterback, Bob? That's right. $400 to Bob on double jeopardy. And uh, the keynote part of this is when it comes to optimism, we go next year, okay? So for the guy that then would tell me, say, you know, shut your mouth, Brandon, you're too negative there. Stop being negative. Let's find some positive in this game. Okay, so I go, okay, but just this one part, just this one little part in addition to this Donald point. What becomes the plan for dealing with him into the future? Because if you haven't done something in 10 years, why are you suddenly going to do it next year when the Rams are likely to be better He's still likely to probably be playing. And for the optimism in the, in the crowd, that's a question I pose. Where, where then do I push that forward to to believe that that answer is going to come when they're completely unwilling to implement it in the first place? Offensive coordinator after offensive coordinator from Bevel to Schadenheimer to Waldron, nobody decides he's a problem. And it would be one thing if they had brought up like, you know, a really talented guard to deal with them down there. A guy that could get it done down there in this way. But they've also refused to do that through this 10-year period. So, I just ask. I just wonder these things in the night as an old man yelling into the darkness of a half moon. Fog rolling in. I'm gonna try to get positive, folks. I, you know, I'm trying. Give me some time, okay? I give me like an hour. We'll we'll get to the other side of this. Eric says the biggest takeaway I saw today was stupid penalty after stupid penalty. That was definitely not fun. It makes it worse. Bimi says, "What if Brett Ryan screwed us today? Have you thought about that? Ooh, a little espionage. 
a little bit of uh we see you sign our guy but we've already slipped him a 50 stack to lead you off the trail playlist trav team is the same one and done middling team uh that's definitely what they're looking like i don't even know if we're going to get to the one done stage that's that, that's still an uphill battle as it stands right now josh wishes hashtag fire waldron nick either way hope this hushed the lock bandwagon yeah it's going to be hard for the folks that are pro lock to be inserted into this lineup not to look at me and and explain to me how he didn't look like a rookie quarterback seeing his first action out there I didn't expect him to light the world on fire, but you know, I also think that was a little bit of the other end of the scale too. And uh, let's Gene, let's stay with Gino's. Hopefully, his arm doesn't fall off. Cheese Taco, thank you for the ten dollars donation. Appreciate you for that. Cheese says, "Hey B, tough loss today. I think this was a two-part quarterback injury late and maybe a little looking ahead to Thursday. Although I did say after the Baltimore game that I'm." tempering expectations this year IMO uh, I'm trying to do that same tempering thing cheese I'm losing the battle with that at times uh, but though I'm trying um could it be that it could I I feel like after what they did you in week one in embarrassing you in week one on that opening loss to believe that you were going to come in this and be able to just kind of run a vanilla game plan or not do too much to just sort of like sideways your way through the game to me felt you know would feel a little bit like where would you again we talk about things that are things we see that don't bear a lot of confidence for us going forward cheese that that was your mentality led to this after you had that where it's it's to that obvious stage of this should be something that you don't allow to happen again yet occurs again well then we go into the future how do i have confidence for that in the future to be resolved i press this question to you i press this question to the chat and i go i there's some things mounting up here from offense to game plans to approach that are, are not good because it's week in and week out being kind of um, taken advantage of, I suppose. That's where we come from. But I don't know. It could be that, cheese. I mean, it, human nature in these games are certainly an odd ones in that respect. But I, I don't know how the team could have looked at itself thinking, yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll just kind of chill on this. We got this. Let's kind of lean on them. Especially with the way McVay's taking care of Coach Carroll, not just this year, but in recent years. Now 5-10 and 10 against uh, McVay's Coach Carroll. Williams says, why keep Carroll but fire Waldron? I, I, I have, there's, a, there's going to be a potential here where I end up at the season with about equal amount of disconfidence in either of them. Is disconfidence a word? I just invented it. It's mine. Uh, but I, I don't, I'm not going to be standing, standing. Look, I've, I've been very, very, very much willing to give Carol a lot of room on this rebuild to get this right. But I have always said it with the caveat that it needs to come with the schematic updates that he cannot slide back into the old. That He's got to lean into this evolution. And if he can lean into the evolution, coach Carol can find a longer set of legs in this final coaching run that he's looking to pull off. But if he leans into the old, he will top out as we've topped out in many different recent seasons for a lot of the same reasons, which is what has so many of us so frustrating is this isn't it just about a one-year thing. It's about a, a trend that this team has shown off time and time again. And so, yeah, I, 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 I don't know if it's even possible that that's on the table uh, after this year, but I, I, I really think that it's going to be something that whether it's on the table or not holds the team back. And uh, as I presented you guys, I just don't see, you can put yourself into a decent state team, but I don't think you're going to get yourself into a, 
Super Bowl contending team with this this kind of approach we're employing week after week on both sides of the ball. Daniel, where has our offensive creativity gone? Last year we seemed more creative than this season and we added even more weapons. I don't get it. That's I don't get it is the question I'd pose to you. I don't get it either. I, I can't make much sense of it. Um, and that's why Waldron's got to be held to bear on this too, especially, and you've, you've given a, an arsenal of an attack, you know, why, why are you struggling to understand how to utilize it? And <clears throat> in particular, why is this offensive playbooks look so different than what you see McVay employing on his side over there more often than not? I don't, it's questions and I don't have answers to them, but it's getting frustrating as the questions do mount. Usually I got a good, uh, some kind of explanation for you, Daniel. I wish I did here, but I'm a little bit sitting here going, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Holy Hand Grenade has been a uh, Hawks Nest member for four long months. Thank you for that. Holy Hand Grenade says, I'm tired, annoyed of zone coverage. Blitz more, man. Blitz, they showed the graph on the screen. I couldn't believe that the telecast was so obvious to the point that they were noticing it. I've been calling for it for weeks. And it would be one thing if you blitzed and you got slayed on the back end with a big chunk play. It'd be one thing if you blitzed and you weren't successful in getting it done. But you are successful in doing it. You're not getting slayed on the back end. So why not employ it more? I, another one of those, here's, here's a question posed that what's the answer? Again, I'll, I'm not just going to throw this one out to the, like these questions. I'm posing this to you guys in the chat. Bring me off the ledge. I'm, I, I'm leaning. Just pull me back to the other side. Maybe some of you are like, I'm going to kick you. But yeah, I, I hear you. But pull me back to the other side. Pull me back over here. I'm not trying to jump off the thing. These are just questions that I'm, where, where do I get my answers here from it? When it gets to the point that the, the uh, you know, the intern with CBS Sports is spotting from the blitz tracker stats to post up a graph showing you the difference of Stafford's performance between blitzing and not, and it's a stark difference. And then you watch your team with those stats readily at hand, lean through the rest of the football game in four-man fronts. Explain it to me. Walk me through it like I'm a child. Grab me a crayon. Put it in color. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. Mike Skinner, uh, Waldron is the man of the hour. Everything points to him. Nah, he's a big part of it. I'm not saying I'm trying to take the spotlight off him. He's in it included. Boot Dog, Phantom DPI calling Spoon in the end zone. Nuka tripped himself. Yeah, he did. I don't even know if you're right. I don't even know if their legs actually tangled. It was like, that was the worst you could make of it is their legs kind of tangled, but there was no contact. Incidental. No call. <clears throat> Stanley Champion says, if we simply ran the offense ran the offense like we did last year, this team would have liked two more wins. I mean, that's a good point. The collective uh, ingenuity of the offense has been kind of sucked out of it this year. Not the talent, but definitely just not feeling the ingenuity. Joshua Waldron, Shane Waldron can call plays after the second half. Look at the Waldron, look at the Browns, Bengals, Commanders, Rams game. The Rams, the Rams game. I, oh, I think he meant can't can't call. I think is what you meant to say. Said he can. I don't think me. If I'm, mis if I'm not mistaken. Steven says Gino isn't the problem. He he may not be the solution either. But this coaching staff is wasting an above average defense with the inability to figure out how to convert third downs and finish drives. Uh, that's a man. My belief with it too, Stephen. Um, I haven't tried to necessarily push 
into the direction of saying that there's no point to put any sort of criticism on Geno's back the past couple of weeks. But as some people were looking at as the answer here to, to a solution to other problems that are really being presented that are bigger issues at play, I couldn't really buy into it. And um, I, I still can't buy into it. It also still doesn't necessarily mean it's one of those, you know, mutually exclusive where people think, well, if this thing's true, then the other thing has to be also false, whether, you know, they both can be true statements. Uh, that maybe Gina was not in the answer as well within that. Um, so I, I think that there's maybe a, a potential there for both. And two things I'm going to be paying to pay attention to out through the rest of the schedule to try to determine as it goes through the rest of the year. But um, the coaching staff is to me at the head of this issue here and all the way down the board. And uh, it's getting discouraging watching them feel like they're getting out coached on a weekly basis. First King, we totally let him off the hook. Dennis Green style. Slapping, I'd slap my mic if it wasn't that I was worried I'd break it like Dennis Green did. Let him off the hook. Poop dog. Waldron called the 25-yard pass on third and three. Run the damn ball. They get cute on those third downs. They had one they converted as well. Poop dog too, I believe, on uh, um, as well, where you have a third and a couple of these points in the game were third and short, and you got Charbonnet back there, and he's maybe not getting a lot of yards for you, but he's not getting a lot of negative plays when you're running A, B gap runs. And you decide like, no, nope, we're going to try to get cute and throw it here. I, I, his, his approach this year has been really bad. Uh, Doodle Bob says, I was at the game and people kept giving me stuff. I'm sorry, man. That's brutal going into another stadium when you got them people. I've, I've been there too. You're a strong fan going to that environment. I'll say that. <clears throat> do, do. Long Johnson, Hawksnuss, get your moderators. Well, the moderators are here to make sure the discussion stays um, not personal and no attacks. And if you find yourself having issues with them, bringing something up and it's on the back of a personal attack, you're saying, no, I need to be able to personally attack people. I don't know what to say. So. Long, I don't really, yeah, I ain't hearing you at all, Long. So Long then says, you hear me, white boy? <laughs> yeah, you don't understand. I think the lay of the land here, my guy. Appreciate you watching, but your attitude is going to be a little bit off in here. We don't go at that speed in here. We're respectful with each other. Steve, the past five years or so just been the same above average with a high floor, but not enough, high enough ceiling. Very true. Makes you, again, we go pushing this forward. Stagnation, how we go forward, where we think this thing's going forward, potential of this team, how we get there, how much confidence we can have. And I'm behind in my, geez, I'm behind in my super chats. Oh my God, my bad, you guys. Dude, I get on these long rants, you guys, sorry. <laughs> Let me get over my super chat here. Uh, Daniel, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, with no second rounder and limited cap space, our ability to improve next season seems difficult other than the young guys taking a step forward. Yeah, my, I, I think that's very true. I, I think that there's places that you can make cuts in, Daniel, and, and you can loosen out in this roster and spots a lot of cap space in a couple of given areas to where then you can have some money to spend. I still don't think that they would be able to be like 
crazy spenders on the open market and just let loose, nor has the team shown a willingness to take that approach anyway in, in recent years. And it really does become on the back of the young guys, as you say, taking a step forward. You know, it's not going to come from another magical draft class necessarily. But uh, there's I, I, where the cap space is right now versus where it may lie when we actually arrive to the new league year will be very interesting to see. And um, we'll have to kind of just watch it and see how this year goes to get a bit with that. But yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, uh, it's going to be about these youngsters going forward, about the scheme going forward too. Sorry, Daniel, it took me a little bit of time on your donation uh, deal. My bad, man. <laughs> I'm a little off my game tonight, man. Too much emotions. But I'm going to be interesting to see what they do with that, Daniel. What they might try to kind of move around with to, do they move back in to get a second rounder? Kind of what I'm saying, you know, like, do they end up getting creative with that? Do they try to maybe go for future to pull into this one? Having that two third round picks potentially provide you a little bit of flexibility within it too, maybe. Uh, sorry, Radu, thank you for the $5 donation. I was also late on yours too, man. I'm really sorry, Radu. We need to clear out our penalties, but come on, man. PI on Nuka, that was completely bull and changes the game 100%. Does this need to come to legal issues? Thank you for the $5 donation, Radu. It's a place that uh, people always will moan and complain if I bring up officiating and, and nobody wants you know to hear about it. And I try to really bite my tongue with it as much as I can. But if we go game by game through these these this year and, and what we've done, it's we're just getting clobbered with it. And it's just, it is excessive. And when it's coming down to being excessive, on one hand, that's one thing, but excessive. And then the key moments come into play. You're bringing out on ticky-tack calls like that Puka call. I, I, I just, it drives me insane. And there's fans that are, have come to my channel. I've had fans that have donated to my channel when me and Brennan were doing it, saying, I'm not, I can't, I love you guys, you guys love the shows, but I can't do this with football anymore. I think it's being rigged. I think it's being messed with. And I'm not saying those fans are, are right in their approach or their thought process with it, but I understand. The old Chris Rock bit, you know, but I understand. I'm not saying the NFL is rigged, but I understand. I'm not saying the officials got an earpiece. But if they did, I'd say it's Bose. That's the best Chris Rock impression I got. I can't do a better one than that, by the way. That's it. That is absolutely it. Radu, thank you for that donation. I appreciate you on that, man. And uh, I, the way you put it is exactly how I feel with it. The PI was completely BS. BS. Daniel uh, says, with no second rounder in limited cap space. Oh, yeah, I just read that one. My bad. Cameron, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, this loss, along with the Ravens' loss, is really making the Leonard Williams trade look terrible. We are not a contender. Six and eight is staring us dead in the face. Thank you, Cameron, for the $5 donation. I uh, don't have, you guys are going to probably say a lot of these comments that I'm just basically in pretty much agreement with. Part of making Leonard Williams trade was the team saw itself internally as getting ready to make that step forward, seeing that within themselves. And when you make that trade, you've got to read within your own room. I, as a fan, can say, go for it. But I don't know what you really know in the end, which is like, okay, we, we got this an inch away from getting to where it needs to get to. Um, but it does look like the Leonard Williams is not going to put you up over the top or maybe even get you into the playoffs. And uh, again, 
I think it's uh, a thing of this isn't this end result's not going to be good enough, and there's going to need to be better answers than this is going to be a little more than that. And I, I, when it comes to, uh, I'll have I have hope for the team in the future, but it's getting hard not to have that hope feel like it's going to be blind hope when it comes to some of the factors being run here at hand that aren't, and again, refusing to be changed. But uh, yeah, I've, I'm, I, I feel you on that thought process too, Cameron. Mm. Thank you, man, for that donation. Uh, Mega Lucario22, thank you for the fiver. He says, we had five rushes in the second half. Five. Five. With a backup quarterback in for most of it. Unacceptable play calling by Waldron. Unacceptable play calling by Waldron would be my theme <laughs> of the offense uh, overall beyond Gino or lack of running game, I think, of anything else. And yeah, his, his play calling is just so weird this year, so strange, so out of form from what we were showing last year, so far and away from what he was with McVay or what McVay is. He's trying to craft his own thing and it's trying to do it on the fly and it's not working. It's not working at all. And um, it, it's getting old watching it. It's getting really old watching it. You draft two second round runners. You got Charbonnet in there still to go. I, I, some of it is you're running. You're not having any success. That's a whole nother separate problem. But also related to Waldron where you go, okay. If I told you guys we had 21 runs in this game, one to, one to Smith when he tried to scramble. So you had 20 carries. What'd you have? Two outside runs in this football game? I know you had one pitch play to Charbonnet. I think you had one to Walker. Well, where's that outside game? But unacceptable play calling by Waldron Mega is pretty much the most succinct way, I think, to put it here. He's He's been given one of the best offensive, most talented units you can be given in football, not just rookies either. Guys that are advanced and ready to go, mixed in with some youngsters, mixed in with some rookies. And he's he's acting like, you know, he's got a bunch of seventh rounders out there. Unacceptable. William, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, we need new ownership. I'm over Pete. No run game in the second half. No Donald double team. And the same simple defense that gets sliced up every game. I'm, uh, I'm not saying you're not on point with it. Um, I don't know if this ownership is willing even to a place to make a change with Coach Carroll. Even if that's, you know. Removing personal opinions from this for the moment. If removing Coach Carroll was the right move to make, is that one even the ownership is willing to do, being that a sale is on deck in the foreseeable future? And if you're looking to sell a team, you're not looking to bring on a new head coach in the midst of that. That's not normally how that plays out. You'll be leaning in the opposite direction, which indeed would be pointing to what well, we need to ownership then. If an ownership can't make a change that needs to be made, but doesn't want to make it because of outside factors that have nothing to do with making and putting together the best football team out there, then you don't have good ownership. I'm not saying that's where it's at, but I would say that that's the conclusion I would reach if that's what we're going to get to on you know, this Pete process. And Pete is under a microscope like everybody else here. There's no free pass forever on ever. There is no, he writes his own ticket stuff from my standpoint of this. They earned a lot of good track record coming back to this by the appearance 
of changing to a different defense that has not been changed. They have an offense that had the appearance of changing to a new offense, and yet I can take you through about 10 different items that are nowhere close to the offense we thought we were getting, and an offense that's frankly a lot more closer in alignment with the one that we ran when Russell Wilson here through his years. Isn't that strange? The more things change, the more they stay the same. Here's the new, bo- here's the new boss. Same as the old boss. It's a bit how it kind of feels. I could be wrong with that outlook, but it does feel that way after this loss a little bit and with this season the way that it's undertaking. And, getting the, and the simplified defense getting sliced up is getting so old. So very old. Just feels like you're, you're, you play your secondary not to lose. And then you lose. Be more Seahawks. Thank you for the $2 donation. Appreciate you. He says, it feels like, it feels like when Mafia was out, we got no pressure. Yeah, we're, we're Daryl Taylor and Frank Clark are offering just about nothing off the edge. And I don't know if Derek Hall has given you much more than that either. Uh, the combination of Frank Clark and Taylor had four tackles in this game and zero quarterback hits. Derek Hall had an additional tackle and zero quarterback hits. No passes defensed, no TFLs, uh, no impact from them coming off the edge. But they, the weird thing with that is that they trust that four-man front to get pressure. They then don't dial up blitzes. They then act like they have, a, I guess, a Donald-like presence down there that can make it happen which is the strange part because the pass rush was nowhere in there getting home on so many different occasions, allowed clean drop backs on seven man drops on so many occasions. Paul third, thank you for the $5 donation. A team the Hawks swept last year to be nine and eight has now swept the Hawks. They aren't trending up. How do they get this back on track? Ah, well, the, the, the task is high right now. The task is tall. You've got four games alone in the next, the next four matchups that are going to be tough as hell. The Niners, the Cowboys, you got three games and three games in 15 nights. This stretch of four games, you could come out of it 0 and four on the end of the end of it, very, very realistically. And you look through the course of the schedule of this season, and Okay, you go 0 and 4 through that. That leaves you at 6 and 8. Then you have the tight at Titans at 10 a.m., which will be no quick walk, but let's just give it to us for the sake of it here. So that's 7 and 8. Then you've got to beat the, tight, the Steelers and the Cardinals at the end of the season to get to 9 and 8 to get yourself into the playoffs, which is looking like, if we're looking realistic, we're looking at if this plays to type this season and the way that it's gone so far, that's almost best case scenario. Unfortunately, I'm not trying to be negative, but that's just, that would be a bit of the best case scenario here. How do we get back on track? It's a great question, Paul. We don't know where Gino's health is arm-wise. Hopefully he's okay enough to play. Um, I think we saw enough from Locke to, let's, you know, not the answer here with him. Uh, but 
offensively use of pre and pro heavy usage of pre and post snap motion commit to running fly sweeps four times a game commit to trying to utilize getting the ball to the edges on the defense um stop bailing on the running game in portions of the game especially if you're in a close contest or or even one where you find yourself ahead keep the running game going um Especially against the Snyder team coming up, you've got to stay committed to the ground game, even if it's not early on working on. You've got to stay on it. You got to deal, figure out a plan to deal with the blitz, Paul. The stack fronts in particular, which the Niners are probably not going to challenge us in this way this week, but the Cowboys will. Eagles will. How do you deal with the stacked fronts? What is your plan to deal with them? Because Abraham Lucas's return is not going to be an end-all, be-all suture for that. You still don't have a real good presumptive plan here on how to deal with the Geno still isn't recognized the blitzes all too well. And uh, I don't know whether it's where the coaching's failing him on that or he's just missing it or the coaching's not built. I don't know what it is. But you don't have a plan of attack for the blitzes or stack fronts. All of that would be something I'd look to address offensively to turn this around. Defensively, I would say cut it Loose. You've played safe here for years, Coach Carroll. Years. You've held on to the old for years, Coach Carroll. Years. You keep trusting in your four-man fronts to get home. And they keep wandering away like the wayward kid who's decided, I don't live there no more. I'm, I'm out my own. So what do we do? Do we lean into the old? Do we fall back into cover three? Do we keep trusting our four-man fronts to get the job done? Or do we try something new? I mean, Paul, it's as simple as that for me on the defensive side of the ball. And it's going to take Coach Carroll having the guts to, to come up there and bring those fronts up there. Take this week against the Niners. Those first two losses they had back-to-back there on that three-game loss stretch. But with the Vikings in the Tampa Bay game in particular, what did they do? Lots of stack fronts. I think Cleveland was in there too. Lots of stack fronts. Lots of man coverage. Lots of trusting your guys on the edge and making things uncomfortable in the pocket. That's really it for me on the defensive side of the ball. Will you dial that up or not? Or are you just going to fall back in your same old kind of, that same old beat and hope that it eventually starts to work? And the sort of, you know, broken clock works twice a day kind of thing. Once a day, whatever. <laughs> if you got an AM, PM marker, depending. It's an old school joke. Thank you, though, Paul. That's what I would take, though, I think. Samuel uh, Freeman, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, I love Pete, but it's getting harder to believe a team under him will get us back to being elite. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm starting to think I'm not. Samuel, as I say on these uh, Super Chats, first, thank you for all the Super Chats, but you guys are also kind of capturing where my mentality is at exactly to the word. Sometimes I can pick stuff apart and go, I'm, I'm, I'm with you up to this spot, or I'm, I'm all the way up to your right to there. Tonight, I think a lot of these, in a lot of these sentiments, I'm going to be right up there all the way down to the end of the line on it with you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not jumping off Coach Carroll, but I'm saying this is a season-long assessment. 
And if I was doing an assessment of Coach Carroll, because he has to be assessed here. You have not been elite in 10 years. And few coaches get 10 years of riding around in a middling kind of state and being given that pass. And there does come a point in time where there's, there, there's got to be, you know, a bit of a, a, a holding the feet to the fire here on going, okay, you can talk me into the you, Coach Carroll, being the guy to lead us to that elite stage. But I've got problem A, B, C, D, E, F, go down the line that you don't seem to want to address. And you don't want to seem to even act like they're there to address, much less actually addressing them as issues. And uh, why then should we have confidence borne out to you in the future that you're going to be able to overcome those to then be great when you haven't done it in 10 years? That's where we get back to that blind hope versus having something you're basing it on to feel it. And if I've got this season playing out to form, I'm going to find myself in that, in that phase of things. And I think you're, you're sliding there too, Samuel. I think a lot of fans are going to slide there too tonight and through this season. And I hope not. I hope he can turn it around. I hope he actually pulls the lever that needs to be pulled, but I'm not so sure they're willing to pull the necessary levers. Thank you, though, Samuel. I appreciate that donation. And sorry on the late point of this, folks. I'll try to catch up on these. Connor Middleton, thank you for the $2 donation. Defense seemed better without Adams. Trade? And indeed, I don't know if you uh, felt a glaring uh, loss of his impact in there tonight, Connor, uh, to your point on that. And, um, that was a little bit of my point earlier to, who was it, to, who was broaching up on that earlier on the donation here? Um, Daniel, you know, you look at a guy like Adams, I don't think that it would be likely that they would trade him, Connor, because I don't think that, number one, there would be a trade market there for Jamal with the contract he's carrying. Number two, I think that the Seahawks would want to make him a post-June 1st designation as far as a release, if they're going to release him instead of trade him because then you can take that bonus that would accelerate instantaneously and now massage that over a two-year period, thus actually freeing up a fairly substantial amount of cap space um, this offseason for this upcoming year. I think that they would take that as the approach. Trade just, no one's going to want to sign up for that contract with that injury history. He'll probably get signed somewhere, but you would just do the post June 1st. And I think it's a, it's a place that they very well could be driving towards is there's not a lot of places to free up cap right now as it stands on the books. Here's one where you have a player who has had some major injuries, has had a hard time staying on the football field, and it's cold-blooded as it is, you have to make a bit of this decision about your prediction about where Jamal is going to be at in the future. Is he likely to get healthier? Is he likely to now start to get on the field and be out there consistently? And, and that's where, much as we say on this word, we get the hope and the confidence from. It's got to be based a little bit on something. It's hard to base it on what we've dealt with here in our time with him so far. And if I'm in Schneider's shoes, I'm probably leaning a little bit in that direction of things of saying, okay, here's you know one of the marker spots we're going to go with if this fits to type, holds true, remains going down this same path. But not I don't think there'll be a trade there, Connor. Wu-Tang Financial, thank you for the $5 donation. I appreciate you for that. It says LA Ref or uh, LA Ref for Rams. Oh man, at Wu-Tang, you, you stole my joke because I'm going to do on my video recap. It's 
going to probably totally set off the Rams fans. They got mad enough at me about saying they were rebuilding in my week one video recap. Man, they let loose. They're going to get pissed when I, because I'm going to say uh, Seahawks lose to the L, LA refs, or I was going to say LA refs, but and then go er Rams. I was going to literally take your joke on <laughs> I guess great minds think alike. It says even the commentators said it. Hopefully we can hear less put in lock talk now. Oh, wow. Even the commentators were to that point. Jeez. So what I'm saying, it starts to get to that like stunningly obvious point where you're like, oh, really? Like, come on. At least finesse it a little bit, boys. You know? Just put some lube on it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get real indecent here. Uh, yeah, the put lock in camp. I get where they were coming from. I understand it, but if if we're going to say put lock in and then we put lock in and he puts that kind of performance up, you, you can't come to me and say, well, he needs a week of practicing to, you know, he's just, he didn't pre you know, pre that's not a Rams onslaught. He's underneath there. That's not a, you know, top five defense. He's falling prey to there. There should be something he's able to go out there and get done. I hate the the play call where he rolls to his left. I mean, that's again the combination of Waldron and and at times bad quarterbacking play have been married together too often. It's both going on at the same point. LA refs though. I'm I'm gonna take it, Wu Tang. I'm still using it for my title. You put it down technically on paper first, but it was in my mind. I had it in my mind for this title I'm gonna do. So I'm still taking that. <laughs> thank you for the five dollar dono. I appreciate you. Uh Phoebe Morsey Ox, thank you for the two dollar donation. So it's uh, tough. Draymond Jones was supposed to play outside. Yeah, he got some action in this game outside. Not really a lot of impact he was able to provide. Nor really any of the other pass rush for that matter. So um, uh, another guy much like with Adams, you, you know, you potentially have decisions to make and think about. One tackle in this game, no quarterback sacks, no TFLs. You know, you start to look at his contract and go, man, that's tough to keep that off on the books with this level of production we're getting back in return. We're spending a significant amount of money here and we're not feeling the heat on that. I like that they moved him to the outside to get better value out of him out there, especially on early downs when it's rundowns, especially to get Frank Clark and Daryl Taylor off the field. Don't like the fact that we're not getting much pass rush impact from him game in, game out. Jeffrey A. Thistle, thank you for celebrating 18 Lawn Monks as a Hawks Nest member. Our roster is fine. Can't be convinced otherwise. Being simple schematically isn't fooling anyone anymore. Everything looks so hard. Wonderfully put, Jeffrey. Thank you for your 18 months as a member of the channel, but wonderfully put. I can't, there, there's nothing I can really add to this other than I just agree wholeheartedly 100%. I, I don't think you can either. And they do make things look so hard. And sometimes it just feels like, as this casual fan would say, just it just feels needlessly hard sometimes. Needlessly oversimplified sometimes. Well said, Jeffrey. Right guy, thank you for the $2 donation. Says something about this loss hits differently. Agreed. To me, it comes in conjunction with the first loss. So it's really, there's two losses within this. It comes within the lack of answers for Sean McVay, the lack of updating your offense, the lack of updating your defense, the move at every single turn to simplification and undisciplined football, the combination of it all coming together for a crap soup, and we have to have a heathing 
tablespoon after tablespoon. <sighs> yeah, it's hitting me a little differently too. And I was hoping you guys would have more positivity for me. <laughs> but we're involved. Seems like we're maybe all in a bit of the same line with this one. And I swear I'm trying to get to the other side of this one, but I it's just that the multitude of things I see and it's going through this year. And these are two games this year you should have won. We should have these ones. This is not a good Rams team. They're really not. They had they had Cooper Cup for one and a half of eight quarters of football this year, and they beat you both games. I wish I had more for it on it. Sorry, guys. I'm trying. I'm trying here. Uh, save the geese, but I'm with you, right, guy? Save the geese. Thank you for the $5 donation. Appreciate you. This loss was depressing because Seattle was better, the better team. I'm running away from society until next off season. <laughs> Thank you for the fiver, man. I appreciate you for that. And uh, the loss, this loss is depressing. You can see it in the other comments too. It's This is a rough one because it does feel a little bit of like there, there was a little bit of a flicker of a light. Uh, you lose to the Ravens. Yeah, but there's still time for us to round this into shape. There's still a young team time to get to its high strength. Coach Carroll teams have sometimes played at their strongest at the end of the season. You start to think that that's still it's still kind of there in that light, but this feels like a little bit of an extinguishing loss to that a little bit because you just go, man, just it, they, they you can see how it's not going to hit. You can see where the failure point's going to happen. You can see the hole in the boat, and we're taking on water. We're still getting keeping the vessel maybe on the on the water, still keeping it floating, but we're not moving a whole lot. And I agree, as as you know, uh, Jeffrey was saying below, uh, our roster is fine. You say, as you say, save the geese. You can't convince me that Seattle was not the better team. Both of you two, in the way you put that, is exactly where I'm at with that too. You cannot convince me. I don't care. I I don't want to hear about Rams not rebuilding. You know, I had a content creator on who's one of the bigger Ram channel fans you're going to find, and asked him dead to his face first question: You're rebuilding or not this year? All these Rams fans started getting all pulled up into an anger, getting their panties up in a bunch about the fact that I broached the subject of my recap video that they're rebuilding this year. No, we're not rebuilding. How dare you think we're rebuilding? Get out of here. You're rebuilding. Just own it. I re I owned it last year. We happened to get the playoffs, but we called it what it was. You know, don't give me this like false confidence bravado crap. You're you're not that good. We're in a much better state. We should have won these two games. We're the better team. We got outcoached both of these two games. We've been outcoached a lot of this season. It's hard to have confidence that that's just going to self-correct itself over an offseason. And it's got me worried. Maybe I'll feel better after a night of sleep or something, but it's got me worried right now. And it doesn't sound like I'm alone. Uh, Jeffrey, thank you for the $10 donation. I appreciate you for that. And also, has been well, being a member of the channel as you've been, long-time member. If Jody plans to keep the team for the next few years, she needs to tell us what the plan is and what the goal is if we're rolling this back three-plus years and wasting this talent in their prime. I'm going to stop watching. I appreciate the $10 donation. And you pull back, I think, a, a can of worms that may be a bit of the 800-pound gorilla in the room that we don't want to talk about, but very well is what may be existing here. 
I'm not saying, again, I come to finality conclusions after tonight. I bring up some questions, which we'll go through on the, in the chat on these answers. But these are questions I bring up that I think are very, very fair questions. I would say another fair question on this, to your point on your donation, Jody wants to hold on to the team a little bit longer. Why? Because every extra year you can hold on to the team is that much more you're going to be able to then sell the team down the line. You wait a mere, you sell this team next year in spring for selling this team in the spring of 2027. That's four years. That's maybe another $750 million of extra increased value on the team over that span. So there's a little bit of the waiting game of increasing the value here from Jody's standpoint of things as there's nothing that mandates her to have to sell this team too fast. But at the same point in time, that can become a guiding light for the organization that steers you away from making the best decisions in regards to what you need to be doing for the team. If that is the guiding light, the question posed is, is it the guiding light of ownership right now? I don't think it is. I'm not sure. I'm worried. And I think it's a fair, a fair point to raise on your part, Jeffrey, and that this is a part of what we might be seeing here at play. That's why I, when people are going to call, and believe me, it's going to be a common call if you don't like hearing it. It's going to be a common thing you're going to hear if you're going to see performances like this for Coach Carroll to be moved on from and this and that. I, it's why I don't have a lot of confidence that that's even in the nature of reality of happenings. I just don't think she's in a, in a willing point to pull and make that call. And I don't think that they're going to tell us the plans, Jeffrey, because it's kind of like the plausible deniability thing. If you don't say the name of the evil out there, if you don't say, well, we're doing this to do this. Like if she just came out and said, you know, look, I can't afford to own the team. I got to sell the team. I get to sell it in my timeline. And it's in my best interest personally on this to wait as long as I can to sell the team. I don't want to make any major changes inside that time because it could affect the value of the sale of the team. And uh, you as fans just need to deal with that. You know, that, what would that do to ticket sales, Jeffrey? You know what I mean? What, what did uh, DePoto coming out to the fan base this offseason for the Mariners talking about winning 54% of the games? How, how did that land, both locally and nationally? So it's like, I agree with you that I'd love to hear her come out and say it, but there's no way that they would come out ever and say that or own that, even if that was what was going on in the background. And it very well may be going on in the background. You, start, you do start to, I, I'm granted year two of the rebuild here, and I'm not to bail point, but the, the bottom line on this is that how, how many coaches in recent NFL history has been given 10 years in between conference title appearances in the last 30, 40 years of football? You know, not too many. And that's okay. It's been 10 years. That's all right, but that's fine. But like, how do we have the confidence into the future if they're going to try old applications old applications that have long been proven not to work? It's a valid question, but uh, I get where you're coming from, Joe, Jeffrey, and I'd love to hear an honest owner come out and say it, but I don't think they would ever be honest in those moments and go, no, we're not telling you. Not saying. Like that movie, I'll never tell. Mega Lucario, thank you for the $2 donation. Broncos hold on to win 21-20. Let's go. Well, there's still hope here for our Hawks season. Still play, staying in that playoff hunt. Taking our position, taking our pole position. Pulling at the back of the pack. <laughs> hey, anyway, you got to get in the playoffs is anyway, you got to get in the playoffs, Mega. 
I'll, I'll take it. I don't care about style points or anything else. Sure would like to get in there with a little bit of uh, an exclamation point or a, a bit of a, you know, stamp. But uh, hey, <laughs> whatever it takes, I suppose, right? Thank you for the update, though. Broncos and Russ pull off another close one out there. Maybe they'll just bring back Russ this offseason. They're going to stay with the old. They just really stay with the old. You know, Russ gets cut. You can bring him back in. Thank you, though, Mega Lucario. All of you guys, uh, Jeffrey Thistle, Save the Geese, Bride Guy. Jeffrey, again, for the membership. Phoebe Moore, Seahawks, Wu-Tang, Connor, Samuel, Paul. Oh, my goodness. Phoebe Moore, uh, Seahawks, William Leonard. You guys are unbelievable. Mega Lucario, Cameron, Daniel, Radu. Thank you so, so very much. Unbelievable. And sorry, a little slow on the donations, but you guys are absolutely amazing with that. Support. Powered says, hello, 12s. On this depressing day, I feel fear our season may be over. We'll pitch in later. Very well could be. Joe, Drew, Drew Lock sucks. We need a serviceable backup. Yeah, I, I think that the the team's got to, I was already thinking they were going to lean in this direction anyway. And watching the performance today from him uh, just kind of cements it in my head, which I don't expect Drew Lock to go out there and outperform Geno Smith. I do expect for, what are we paying him? Four or $5 million this year. He's getting paid like a decent backup quarterback in this league, which means I need you functional when you go out there. Not, oh my God, I'm going to look like a rookie. Not, oh my God, I look like my palms are sweating right now. You got to go out there and look a little functional. Maybe Waldron didn't do you any favors, but uh, we can get that from a third round quarterback that's making one-fifth, one-fifth of what Locke's costing. Tommy says, so sick of people giving Pete and this coaching staff a free pass. If we don't win a playoff game, what would be one playoff win with what? Seven years? Why does Pete getting a free pass? He built this. I don't think he should be getting a free pass. And I, 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 I've been very hesitant on this because I don't want to jump to conclusions and I want to give Pete the honest, fair shake with this. I've wanted to say I want to wait until I get to the ultimate point of the final season to reach my ultimate conclusions on where I stand with this coaching staff and, and level of confidence or lack of level of confidence because I feel like I'll have given them the time to right the ship and point this in the right direction. But if the assessment's to be made at that point, it's there to be made. And I will come at it myself just from my own perspective as, as hard as I can in that direction and my frustration with it. Um, partly because I've, I've been patient with it and watching it and it has been years, and there aren't a lot of coaching staff that are given those kind of this kind of, these kind of passes. And eventually, you know, the excuses start to run out. It'd be one thing again. Just let's take this through a like way this could play out this year with Coach Carroll. Like, let's let me take you back two years to an alternate timeline. You change over to Hurt. You lean into the guiding principles of the Vic Fangio defense. You work in a little bit more of the pressure 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 rates, especially dialing up blitzes that go beyond just the five stack that they like to run time and time again. Sometimes some six and seven man blitzes within there as well. You know, you you change it up. You you start to tighten up some of the soft zone coverages and be willing to maybe have a occasional deep ball that might beat you. But wow, you're really staying on top of the short stuff. They're not just bleeding you. You know, slowly. You know. Now we get down to now the two-year period here where they've, they've said, this is the philosophy we're changing to. And now we're here to almost the two-year point of that. And then we see some points of it, of it not working, of it failing, of it, ah, that's not working, that's not working. That would at least be understandable because you're trying something new that now isn't working. But when you're still trying the same thing that was supposedly the whole impetus behind making the change to hurt and making the change to this defense in the first place, that's where it gets less understandable, and that's where there's less room, in my opinion, not to kind of put a little bit more of a harsher blame at play here saying, come on, you were supposed to make this change, and you're not making it. 
And it's hard to ask people to make excuses for that or explain that away. And I'm not going to do it. But I'm, I'm going to wait till the final point of the season to get to the ultimate point of that conclusion. That's for sure. O'Dwyer says, it's hard to see Waldron coming back next season. He is so, so bad at it in-game adjustments. His starting 15 drives are great, and then he just looks like a deer in the headlights. Well said, O'Dwyer, and I agree. Nicholas Cox, I love Pete Carroll, but he has the same issues for years. It's a common trend. We're seeing it the same. Mike says, the team is loaded. This coaching staff is trash. Kevin, the fact that Puka just kept sitting in the middle of the field getting it down after down is the most frustrating shit. Yeah, I, I, it's and then it slid that way in the game after you were tightening things up early on. So lame. Kyrian says, I really, really hate Aaron Donald. I really hate that man. Are we done with the start Drew Lock talk? That PI call that got the Rams back in the game should get a ref fired. Awful call. Yeah, I, I, the, that was the worst of the bunch. There were some bad ones in the game, but that took the cake. And uh, yeah, I think the Drew Lock talk will probably slow down a bit tonight. And Aaron Donald, I'm, I'm sure Gino's going to see him in his dreams. He was already saying stuff like, oh my God, early this season. And I, I gave Gino a hard time for that. Now I kind of feel bad. Like maybe, maybe, oh my God is right. Lazy Beach Bomb, if he misses a 25-yard kick, he'll be more upset. 55 yards, pretty hard, given the pressure to make it. Yeah, there'll be some that maybe come down on, on Myers with this thing. Well, we gotta, that's why you pay him for that. 55-yard kicks, I think, are, are not the highest a percentage of kicks. And he had already made two of them, 55-yarder for game, and he didn't miss it by that far. It's just, that's a tough kick. That, that's going to be, you kick three of them in a the game with a good kicker, I'd hope that he can make two or three. I don't know, my expectation would be that he's got to make all three 100%. Yeah, I'm, I feel the same on that. And Power says, uh, how have we not learned to double-team Aaron Donald? It's literally the most commonsensical do-brain-cells-required thing. How do you leave him ISOed with Haynes? Someone explain it to me. I'm sick of it. I have no explanation. It's frustrated the hell out of me, too. You would have thought that it would have provided a hallmark moment the more you know that when you got your, your first quarterback broken to him after he had sacked and beaten that quarterback. Oh, but you know, let's also remember... That hit to Russell at that point, that was a culmination, right? That was a culmination of Aaron Donald serving as a combination of Freddy Krueger and Jason from Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. And for every year that Wilson's been in this league, just absolutely always on his back. And then finally breaks him. You'd think that would have put the snapshot moment in the mind of the coaching staff of, oh, let's, let's provide some more attention here to this Donald guy. Maybe he's a bigger threat, especially when you have it be a year with the Rams where there is no... Von Miller coming off the edge, or even a Leonard Floyd. They got nothing. All they got there is Donald, the only guy that could really give you a lot of havoc. All they, other than that, they got to manufacture their pass rush, as they did today. And still, you let him beat you. I don't know. Uh, Fumi says, funny we're discussing what went wrong and who to blame after every game we lost. Uh, laughing out loud, we can't talk. Laughing out loud, we can talk all we want. Nothing's going to change. Pete doesn't care about what we think. Very well may be the case. Very well may be the case. Well, Alexander says, Waldron and the refs cost us this game. Big part of it. I think Alexander, too, I'd say both Waldron and the defense, that are. I'd agree with you. I think Waldron definitely kind of has the coach not to lose part in this game where it got very conservative as the game went along from his stance, but I'd say as well, though he did bail on the run at one point. So it is a little bit weird with that. 
Um, but I thought the defense did that too as much as well. Eric uh, Glasgow says, yeah, 55 is long. What's the percentage, I wonder? I can look it up. What? Are made at... All right, let's see how smart Google is. So in the fact, the last five years, kicks from 50 to 53 yards were made at 70%, but there's a little bit of a drop, it looks like. Once you, there's a pretty big drop once you get down to 55 yards. So it's it's a 50-50 kick, 55 yards, according to the NFL rates, at least from 2014 to 2018. Maybe that's improved a little bit in this time, but I would imagine that if not 50, okay, it's 60%. It's still not a kick that if you kick three of those, you're going to make three. James Peter says, we have a great young team, but we need to make upgrades on both lines. Definitely could help. So Tiger Brandon, I'm not sure if Pete still knows how to get this team ready for Sunday. I'm not sure if the team is actually practicing the play calling due to injuries. I see lots of execution issues. Could be the second part. Boating a big part of this process. Uh, I, I'm, I'm having the same questions as you're hearing with me today. Snow Tiger on the chat with this one and where my outlook is with it. I, I have questions and I'm wondering and I'm not too certain about it. I will tell you this thing, by the end of the year, I will get to a certainty and I'm not going to take any kind of an account of, well, we had these last four games against this run and the Steelers and that's a tough run. I mean, what do we expect with the young team? I'm, there's not going to be any of that for me. I will not be playing the excuse game at the end of the year with this football team. Not when I'm seeing why we're actually losing on game day. Michael Camp says, Brandon, the Bills didn't hesitate to fire their OC following their loss to Denver. Can we give that thought in regards to Waldron too? I think it's a very plausible thing. Today was a fiasco. I don't know if it's in Carroll's DNA nature to necessarily fire a guy in season. I don't believe he's ever done that before. And I think that he's respectful enough in this situation like that where he just, whether take that for what you will, I just don't think that that's in him to do that necessarily possible it's been done in the past uh the ravens famously did it once and it helped to galvanize their offense back in the day then get them to a super bowl that year if i'm not mistaken but uh, i would um i would not believe that we would see it and if it was to happen you might see p Garrell be made offensive coordinator at that point <laughs> he might just take over the duties
And Allen Denver might not cut. Russell might. Remember with them, there's a, a week after this season goes through. The, very, the big key with the Russell Wilson situation is this. He has an a, a escalator hit in his contract that's going to guarantee and put them on the hook for more money to Russell Wilson a week after the end of the season. So it's not just about, hey, we already have this money we've invested in, so what the hell? It's also about, do we want to invest even more money into Russell Wilson going forward on top of the money we're already on the hook for with him? That's what might kind of color that or, or muddy that just a little bit. Highs and lows, I really like Waldron so much, but I mean, damn, bro. Hey, I, it's my, well said, high and low, well said. I was a big Waldron guy too, but he has looked like a completely different coordinator this year. And that's with a better offense. That's with a more complete offense. That's with the ascent of Bobo and Jackson Smith and Jigba and having all three of his tight ends at his disposal. Uh, that's with Charbonnet and his influence. Why are you worse? Especially since you've not exactly gone up against the murderer rows of opponents. Delusion, did you touch on the flags? That was ridiculous. Big part of this. I'm, I'm annoyed as hell by it. Um, yeah, I touched a little bit on it. And it's, it's a thing that we talk about week in, week out. And it's either one of two things. It's either we are not just the most undisciplined team in football, but we are by far the most undisciplined team in football. Or we got some officiating crews which aren't calling these games straight up. It's one of those two. Okay, it's not a conspiracy. Okay. Then we've got the most undisciplined football team in all of football by far. Those are our two conclusions to reach out of this game and this season with the officiating and how bad we have been hammered by the calls game in and game out. I can't get to it being just completely that we're the most undisciplined team in football when there's so many ticky-tack calls layered into all these other calls on top of it. It starts to feel a little bit extra. Michael M says, Purdy's lead the league in QBR and passer rating. Might be good. Just might. Just might. He's going to cut this defense up like nothing else. So we're going to slide back in our four-man fronts. Be like, Brock, you won't beat us with a seven-yard in-cutting route. Yes, I will. Brock, you won't beat us with a seven-yard slant route. Yes, I will. See how it goes. Red Ace O continues to be underwhelming this year. Time's running out, and we haven't come close to playing a complete game on offense. Hard to imagine they'll find their stride the next month, but who knows? Who does know? Football's a hard game to predict, Red Ace, and especially the injury factor and all that. It's tough to pinpoint exactly, exactly how you know it to go, but they have definitely played to a certain type this year. It's been a certain type of tune, and uh, the offense has been a, a tough, tough to watch. As long as we got, we really got to enjoy our whole Thanksgiving day just to be depressed tonight. <laughs> Big Docs, I would like, I would have to look at the offensive lines, time of possession in the second half, and the number of bad penalty calls by the referees before I got too upset with the defense. Yeah, it would be that way for me, Dick Docs, if it wasn't just the by the manner by which they they got beat in the second half there, defensively speaking. That's the the issue, big issue I have there with it. Um, I'm not going to point to them as the main culprit, definitely by any respect. Offense has got to wear that crown, but 
Um, definitely did their part. Niramak, uh, it's, if it's not the offense of the defense, there's always something wrong with this team. <laughs> Robert, you mean Brandon, the Hawks should start playing like a modern football team? Pete and John are great at finding players, but they are not, they're playing old school ground chuck football. Yeah, I, it's the part that I was willing to give when a lot of people were at the bail point of Coach Carroll and John Schneider when we got to that two-year period with this draft. And I said, okay, let's see where they're going to be at on the side of this Russell Wilson trade. Let's see what happens now where Coach Carroll has embraced bringing in Waldron, modernizing, to your point, Robert, the ninth, late 1980s offense, and then flipping over his defensive coordinator and saying things like, we've been arrogant in our ways. Again, this is a, a quote. I'm going to grab it and have it as a clip I can play, I think, just to play it over and over again. Coach Carroll at the Combine two years ago, we've been arrogant in our ways. We've been arrogant in our ways. We've got to change to something new. Because you can say, Brandon, you're BSing. You're full of it. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you know better than Coach Carroll? Okay, remove me from the process. Coach Carroll on Coach Carroll. We've been too arrogant two years ago. Two years later, uh, I forgot all that noise. And then I shouldn't get frustrated by that. And you guys are frustrated. I am frustrated. And this is why for you guys that might be very pro-Coach Carroll people, you got to understand the people on our camp get very frustrated by this because you're saying we understand there needs to be changed. It's the alcoholic who's down in a fifth every day. And he's like, okay, I get it. I, I'm having too much. I got to stop with this. Yeah, you got to stop with this. You're not a bad person. You're not a bad coach. There's things you can bring to the table here, but you got to stop drinking. This thing is upending your whole game. Okay. Okay, I get it. And he's telling you all that. And you're, you get back into your regular business and then you look over the side of your thing and he's over there, you know, taking a little sniff there off the thing and putting it back in his pocket. And you're like, bro, what did we just talk about? Yeah, I know, but it's just so tasty. That's how I feel like he's is with the soft zones a little bit. It's just so tasty but it's just so warm and comforting. They can never get a big play against it. It just makes me so warm and happy inside. Uh, Bill Mon Georges, our linebackers can't cover it all. Yeah, they, they're not great at coverage. It doesn't help when you put end up putting receivers on them at times due to your coverages. And McVay knows how to go after it. Bob Bup says the Seahawks lost because Gino got injured, period. No other reason. Nicholas, what the hell happened with all the penalties in the defense? I don't know, man. I don't have a lot of explanations today. I got questions, not many answers. The Kings L, Hawks won't, Hawks will go. Hawks, W go. Hawks go three and one the next four games. Everyone's going to go back to the bandwagon. <coughs> Just relax. We'll win on Thursday and take the division back. Relax. Kings L, I'm, I'm definitely just coming off a loss. And like I say with this, I'm, I try to be as even keel as I can with my approach with this, but I am an, I'm a fan like you guys are emotionally invested in the team and there's going to be an immediate reaction. Um, doesn't mean it'll carry forth days and days later. Maybe not having a day of sleep on it and ponder it. Maybe you start to relax and it starts to suit and fit a little bit better. Um, this one doesn't catch me quite that way, but I'm also saying I'm not trying to reach conclusions about what I'm seeing on this team. Just, this is just where it's been up so far to here to this point of the year. Here's what this team's given us. And while they've had wins this year, it's, it's been a schedule that's been pretty easy. It's been one of the easier schedules in all of football that you've gotten to play up until this point. And it's not going to go that way into the future now. And so, again, we get to that logical point. Is it unreasonable for a fan who's watched your team have one of the easier schedules in football, not able to really make as much hay through that schedule as you'd think if they were to be a team that's going to be a good to great team? I think that's a fair outlook. 
Does that mean that they can't turn it around and dial it up these next four games and find some answers and go and run like you say? Absolutely, they could. Um, I think the frustration is warranted, and I get what you're saying about the bandwagon thing. As I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to find the nuance on this and say I'm not trying to bail on the team or ba- abandon with them, but I'm definitely having a struggle in my confidence level on some of the things I'm seeing out there in the field to believe that you know you're going to go out there and suddenly start bl- going blitz heavy against Brock Purdy next week. Maybe they will. Maybe they've been just like sitting in the back pocket. Just waiting. Three hours says Donald should have never been one-on-one with Haynes. Haynes is not an elite right guard. He cannot take him on himself. Donald should have been doubled all game long. Agreed. Agreed. Fritz, 130 yards and penalties. Either the refs hate us or the Hawks are severely undisciplined. Almost happened with the Browns too. That's right, Fritz. Like you say, this is a... Every single game we get to see this. This is not a, oh, it'll, there'll be a regression to the main. Oh, it'll balance out over the course of an NFL season. Where the hell is the balancing coming out on this penalty crap? Because every, we're, every week we are on the bad side of it. We're on the brown side of it, if you know what I'm saying. And I'm over it. Save the geese. Thank you for the $5 donation. I appreciate you for that. Save the geese. Says when Bill Belichick is let go next season, what's Pete's excuse for being on this team? Don't understand his roster building, paying those safeties. Yeah, the returns on the safety play, I I don't get either. I don't get how the team can be married to it going forward, and it didn't make a lot of sense going at it. And uh, that's uh, unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. And it's not to say Quandary Diggs is a bad player, for instance. He's had times this year where he's played pretty decently. But when you are playing a single high role so often and it's just stay over the top and keep things clear, that you have to pay that much money for this kind of one point of skill set you're paying for does seem like a high cost. And when you're paying for Jamal Adams, who doesn't seem to have an ability to bring down a quarterback when he is able to get there on the few times they will dial up the pressure as they've seemed to have traded for a Jamal and yet don't actually want to blitz him anymore all that much. If you go, okay, what are we, we're, why are we paying this money, this, this position? Uh, the team really got ahead of themselves with their thought process on their approach to the secondary, in my opinion here, Save the Geese, because they thought they could build from back to front. And I, I think that it's so much more better of an investment to go front to back. That's what really great defenses choose to do instead. But we decided to go the other way with it, and it's not necessarily brought all the, that much of returns by doing it. Um, excuses? I don't know. I, I suppose he'll be able to maybe say at least, especially they get to the playoffs this year, Geese, he's been going to the playoffs recently, whereas Belichick has been looking ever diminishing as a coach. You know, it's been sliding further and further downhill there. Um, the other part of it with Bill Belichick is that he's the general manager coach. You don't just get the coach, you get the general manager too. And it's as much the general manager of Bill Belichick that will get him fired as it is what he's doing as a coach. Whereas Coach Carroll at this point, I believe, is just a coach. So he is off the hook for what would be bad personnel decisions, I suppose, to a degree. I mean, he's going to influence those as well. I don't, that's, that gets to the tough part to pull apart one from the other there necessarily. But those would be the reasons I would think would be, I, I'm not saying that they hold up, save the geese, to scrutiny. But those would be the reasons probably given as the differences between the two situations there. I uh, save the geese also with a $20 donation. Save the geese. Thank you for the double donation. Very kind of you. Wow. Very, very kind, man. Appreciate you for that. 
I'm normally pretty chill after a loss, but this one, for whatever reason, just feels awful because Seattle had every reason to win had they called better plays. Need to watch a good movie tonight. Think I'll watch about time. Uh, I got another one for you guys. We're Netflix, on Netflix right now. I'm sure many of you are aware of it. I think we've even talked about this movie. Went back and watched it for the first time in about five years, six years. Uh, great Western called, what was it called? <laughs> Silverado. So uh, Silverado on Netflix right now. If you like yourself a good, good Western, early, early 80s, I think. Uh, great cast, wonderfully acted, just a great story. Still holds up to this day. Fantastic film. I watched that one last night myself, Save the Geese. Um, and I like you. I mean, you can attest to this. Most of these losses this year, I haven't really freaked out on. The two that are going to stick in my craw harder than the other are going to be the Rams loss and this loss. Or the Rams first loss and the second loss. I, this is just a team where I understand Carol, McVay's got Carroll's number to a degree, but you are so much of a better team and much more of a better state to go out there and handle business this year. As somebody else was saying, you swept this Rams team last year with, with at times, especially in that second matchup, a, a beaten up crew, you know, a defensive line non-functioning for a lot of the year. And now you go out there and you're, you're running out, you're trotting out there what you're trotting out and you can't find the answers there with it. And this one does hit me a little bit differently and it's not to, where the people might get angry with to say, jump off the bandwagon, but man, it just hits differently. It hits differently and going, boy, this is, this is not good. This is not just shake it off and move on to the next. This is, this is going to leave a mark. There's a stain on this one a little bit going forward, and it's something that potentially can carry on beyond this year, and I believe for good reason, save the geese. And I'm hoping the coaching staff can find that answer within it and lean into it fully, not partially, but all the way into it. But it's on them at this point to, uh, to lean in that direction if they're going to choose to do it. So I feel where you're coming from, man. I thank you for your, uh, your double donation on there. I hope that's a good movie. There's another one for you too, as, as far as a recommendation goes. And, uh, I usually am pretty chill after a loss too, man. I, I, I understood this year. If we were not going to be a team to be ready to be a contender because we were so young, I was, I could get that, but there were also going to be things that we're going to pay attention to that were going to be specific points on this team that I was looking for to be improved upon things that go, went beyond just the youth on this team and they're not being improved upon. And it doesn't provide me a lot of confidence going into the future at this point. Derek says, but bet we don't cover the next four weeks and we'll be rich. <laughs> Highs and lows is getting swept by the 49ers is one thing, but the Rams too, man. Yeah, that one hurts a little bit extra. That one, that one hits the right in the short and curlies. Tom Eden says, I don't understand how Pete can say he wants to run the ball more and then not run the ball more. Is he head coach? Can't he make that happen? Reminds me of when he said, I have no answers. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it much either. Um, Team's oddly gone away from the run at times, real, uh, really often. This one, I think they just didn't trust that they could move the ball at all. They were creating no holes. But then it was again too, Tommy, a lot of A and B gap runs. Where's the outside runs? Why has everything got to be up the middle all the time? Bazil says, agreed. We just, we need to keep pushing the run. Pushing the run would be a good direction. 
Yeah, go run, go into more running game at this point. Fraudly Russ Kansas, so many what ifs. If Gino didn't get injured, if the refs didn't make that call, if Meyer made that kick, if we were right there, if Waldron wasn't boneheaded. Yeah, one probably one too many in there, huh? But you're right. Those does are how it exists and rolls right now. Say the geese, I'm just so disappointed in today's loss. They should have easily won if they called the game properly. DK is so wasted on this roster with Pete's entire philosophy. Doesn't even run. I know. I'm even sure what the philosophy is offensively anymore. Eliza says, in case Waldron is done during the offseason, who should we bring in to replace him? Um, tried Somebody tried and true at this point. You've got too good of an offense to be trying out some young buck who's never called a play before, like was the case with Waldron. So you want to look to suit to find somebody that's actually called plays together and can, you, you know, you're giving them basically a downhill, a downhill ability to keep that car up and running. You know, they don't need a battery in the car. They can kickstart it with a little bit of the downward motion. That's an old school manual transmission reference for you young kids. So you can just get the downhill going and do, 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 and you get it going and you click it on the, the car starts up and here we go. So uh, they're going to have that to work with whatever offensive coordinator comes in, but find someone that actually has called games before, as opposed to this being Waldron's first time and him seemingly at times, maybe not, not exactly ready for this moment fully. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it, whatever the reason be is that not good enough, but I don't have an exact person in mind. Just give me somebody that, that has actually done it in this league. People might call those retreads. I'll take a retread at this point. A retread's going to take to this and look at it like a dream scenario. I get that. I get that. I got that too. Oh, I get these over here. Oh, my backs are there. Oh, the line's getting better. Yeah, okay. I can make that work. I think Dox has agreed one-on-one with Donald's recipe for a quarterback injury for sure. Sadly, the same will happen against the Niners. Waldron will not have tight ends Chip Bosa on every play. Shaking my head. Oh, it's for sure. No, you'll be you'll allow him one-on-one. That's what they do with Bosa too. You're, you'll get a little bit of chips, but it's a very tiny bit of chips. It's like three chips in the bottom of the bag. Not a, not a whole bag of Doritos. Not the king size. Not the king size bag of chips. And uh, that's good. That's what we're going to probably be facing. What's the line on Seattle's 49er game? I'm not sure. Probably like seven points at this point. Mick, after how they've been playing lately, I'm kind of wondering if we should have gone up, all, we should have gave up all those picks for Leonard Williams. He's been okay, but he hasn't been a game changer. Yeah, I mean, it, a lot of it was on the assessment of where the team saw themselves in their potential for being a contender this year. And it does look like maybe they, uh, not maybe, but it does look at this point like they missaw themselves for what they they thought they were, which they weren't because they don't look close to being a contender right now, much less him being the player that takes you over the top. We'll uh, see what the plan will be long-term with him here in Seattle. I, I think that they're going to make an effort to re-sign him and very well he could end up being um, the highest priority for agent you got on the roster as it stands, and that might affect a little bit of this. But uh, it's, a, it's a valid thing to wonder at this point. Diego says, I'm not thankful for this Thursday night coming up. Ha ha, go Hawks. I'm not either. Thanksgiving sucks. 
as the Wolverines, when you have DJs playing music, people dancing around during training camp, you get your focus players. Uh, everybody likes cool grandpa players like it, but we're unfocused during games. It's true. Mike, I'm not even sure firing Waldron would do anything. It starts with Pete and always has. It's definitely the place you start to head to a little bit at the first and foremost here. Hoop craze, we need the 12s loud for a chance to win. Yeah, 12s are going to have to show up on Thursday night in a big way to get through that one. Russell Marcus says, I thought Locke had that dog in him. He's got a hose. I guess not a dog. Gavin says the Broncos won four in a row. Let's go Broncos. Mario, this team needs to toughen up and this four-game stretch is important. Y'all want the playoffs? Go out and play elite teams. You're going to have to earn it this year if you want to get the playoffs, to your point, Mario. No freebie passes, no getting in the back door of the playoffs, hoping a Lions team can beat Green Bay on the road like they did last year. You're going to go get in. You're probably going to at the very least have to take one of these wins from this next four games. Aiden says, I can't wait for six and eight. Big country, yeah, the biggest question for me is how much does say does Pete have in the offense? That's where it gets hard on Waldron or Pete. Or it, it, it does, to me, get a little bit strange how the offense starts to look so similarly to the prior offense. And so dissimilar from the Sean McVay offense where Waldron was supposed to be coming from. That gets my suspicions up just a bit. Tyler Raymond says the play calling doesn't utilize our personnel to their strengths. Amen. You should be getting more out of this crew. Flip and flapjacks. No, Gino did good today. Aaron, dumbass Donald, lit him up and he was out for an important time of the game. Didn't help that the defense decided to play like amateurs. Well, amen. Amen. Mike says this game is on Pete. That atrocity of a game plan. Johnson's question just arrived. Might have been asked, what do you think of that trade with the Giants now? I'm honestly, at the end of the day, with the, the trade for the Leonard Williams thing, I, I don't get as much out of whack on that one as some other folks do. You have two third round picks. It's going to be likely to be middle to late second round pick that you give up in that case. You are going to need to address the defensive line into this offseason. So if we had not made the Leonard Williams trade and you have Mario Edwards leaving after his uh, one-year deal, and you have Jaron Reed, who's okay, but function he's functional in there, but he's not a game wrecker, and you have young Cam Young, who's not really stepped forward, and you have not a lot else there. I, I ask you, and you don't make the Leonard Williams trade, where do you go get that defensive lineman? We're going to just trust that we'll find it in the draft. Then we're going to bring a young rookie in, hoping that he can be dynamic and impactful then in that early on point when you're looking to be a contender. I I. I I, th I really have a strong intuition that they're going to be re-signing Leonard Williams. And if Leonard Williams is in here for the now and into the future, that impacts a little bit of the draft value given up. But it's really hard to find defensive linemen right now, John. They are, they are held in very high esteem, and, and to pull one free of a team is very hard, as you can see with this trade. So you're going to have to give up one way or another prime assets to find one if you were. He's maybe not been a game wrecker, but you weren't trading for him to be a game wrecker. It more speaks to where we have the devaluing of the running back, we have the increased valuing of the defensive tackle position. Think of it like both of them are going in opposite directions. And so you have defensive tackles more and more being held in higher esteem, being paid higher prices. And with that, there becomes a cost of going business if you're going to need to find one guy. 
and it's really driven as much by anything when you get dialed back to it. You just haven't necessarily been able to find a guy in the draft the last few years to work in there. You've always had to look from the outside in for defensive linemen recently. And that's why you got to make a trade like this. And if you don't, I don't know where you're going to go get that guy because you're not going to be able to afford some major free agent on the open market. And I'm not sure there's even going to be an equivalent trade for a Leonard Williams type this next offseason at that point in time. James is, uh, Gino is a great quarterback. The problem is he isn't getting the line he needs or the time for his plays to develop. Shoot, he didn't even get his first read on that Donald play. No, he did not. And he's definitely been, I'm fine with Gino. He's not the main problem at play here. And I certainly want to just concentrate on where we're at right now with the main issues at play, which is, I think, leading back to a bit more of the coaching staff, play calling, that type of thing. Masterful, I'm so out on Pete, have been for years. Only team in the league with 22 seconds on the 39-yard line. We run and kick rather than throw to get more yards. That's inexcusable. Definitely, I was a little, I, I was annoyed with that too, Masterful. And I'm, I'm definitely not, as you can hear and list me on the stream, I'm not necessarily in on beat right now for sure. I will say in that moment, what we're hearing in the post-conference pressers is that the mics went out in the helmet for Gino. He couldn't hear Waldron at that point, so Gino had to freestyle it on that call. Now, Gino didn't call the best of plays. They're going with the run play. but uh, And it's weird that the mics, that the headset um, headsets go out at that moment. It's very, very strange. But... Um, and I guess that's what happened. Tommy says, when you trade a second and a fifth for Leonard Williams, you're going all in. No, no excuses because you get your butt handed to you uh, for a hard schedule. They pushed the chips in this year. They did. Flip and flap jacks. Uh, no, wait. Uh, Joseph Romero. Gino's a bridge quarterback, but got to find someone else. It's clear as day. James says, I mean, we grab a McVay offensive coordinator and then say we want to run the ball since when have the Rams been a running team? For me, it's not necessarily that they need to stay committed to running the ball. I mean, McVay and them ran the ball a decent amount today. I, I think, and look, they've been a running team at times, James. Remember, they had when they had Gurley there, they were a pretty heavy running team on top of passing. They always kind of found a certain amount of balance at that point. Maybe became more pass happy once Gurley moved on and they didn't have as good a talent at the running back position. But they use a lot of the, the horizontal rushing attack you know they get lateral with you especially the fly sweep element of things and that's the part of his offense that we're not really trying to pick up and roll with it seems like john what are your thoughts on the possible lawsuit against the bengals in the nfl with no injury report with joe burrows video of wrist brace on pre-game on monday night football uh yeah i i think that you want to bring in and legalize betting into your sport and injury reports are important to disclose for this very reason and how they impact that betting said market. You can't be surprised then when you have people that raise lawsuits to you when you're not being honest uh, about the injuries at hand. And uh, I would expect that the Bengals are going to get whacked, might even lose themselves a draft pick on this one because the NFL is probably going to come down on it pretty hard being that they don't want this to be duplicated, especially if there's a big lawsuit that costs them a lot of money, which I imagine they'll come out to with some settlement. But uh, it's, yeah, it's valid on the approach of people to raise it. You you have to let people know of that kind of stuff. 
Jessica Sylvia, they were up 16-0 and lost 16-17. to Ooh, we didn't, no, Jessica, we didn't get up 16-0. I mean, we were out, we had 10-3 at one point in this game. Mark Zuckerberg, I'm really proud of Gino today for stepping up and giving it all, it, it, giving it his all. Thursday awaits us for domination. I love the uh, confidence, Mark. I truly do. And uh, did really love to see Gino come back out there. That arm's hurting him. He's got that ice pack on him. Comes out and he actually does execute a final drive. It does put you into field goal range. No timeouts. Good to see Gino do that as we saw last week. He has been a guy that has at times done really well here. Uh, especially this year in moments when you need him at the end of the game to get you a drive. George uh, Varghese, this is a Rams rebuild year next year. Tons of draft picks, about $60 million under the cap. They will be good for many years. Hawks are toast. Dang. Can't push back on any of it. Masterful, this was a typical Seahawks game. I'm so used to. The penalty on Spoon was BS. Next possession, third and 15 penalty, classic. Then drive down to a 55-yard field goal and bank a W and then miss, obviously. Yeah, it was a it was it was definitely a fit to type type of game. Karian says, I'm drinking a 12-pack of beer tonight. Let's not talk about alcoholism. You're just you're just coping. That's all we're doing. It's coping. Dak, the Geno hate is ridiculous at this point. I truly believe our play calling on offense just falls apart in the second half. Geno was injured, but still put in put us in a position to win the game. Yeah, I'm not going to shade Geno up on this performance. You know, there was a dip a little bit in the third quarter with him, but he didn't. You're right. We got to put the reason Dak in the right spots for why you win or lose the game. Can't get caught up in in the minor minutia. I'm, you know, it's let's you know stick on the spots that are the part that are really what needs to be addressed, not just for the now, but for the future of this team. Flippin', Flapjacks, it's evident when good players leave and become great somewhere else. It's the way we draft, too. We always miss talent. Either that or we lack coaching and development. Definitely got to get better. Mr. Dog says Cooper Cup was injured, too. That was a bad loss. Yep, Cup out most of the game. Yeah, the German suplex by Witherspoon was a bit much. I knew that was on the... The flag didn't come initially, and I was like, ooh, we got away with one there. I know you didn't. No, you didn't. Jeffrey Thistle, thank you for the $5 donation. Media's Pete's Media Hardball Question of the Week. Rough game. Boxers or briefs, coach? <laughs> it's so true, Jeffrey. It is so true. That's the, the media's approach is so strange. And I just I I wonder, I've wondered at times as if it's that the sports media Seahawks have just been told, like, don't ask Pete these tough questions. We want to hear it. Well, you can lose your press pass or what it is, because no one ever really presses him on any real tough questions. He's always just kind of softball handed. And man, there's a lot of questions I would ask him. Well, Pete, you changed to this defense two years ago that's supposed to be a change, but it, it seems to be that you lose a lot of the similar ways the old defense lost. Why haven't you fully implemented that change further? Why does the Shane Waldron scheme look so similar to your offensive scheme prior to you making the change to Waldron? Well, we can't ask him that. He might get mad at us. Seems like a valid question to ask, though. And if the answer is we've made a change, 
What changes have you made? Yeah. Amazing uh, Mario Brothers, that, that running play at the very end with no timeouts left us left was the stupidest thing I've seen in years. If Gino couldn't hear the call, why not just spike it? It's scary that a veteran quarterback does that. Yeah, I would have liked to see a spike there too. And that's not the best of decision moments there by Gino. It's you're used to hearing the guy in the headset and it just suddenly goes out. It's you're at the end of the game. There's a lot flying all over the place. He's trying to, you know, not, you know, make us, you know, he knows he's in field goal range kind of at that point thinking let's run it and steal an extra five, six yards. And we know Myers can hit that. Myers did just barely miss it. But I get it. It's not, you would have liked to have a spike there and let him get back in the huddle and then let the, the situation be figured out. Hayden Fassett, I watch games with my brother, Eagles fan. He always wonders why I get so down in the middle of the game. It's because I've seen many hot games, so many, so many, I've seen so many hot games this way. Stalls and play awful, we lose. Yeah, we've been down this road and path many a time, many a night. Masterful Pete did a great job for a long time. He's a Hall of Famer, but I'm ready for change, and I accept it could be worse. I can't push back against people that are at that spot of it, and I, I start to understand more and more why. We'll see where I'm at at the end of the year. I'm not fully there at that yet. I'm not calling for Pete's head at the yet, but I can get people in their sentiment to reach that, this conclusion and go, man, I don't think this is going to ever change. I think he's going to be stuck in his ways, and being stuck in those ways is always is going to prevent him, especially schematically, from reaching back into a contending elite state. Mark, there's offense built around Gino. We could see today like crazy lock. We'll need some help before even if it goes in Thursday. Hopefully lock's not out there. Jessica refs are gonna are gonna keep games close. It's a think. They can't leave it up to the refs or the kicker though. <laughs> Tommy says, stupid thing is there's a place for a soft zone. It's basically a prevent defense. It's supposed to be run when you're trying to kill a game, not all game long. High school teams run it. I agree, and I agree, and I agree. That's what I thought. Space, is Walker seriously injured? No, it sounds like it's an oblique strain, which could be a minor oblique tear like uh, McCaffrey had, but it's probably going to have him a week or two, especially with the schedule. They'll probably hold him out this week and maybe the week after in Dallas. John, I have the White Niners winning 35-13. I think it's probably going to be pretty close to what I would see the game to be as well. I would agree too. Masterful Jamal will go down as one of the worst trades ever due to injury, but still two firsts and a record contract crippling. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to have ripple effects too, I think beyond, you know, into our history with being willing to make those kind of deals and moves. But it definitely stung. Aiden says, our roster is so much better, it hurts. What's that leave? 
at least the coaching staff would think that's where a lot of us are at tonight, Aiden. Rather than being on the play, I mean, certainly players got to have their sense, <laughs> share the blame and how they got to take this. But I think when you look at it first and foremost, we find ourselves looking at the coaching staff coming on the heels of this one. Zilla Hawk says, uh, Sherm said Jason Myers is a Pro Bowl kicker who was kicking in a stadium that's not exposed to the outside elements, and he has no excuse missing that kick. It's a must-make. I don't, I, I, I don't know where, and Zilla, it's definitely been mentioned on a few folks with getting the, the kick thing. The thing with it, I was just looking back at the data on this. I, I can show you guys here the graph. Um... Let me show you guys this. I'm kind of surprised that Sherman's going to the kicker on this one, to be honest with you. Like I, the, the kicker is not the first place I'd go to. He already hit 50, 250 yarders here in this one. But let's look at this graph right here. This is at least a four-year period. The top marker shows your kicking percentage. And the bottom marker shows how far those kicks were out. So we can see that if you're at 46 to 49 yards out, you're going to have about a 70% rate of hitting that kick. When you get to 50 to 53 yards out, you're at about still, uh, what about, right in that 65%-ish, 68%. Now, when we get to 54 to 57, or in the range of where Myers was kicking, it tends to be about a 55, 50% made kick. So it's a 50-50 kick. And considering he'd already made two of them on the game, you're kind of playing with the odds at that point, right? You're kind of playing with the fact that you're thinking the, the dice are going to keep coming up seven when they've already come up seven twice twice already. And so I, I, I really can't drive too hard on Myers with that one saying he's just got to make that 55-yarder. That's a long kick for, field, for kickers to make. That's not an easy kick. And elements are not. It's just, it's not. So I, I hard to go to, to me on this to just ask Jason Myers. I think there's just, be, it seems like that's a simplified kind of, and you're, I know you're Dizzle, you're saying Sherman did said it, it, but just, it's a, it's like, there's, there's other parts I point to much more fervently in this game and say, this is the bigger issue here. If we're going to ask our kicker to make three fifty yard field goal attempts over the course of the game, like we're, I don't think many NFL teams are winning the game. If that's what they're asking their kickers to do, if that's the mandate that it must be done for you to win the game. And it's kind of, that's your thing with this Dazilla Hawk is it's also been, we've asked him to do this now a few times already prior to this game. How many games has he had four or five field goals already? You're asking to lean on him like that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's hard for me to go to, to, to go to Myers on this one. Arians says, Hawks, this I learned on a manual transmission. You know what I'm talking about. The battery's dead on you. You just get a little bit of a downhill slope. Get that sucker with a little bit beat up speed and kind of kickstart it. Next offensive coordinator will have that. Tyler uh, Leonard Williams has been very good. I'm happy with what he's brought. Bean counter, Gino spiked the ball. We could have uh, had a play to, to get it closer rather than that dumb run. Indeed, bean counter. Indeed.
Patrick Chase is, I think, Leonard Williams will be more effective with Nuosu out there. Frank Clark is a black hole. He is. Frank looks like a shot spent fighter. Liz Hendrickson says, Pete says the same thing at every press conference. He does, because Lizzie's allowed to just say whatever, and there's not anybody who's going to ask him any questions. He knows the same softball questions he'll get. He can put the same sort of hammed, canned answers up, and they'll eat it up. And I don't know why they won't ask tougher questions. You could make the argument that's kind of the reporter's job at times is to ask tough questions. But when it comes to Seattle media, you know, they fit to the type of what we're known for being, you know, like they're the cliche of what we're known for in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, just good people. They'll, they'll never let, they'll never get up and rankle. They'll always just kind of just go, it's all right. Just we'll get them next time. Tiger. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. Mike says, you know what grinds my gears when people blame Myers for, for one, uh, missing one field goal in two games, yet give the offense who scored one touchdown a pass. Amen. Amen. Save the gates. Wish I could be a fly on the wall on the next meeting between Pete and John. John built this roster wonderfully. Imagine someone like Shanahan calling plays with all these weapons. It'd be crazy. Yeah, Shanahan would be getting insane amount of production out of this offense. It's not acceptable that they're not doing better than they are on that side of the ball, especially. Alan says, I actually thought Drew Locke was learning something. <laughs> Definitely not, not sure today, is he? Makes his least DK didn't get a flag on him. DK's been playing really good football. Roland, uh, why do teams adjust on us so quickly, but we do not return the favor? It's a question for which I have no answer. I'm sorry, I usually have a good guess I can at least provide, if, even if I'm off the mark, but I don't have a really good guess. The team just has another refusal at times to, to try to change. They're not even attempting at times to try an adjustment. And then if they do try adjustment, that seems that the adjustment is not even in the vicinity of working or simplistic or just easy for the defense to then counter that adjustment. But it's there. Jesse says, uh, I'd be cool starting next year without Gino, Jamal, or Quandre. I'm not dissing on Gino, just saying it in general. No, I get it. Look, it's the when people, when players start to reach into a spot and making a certain amount of money and they're not under things like cheap rookie club control, these are questions you have to ask yourself when there is a significant amount of money to be saved going the other direction of it, especially, I think, in your consideration of it, Jesse, of looking at where this team is at and its potential and where it continues to be tracking towards. And while it is coming together in certain respects, there still seems to be a lot of work to be done. And if there's a lot of work to be done, then we're not in a go-for mode. And if you're not go-for mode, then you got to make some probably hard decisions at that point. Tyler, we need to fix our offensive line. Phil Haynes needs to go. I'm sorry, but he's been awful this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm over Phil Haynes for sure. I'm good with moving down the line on that one. Dick did Brandon, if we extend Big Cat, then I'd love the trade. But if Big Cat walks, it was a bad trade, I think. Hope he stays. He looks good out there. Me too. I think that's a fair outlook on it. Slim Coogan says, your cat would be more productive than Frank Clark is currently. Yeah, she'd at least get around the ankles. You know, she might not get the tackle, but she'll trip him up. Frank's just getting tossed around like a crash test dummy out there. 
W uh, wide receiver Savvy says, like the great who song, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, won't get bull fooled again. Every week is the same stuff. Two games versus San Francisco, Dallas, and Philly. That was a costly loss. Well said, man. Same boss. Meet the new boss. Same as the old boss. But we won't get fooled again. I watch Resign Big Cat, draft DeAndre, Devondre Sweat, and I'll be happy. I'm cool with that. Wolverine says, uh, what I was saying is that we is that we are unfocused on, in games. You play how you practice. We got DJ playing music of practices, players dancing around. How is that helping this team? I don't know. It's, it's harder for me to blame that as much, Wolverines, because I think that's becoming a little more commonplace around the NFL in general, the playing of music. And remember, too, you know, we went out and had a Super Bowl winning roster with them playing DJ music and all that stuff, you know? So it's like, how was that team able to play pretty disciplined football versus this team that's not at all on the other side of it? That's where it gets hard for me to necessarily go to. The, that might be the reason, but it's hard for me to get there on that being the reason because of that. Uh, Barry Satoro, thank you for the $10 donation. I appreciate you for that, Barry. And man, you dropped a lot of donos today on the stream as well. So appreciate you, man. I salute you, sir. You are a gentleman and a scholar for all your support to the Hawks Nest tonight. The Hawks media and the 2020 election media is very similar. Excuse me. What kind of ice cream do you like, Mr. President? <laughs> yeah, it's media is, is there to hold truth to power, right? Isn't that what they like to say about media? And it, it doesn't matter whether it's very media that's there for political reasons or there that that's there for sports reasons. That you as a media member are not there just to write fluff pieces on on players or on teams in order to build up the fan base's hope. You're also there to speak what? Truth to power. Coach Carroll's a man that's in power, and he's been riding in power for a long period of time. And there needs to be people that speak truth to that. And it should be this media team, this media team that has the direct access to ask these tough questions. But they don't do it, and they haven't done it for years for him. And it's okay if he's out there winning a lot of games and there's not a lot to question. But in recent years, there has been a lot to question. And when you don't question him, when you kind of let him off the hook with soft excuses and bad answers and not, or not even asking the question to begin with, then how can we hope for anything to ever be dealt with? And I'm not talking about dealt with in the fire capacity. I'm talking about dealt with in change. Because that's the part. It's like we're not talking about the, the thing that's there in the room, the media is in this way. They're sort of just ignoring it and going, no, it's not there. It's not there. Just don't look at it and it won't be there. Just act like it's all okay. And it's not for the betterment of this team and not for the betterment of the fans. And it's not going to be for the betterment of our future. But I don't expect it to change anytime soon. 12th North Chad. Hey, B. I've been asking about why Godwin Oogaboogie was let go when he showed some dynamic return potential. Uh, I, I just think that it's a matter of you wanting to have your running backs pure at that point. You didn't trust him as much with running the ball, and you did trust DJ Dallas, especially to be a third down back, which with Travis Homer moving off this offseason, you needed to have him in there to be put in to run that position. I just don't think that they had the faith that Godwin would be able to run the third down back roles, that he would only be able to be a kick returner. And 12 North Chad, remember that this offseason, you had the rule change move over to where now you could fair catch the ball and there maybe be less returns this year with that because of that. So that maybe reduces down the specialist role even more so than it's been reduced down in, in recent years. I think that was probably at the head of it. 
Big Country says, huh, headset's going out is strange. Yeah, isn't that odd? Our headset goes out on, right as the game's winding down at the end of the play. Isn't that strange? Super suspect. What are you going to do, though? Maria Benavides. I'm a Rans fan, but good game. Good game to you, Maria. No excuses given. I, I will say I didn't love the officiating this game, but at the end of the day, we did enough to lose it on our own in addition to that at times, too. What are you going to do? Stephen Gouard. Playoffs. Playoffs. Tommy says, good news, we can't afford Williams without cutting Diggs and Adams, so thankfully those guys should be gone. Patrick, does them trading Leonard Williams have anything to do with Peter being near the end of the road and desperately trying to win now? I don't know if it was much of that. It was just a recognition that they weren't getting the kind of play that they maybe hoped that they would be getting out of the defensive lineup into this point. And they knew coming into the year that it was not going to be maybe the best of fronts anyway. Cam Young hasn't really come forward. Miles Adams hasn't really come forward. Mario and Jaron are doing their part, but you needed more. So I think as much as about being a go for it move, it was a, again, this wasn't just to me a move, and I could be completely wrong on this. This is my outlook, Patrick, because I do get asked about it a lot. I don't think the Leonard Williams move was just about the short term this year. I think the intention is going to be able to be to resign him. I think they're going to um, make him the highest priority free agent in the books here and, and that they will look to bring him back by almost an any means necessary kind of approach to this. Uh, I could be proven wrong on that. And if I am, I will eat it and own it at that point. But I do believe that that's the case here. Um, I don't think it's that Pete's coming there at the end of his road though, Patrick, because there's been no indication that Pete is looking to retire. Absent us just looking at his base age and saying, well, he's 70 years old. There's no coaches coaching at 70. So hence, logically speaking, he must then want to retire. But he's never spoke about being close to retiring or thinking about retiring or even being in the vicinity of retiring. Um, and, and indeed, he looks like he wants to coach now and into the foreseeable future. So I, I don't think it's that. I just think that they looked at it as we've got a, a big time weakness here on this squad and this line. And it, if we have a major injury down there, if we lose a Jaron Reed, we're not going to have a whole hell of a lot of answers down there to call upon if it goes to that point. Ben, when Brandon's had enough, we've had enough. <laughs> Let's go, Ben. <laughs> Definitely get to that state, man. Mike says, blocking Aaron Donald's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Imagine back in the day you said you're going to one-on-one -on -one block Lawrence Taylor. Absolutely ridiculous. It is. It'd be one thing too, Mike, if you wanted to try it for a game and like, let's try this at a game, you know? And then you just, you know, cut to the slasher flick, you know, knife coming down, blood gushing out, woman screaming, blood on her face, running through the night, right? And then you come out the end of that game going, okay, let's maybe not do that again. And instead, you decide to do that in every game going forward for the next 10 years. That's what makes it even worse, Mike. Because you go through all of that and that one and go, holy hell, dear God, what is what was that? Let's do it again. <laughs> it's almost like they like the horror movie, you know? I don't like the bloodlust. The you know, champions of the Seahawks aren't winning the division, but I'd be happy to prove them wrong. Hard to see the division right now within reach. Hard, it's hard to see the playoffs within reach right now. Gary, and I'll admit, I give a ton of credit to Gino coming in injured to face the defense that just injured you and attempted to win the game. It would have been great if it was a drive earlier, but credit. Yep, 
Good. I'm glad to see him get out there and at least tough it through. That arm's got to be hurting him. We've seen Donald's broken many of our other quarterbacks. The, the pro hose is your cat looks cute. Thank you. She's a good girl. She knows how to look. Look how she, she turns towards the camera. She always knows what the camera is. She always knows what the camera is. Thank you again, Barry, for that $10 dono and all your donos today, man. Well said on your part. Mike Skinner, thank you for the $5 donation. The offense scored a touchdown all game. First scored one touchdown all game. First quarter. Well, Myers outscored them the entire game and sure asked him to bail you out a second week in a row. Yeah, I don't get Sherm's take with that, Mike. I really don't. And I, I, it's, it's really, when football comes down to a simplistic explanation for why you win or lose football games, I can get it when the average fan brings that up and I push back against it. To hear a guy that played the game bring that up and, and, and raise that as the, this main reason why is, is ridiculous. You know, and, and really Sherman should know better. But then again, I'm sure Sherman's also a guy that would blame that Super Bowl loss on the play call and not running it to Marshawn Lynch, as opposed to the defense owning the fact that they gave up a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter. Right, Mike? So I think Sherman's probably gets to be sometimes pretty consistent in his outlook on this type of stuff. My belief is that football is a game that comes down to many plays over the, over a full game. And that much like you wouldn't want to cherry pick a couple games from a season and pull results and conclusions out of your football team from a couple games within a season, you shouldn't grab a couple plays or one mere play from a football game and derive ultimate results of your football team from that either. It's a wayward outlook on the team and it's going to send you in the wrong direction as far as trying to pinpoint what's going right and what's going wrong because it has nothing to do with any of that. It's just about what happens on a single arbitrary given play that just happens to often happen, oftentimes happen at the end of a football game. I, I don't like it. I, I, think it's, I think it's silly. This is not on Myers. You should not be asking your kicker every week to kick four, five, six field goals for you to go out there and win every week, especially when you're asking him to hit 50 plus yarders every other attempt. It's, it's dumb. The offense should be more consistent. The offense has way more explosiveness that it operates off of, way more talent that it operates off of than it's producing. That's the problem. And we always sometimes get into these conversations, and I appreciate you come from the same place I do here with this, Mike, of you don't want to be dealing with symptoms. You know? I'm, I got a runny nose, and I'm just going to keep wiping my nose. It's the runny nose that's the problem. Well, why is the nose runny? Do you want to just deal with the runny nose, or should we start to treat the symptom? the root core of the issue. And that's what we're, I think, trying to get at today in the stream and, and what I'd, I want to drive to more. And I don't think we're doing that if we're looking at Gino. I don't think we're doing that if we're looking at Jason Myers. I think there's a bigger fish to fry at play here. Bigger issues for us to take a look at. And I know you do agree as well on this one, Mike. Thanks for that $5 donation. But yeah, I, for sure him to do this, I'm, I'm surprised to hear him say it. And I, I don't quite get it either. Aunt. Rodney Presho. Says, Brandon, I'm officially done with Waldron. His play calling is pathetic. High school football is more entertaining than this garbage we watch. No excuses for him. I've got none left for him. He, he should be doing more with this unit. He should be doing better with this unit. Twelfth North Chad, I don't think Eskridge returned a single kick so far. He did like last game. He filled in North Chad for one game. But he didn't do a whole hell of a lot with that. 
Nicholas says, guys, let's hope and pray that Brandon Perner curses the Niners this week. Please get that wheel spinning. I'll drop Perna a 20 spot if he can just set it up to have the Niners click in there on their spot when they come up. Dog Watcher, think about how many multi-millions are being paid to the coaching staff and offensive players to only put up three points in the second half of a football game. Especially against that defense, which you remove Aaron Donald, what do they got on that defense? What do they got that puts the fear of God in your heart on that defense if you take Donald off? Masterful, I feel like Pete has too much power. Jody Allen is quiet, quiet quitting the ownership role, and I don't see a way out of this. Nor do I. I don't think Pete's going away anytime soon, Masterful. Whether he should or he shouldn't, he's not. And uh, that does uh, get a little bit disappointing a bit. Kevin says, poor Brandon's going to be upset at the next review podcast. Yeah, it's going to be... Uh, I've already shot it, but it's not going to be fun, and I already know the comments are going to lay me out on it but whatever I feel how I feel I am what I am as Pop I would say Kyrian says, wait, 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 Pete, why the F don't you blitz when it's working? I watched this with my 70-year-old mother, and she seems to have a better sense of play calling. Who's a better quarterback? Meanwhile, Hawks fans. <laughs> so true. Tommy says, Pete's going to have to change his motto until you can't win the game in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Dan Fam, well, Patrick Mahomes got a huge contract and Chiefs winning Super Bowl. Lee Lance, when it, comes to pers- when it comes to personnel and who chooses players, we're great. When it comes to personnel who coaches and puts the players in position to succeed, we suck. I think that's a kind of a common conclusion we find ourselves all in the midst of tonight, Lethal. Yeah. Lord Boom, I know he hit two separate 50-yarders in this game, but even more so, you can't hit the third. I'm just saying, don't mind don't mind me. My butt's always hurting, but when we lose to the Rams, the Niners, or the Cardinals. Yeah, I guess this is maybe Lord Boom a commonplace that I'm going to be a bit not alone on, but there's certain I'm seeing enough comments. I mean, you just saw somebody post up on the donations up here. Um, I, this one's a little bit beyond me. So for the folks, I see Jason, you're being real, real vocal and you're feeling in the chat as well about you thinking this is on Jason Myers. Myers is the man we got to be appointing to. There's a lot of issues coming out of this game. I don't know how we kind of arrive at Jason Myers. I've shown this stat right here as well. We've got to walk me through this one a little bit. If NFL statistics show us on average that a kick from 54 to 57 yards as I'm showing evidentiary right here in front of you that shows that's a 50-50 kick, why why would Myers kick it? If Myers is even one of the better kickers in the sport because we're paying him to be so, so instead of being 55%, he's 75%, that still means 
that if you're going to kick it four times, you're going to get one probable miss in there. Uh, you really don't want to be asking your kickers to kick 50-yard kicks all game to win the game. That's that, that that's the issue there. We're in the wrong spot if we're pointing on to Myers on this. We really are. And and here's the thing. It's been a trend we've been trying to do throughout this game. This wasn't a one-off game, Lord Boom. This is a game where you've been doing this a bit through the year. Where you're, you're asking him to go out there over and over again to kick these kicks and oftentimes long kicks over and over again and has to make every single one of them or you won't win the win, won't, won't win the game. So is the issue the kicker or perhaps maybe the offense needs to get more consistent? And if we're landing on the kicker and this being the issue, are we not then lending a blind eye to the very offensive struggles I'm trying to pinpoint and talk about? That's why I'm railing a little bit so hard against this kicking notion. Myers and the special teams have done their part this year. They are not part of the problem of this team. And this is a game about us losing this game is a, has a lot of different trends and factors that fit to a lot of the games we've lost this season. You can fit a lot of the stuff up and find parallels. The parallel you're not going to find is Myers not making his kicks. So I, concentrating on the last kick of the game versus the defensive calls that were so soft to that second half, the lack of blitzing, the offensive ineptitude, the play calling across the board. I, I can't get there myself on that. I'm not trying to give him a full excuse away from it, but we can't be leaning on our kicker every week like that, expecting that that's going to be a pathway to success. In Iverson, it's why Seattle Sports Media is called an access media. They are an access media. And, and I've, look, I've gone to them before from my standpoint of this and presented to them on Twitter. Even a guy like me that may have an, hey, can you ask Pete about this? You guys aren't going to ask this question. So, hey, maybe here's a question, idea for you to ask him at the conference. It might be more interesting than, you know, what's your favorite ice cream, Pete? And then the, the second you ask any of them to do that, they bristle at you. Oh, you're asking me to do my job? <laughs> pleb. Silly pleb. How dare you ask the Lord of the media of Seattle to ask an honest question of your coach? Go back to your peasantry. Oh, okay. Okay. Luis Bernardo Lopez Wilhelm. Why does Waldron give up so early? Second and 20 and throws a screen. It never works. Never worked, yet he only calls a deep play or a horrible screen. Not a lot of, uh, I was saying the word ingenuity. You're not seeing a lot of that from Waldron in this game. At times it'll blip here and there, but just not consistently over the course of the game. And you'll have whole huge swaths of the game where it will just suddenly disappear. The encounter says, of course, Sherman doesn't blame our secondary with the penalties. Dog Watcher says, Seattle Sports Media. Pete, what's your flav favorite flavor of ice cream? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You guys get it. You guys get it. Flipping flag jacks. Playoffs. Playoffs were... We can't even win a game, and you're talking about the playoffs. Great Jim Moore quote. Nicholas says, man, we play the Niners on Thanksgiving, and then the Cowboys on my birthday. I am going to be depressed on both days. <laughs> Being that food coma, but then an added swath of depression on top of your Thanksgiving food coma. Ugh. We don't usually have to get that, do we? It's been a while since we've had to taste that, that bitter turkey. Uh, it ain't, it ain't going to be nice. 
Gavin says it's the O line that needs work. The Seahawks mantra for years and years. Yeah, true enough. Yeah, the best. When are we going to realize that Pete is a problem and needs to go? I think it's becoming more evidently clear the more we go on this season, Daddy. I don't know if a lot, all people are going to accept that as the truth, but it's starting to become more and more clearer to many, I believe. Dog Watcher says, if Myers made the field goal, I'd still be pissed because we needed to win when again we had to lead the whole game and could only muster one touchdown with a multi-million dollar paid players. Yeah, exactly. Bigger issues at play than the Myers on this one. Dictus has got to crash 12. This loss hurts less than the Ravens' loss. We gave this one away. This loss hurts, I think, less than the Ravens' loss. 49ers game is going to be ugly. See you all at the BNB show. See you there, Dicton. Thank you, man. Have a great night. Appreciate you. Tali Bahi, what the hell was that? I don't know. Dear God, I don't know. We're trying to make sense of it. I don't know if we're getting anywhere. That Wilbur Knight, salute to you too, sir. Dog watcher, maybe Drew Locke will get hurt and we'll see his backup and end up with a Brock Purdy. <laughs> there is something to hope for. Coolberry says, no S, he was wrong. No shit, he was wrong and Jordan is better and every athlete is fairly delusional and, and think that they are the best, but Iverson was a tank. Bro played hard. Every night I respected. Yeah, I love Iverson was awesome. I was trying to get some basketball shoes. They had some Iverson basketball shoes in the Foot Locker the other day I was trying to get for basketball. Oh. I love those shoes, man. It was, it was the I3s, I think, or whatever. And of course, they don't have my size. Not good. Lord Boom, Brandon, my childhood buddy's son, the highest recruited player to U of A, Arizona ever, six foot seven, physical wide receiver like DK. T, Tila Tiora, McMillan. Let's keep an eye on him. Lord Boom, you're going to be my guy to give me an interview down the line here on this kid, right? You're going to be my in for that, right? Eventually. Eventually, huh? I'll keep an eye on him, man, for sure. The highest recruited player at U of A. Wow. Going down into two, down to Tucson. That's definitely, that's a city just like Vegas, just your desert, desert city. But I'll keep an eye on him, Lord. And try to give me that interview down the line if we can. Start laid the groundwork on that one. Dylan Favela. I was at the game. Bad officiating. It went downhill when Gino got hurt, but we still beat ourselves. I think that's an accurate way of putting it, Dylan. And uh, I think that's pretty much succinct and accurate way. As succinct and accurate way to put it as I can with it. Um, definitely at the end of the day, you beat the, the bad officiating was there and a part of it. Um, but you didn't, you did beat yourself in addition to it as well. Over what happened to Jamal, Seahawks fans? I think he's still dealing with the post-surgery stuff. He talked about it in an interview last week in the post-game presser and just it being something still that does affect him. He, not that there's still even an injury, I think, just that it's gotten sore. And then he was told by the doctors that'd be probably a commonality of the injury. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Uh, Mike Skinner says that Drew shouldn't get hate in this game. If Gino can't score a touchdown after the first drive, what do we think he is going to do? 
yeah, I, I never thought that Drew Locke was the better answer to Geno Smith, um, which would be my first kind of answer on that. Um, you know, if you're looking at backup paid money in this sport and the backups making some of the most money at the position in the sport, Drew Locke is making as high a price as a backup as any backup you're going to see out there. That to me does tell me that if I ask to bring you out in the football game, I probably could hope to expect a better performance than two of six for three yards and an interception. I'm not asking him to take the team up the football field and score touchdowns, but I'm not paying him a league minimum contract. And that level of performance he provided out there, which was not aided by Waldron, is every bit the kind of performance I could get from a third round quarterback. So it, I ain't going to say that there should be an ultimate conclusion reached off of Drew Locke's performance coming in for a small sample size of snaps. But the drumbeat that's being banged about him being so much further away better than Geno Smith, as many, many people have made the case in my chat in recent weeks of that being the case, I don't think that there was a lot of proof drawn to that conclusion either. And uh, I'm not much like Gino. I don't, Drew's not the guy to Drew, deal the, the majority of the heat. I go to the coaching staff in this game. I'm going to go to Waldron, to Pete, to Hurt. Kind of more as a first and foremost in this particular football game especially. And I would have been the first game too, quite frankly. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it wasn't a lot of him having a chance to play. He didn't practice the team of the week, all valid. But at the same point in time, you come out there, you shouldn't, you shouldn't look like you're in over your head. You shouldn't look like a rookie playing his first snaps. And Rod, I hear what you're coming from as a Rams fan. I'm not trying to, or my fans aren't trying to sound like super salty fans that are blaming it all on the refs. Some of this is you have to understand is a bit of a cumulative thing for us, Rod, in that we've had this game in and game out throughout the course of this year where every time we are always being waylaid by the penalties. It's not just simply the number of penalties, which we outnumbered you on the penalties in this matchup. I'm pretty sure we outnumbered you in the penalties in the first matchup. It's also the timing of the penalties. It's that Puka Nuka PI in the back of the end zone where their legs wrap up there. That's inadvertent contact. That's not a PI. It's, it's too many of these games throughout the course of this year, not just this game. And I can go even into recent history with us, our matchups with your Rams team in certain games in recent history where it's just calls that come in at these times in the game that are very odd timing, very odd timing to where it's just we can't get a call, but you guys seem to get every other call on the right side, especially at the very key moments in the game where it really swings, swings the outcome of the football game. Orlando says the grass isn't always greener. Fans wanting Adams and Diggs gone must be forgetting how frustrating Tedrick Thompson was. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I, it's, it's, it's always that extreme thing with it, Orlando, a little bit of it's got to be one extreme to here or one extreme to there. Um, you know, does, does the fall off have to, does it have to be that we have to play top five safety money and top 10 safety money and $50 million in the position to get it to just a functional state, not an impactful state, but a functional state, or that we have as the only alternative to that then is a Tedrick Thompson type on the other side of it. I mean, that's kind of the, the, the logical conclusion I take from your comment on that is, okay, so if that's the case, if that's the other side of it, that means that's what we got to invest in that to get that functional. And if that's the case, why is it other teams in the NFL can get functionality of the position without having to invest nearly $50 million a year into the position? That would be my, just my, my wondering with that, just a little bit on that in that respect of things. Um, and both of them aren't bad players in Adams and Diggs, but it does factor into how much you're paying them. Top five, 
safety money in regards to Jamal Adams and top 10 safety money in regards to Quandre Diggs. That does have to color a little bit of the aspect of this, especially considering we don't have a lot of cap space to spend this next upcoming offseason. Jason Seahawks could get a wild card spot if they start winning. I don't see it happening, but it's still a possibility as things stand right now. Certainly it is. Certainly it is. Dylan, we play the Cowboys when they always start falling apart, so I still hope. Go Hawks. Have hope, Dylan. I love it, man. Keep the faith. Wait, laugh my ass off of someone saying we're losing games because of the locker room music. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I watched this well said Brandon shut up German our identity adjustments philosophy lack of change etc isn't on the kicker no and they stand as much bigger reasons to your point on that, that stand, there are bigger issues as to why we lose football games. We're not losing because of our kicker. We're not losing because of our punter. We're not losing because of our special teams. Much bigger reasons at play here. Sean Lee says, still just got here, still pissed. What another wasted opportunity. Sick of this team starting hot, taking a lead, then shut it down on offense and defense. Enough of the field goals, more touchdowns. I think we're all in a similar state of mind tonight, my man. I do. Dog Watcher says, look, we flat out don't have the complete talent to go where we need to go this year. O-line is killing us every game. Defense is playing, uh, keeping us in the game, but our pass rush sucks. Play calling is horrific. Valid, factual, on it. Well, yeah, Grenade of the Hawks did pull a Mariners behind closed doors. I'll jump ship. I don't want to, but I'm going to root for a team that wants to go for the big one. I don't support a rebuild and a tough time, but there's a point. I get it, Holy Gang Grenade. I mean, I'm applying the same thing with the Mariners this year. I, I'm not going to be, if the Mariners go through this offseason trying to soft soft sell this their approach to like they did last offseason, I'm not wasting my time on them. And if you have that belief and outlook on the team, which everyone's you know free to have and understandable to have potentially at this point with where things may be going here, I, I'd get it. I hope it doesn't go that way, but I would get it. Megan, what's up? Back in the house. Hello, Megan. Cool breeze says, Witherspoon and Woolen eating turkey at the 50. That would be a great sight to see. Great sight to see.
Dog Walter, if uh, we can beat the Niners Thursday, my friend will have a coronary. I'm prepared to drive him to the hospital, though. Worth it. Worth it. Couple don't knows here. Do, 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 do. Uh, Barry Satora with another $10 don't know drop. Thank you, Barry. Says, hopefully, this is the start of Drew Locke's eight mile. He just choked hard. Hopefully, he comes back after everyone beats him up, bangs his girlfriend, loses his job, and gets kicked out of his mama's trailer. <laughs> That's where we are in the story arc at this point of uh, Locke. I'm with it because he's just about to spit them, spit them nasty rhymes. You know what I mean? He's about to drop that flow, Barry. That's all that means, man. He's on the precipice, man, of spitting some bars. Spin some straight bars. I have the whole homeroom nodding their head here soon. I like it, man. See, there's some positivity, Barry. There's some positivity. A little eight mile, deep eight mile reference there. Now I'm just picturing Drew Locke on M Eminem's face with his old school haircut down here on the line, but Drew Locke's face kind of fits. It does kind of fit. Thank you, Barry. Appreciate the dono. Uh, Jonah Jaffe, thank you for the $5 donation. Why do we always have the same issues year over year since 2015? Offensive line, pass rush, and the inability to run the ball. We used to bend, not break. Yeah, it's uh, the frustration that stands at the centerpiece of this um, feeling from my standpoint. And the theme in this game coming out of it from my my. My place is adjustment, Jonah, and it's adjustment in-game. It's adjustment over years. And to answer your question, why do we have the same issues year after year? Because the team utterly refuses, utterly refuses to adjust their approach on the football field. That's the reason why. You, you can say, well, O-line, well, how did you construct your O-line? Especially on the inter internal parts of it, it's all secondhand pieces that you're trying to get by with. It's a right guard playing left guard. It's a fourth round guard who's never really given you any good play, but you're just hoping the light bulb comes on here at some point. It's you taking on a journeyman center, right? Um, but then it's also beyond just necessarily the inability to find the talent. It's also that you don't dial anything up in a scheme to help your players out. Your offensive scheme is, I don't even know what to describe it as. Simplistic, empty, boring, unimaginative, restricted, attacking only certain places on the football field and living, leaving other places completely empty and, and, and not paying attention to them at all. Defensively, you mentioned pass rush, Jonah. You don't manufacture any pass rush. You refuse to blitz. It's this, why we see the issues year after year is because one simple reason, and it's not simple, but this is really the reason and you apply it everywhere down the line. You do not want to change. Coach Carroll does not want to change. He wants to win football games. Basically, I won football games in 2012-13. Maybe he's willing to throw a little bit more, maybe just a little bit. But the rushing attack hammers A and B gap runs. No utilization of fly sweeps. Very little utilization of outside zone runs or pitch plays. So defenses know that they can concentrate to the inside of what you're doing. Everything goes A and B gap runs if they're going to run it. And if the run isn't there, we don't have to worry about the edges as much. Your intermediate passing attack is not there. You're either going to try to short, throw a butt short 
or you're trying to hit them deep over the top. There is no in-between game. There's not a lot of easy plays to find offensively. But then this all comes back to why? Because you want to make everything simplistic. Nothing has a level of complication to it. Everything is sort of made to order easy, like some microwave dinner meal that you just pull the plastic off, throw in the microwave, and it's good to go. And what we need is an actual chef to properly put this meal together. We have the same issues, Jonah, because we don't change. And they don't change because they don't own their failings as being failings. Coach Carroll has it in his belief that he's going to turn teams into one-dimensional and then he's going to take away the big play and he's going to win football games because that's how he's done it for 30, 40 years. So that has to be how he does it now. He doesn't want to evolve with the times on that. And it's holding him back and it's holding this team back. And I don't really understand why at this point when he acknowledged two years ago that he needed to make this change, why he continues to be unwilling to make it. This offense is stylistically much closer to the offense of a 2017 team than it is to the Sean McVay team that beat you today. Why? Harold says he was arrogant two years ago and they had to change their defensive approach, that they had been holding on to their old ways in his own words for too long. The change was too, even said at the time, ah, this, we've waited a little too long on this change. It's a little overdue. We overcooked the turkey a little bit too long. It's got them grizzled black edges on it. Let's recook the new turkey and recook it right. Instead of recooking it with the new recipe, they're, say, they're using the same cook time, the same temperature heat that burnt the last turkey. But this one won't burn because reasons? Luck? Because the fundamental approach isn't broken when it appears to be? Your guess is as good as mine on that, Jonah. But it's got many of us fans in the chat here tonight, including myself, very frustrated. It's got many of us questioning a bit of the direction of this team in the future, or at least the confidence in the team in the future, to reach to a contending status. I know, team, I know Coach Carroll can put a functional football team together. Can he put an elite football team together? And that includes the play calling. That includes the designs. That includes the philosophy. Is he capable of that? Because it's been 10 long years since we've been that. I think it's a valid question to ask at this point. I thank you, Jonah, for the donation, though. Corey Olson, thank you for the $2 donation. Explain the run play before the kick to me. Yeah, I actually have a good answer for you on this one, Corey. Uh, the, and, and this is a little conspiracy central zone for you, Corey. The mic headset went out in Gino's helmet after the catch to DK Metcalf. So Shane Waldron calls the play, double mic wide, 2X beef, double cross beef. Blah, 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 blah. None of that comes through on, on Gino's headset. So the clock is winding. Clock is winding. Gino's just got to make a call in that moment about what he's then going to do there. And so he freeforms the call. He calls a running play there. It's not a great call. Maybe he should have spiked it in that moment. Maybe a veteran should have been more aware to spike it in that moment. But it's understandable when things go into a bit of disarray in that moment, when the, when the, when the headset happens to go out at the key play of the game. And that's what occurred, according to at least Gino Smith on this one, Corey. So um, that's what threw the whole play sequence out of order, you know. Thank you, though, Corey. Appreciate the donation. Mega Gok, Roger. Thank you for the $5 dono as well. Says, four shots of Kraken spiced rum and coffee has me in a reasonable mood. Until I watch the replay, B. 
<laughs> facts, Megan. Uh, facts. Uh, well, I think everyone's got the the salty state of mind tonight, and I think a lot of people feel a little better about having a chance to vent after tonight. But I think that a lot of the way we do view this team and what's going on right now are valid outlooks for what we're seeing, and uh, it does have everybody, I think, in that kind of mood, Megan, just a little bit tonight. Spice drum, that sounds good tonight. And we're going to for sure, Megan, on the uh, the drink stream. We were going to do it this Thursday, but I got to do a bleacher report the next morning after the Thursday night game. So that will mean that uh, we will need to uh, push that till the Cowboys game. We'll do the, the the drinking stream on that night. If that sounds good, Megan, uh, let's lock that in. But thank you for the fiver. And uh, I think everyone's going to be a bit salty on this. And it's good. You got to get through the saltiness. Got to get through a little bit of the stubborn, you know, frustration here. Right to be stubborn, right to be frustrated. I'll oftentimes look for the silver lining or, hey, we can build upon this to that or there's some stuff within this to kind of take away from. But this is one I'm not as much in that area and zone of. Wilbert says, Brandon, you should have seen you earlier when you were standing up for the kick Myers made. <laughs> I was, heart was pumping hard there, man. I couldn't sit in my seat. <laughs> Jason Schumacher with a new coaching with new coaching nothing is going to change without new coaching nothing is going to change as far as I can see I think that's a common outlook as it stands right now Jason and it's hard for me to come up with any sort of counter to that at this point it's hard for me not to look at that with a similar outlook in my in my belief and if it plays to if this season plays to type if it fits to type I'm going to find myself at that in that conclusive place at the end of the season and pretty firmly in that camp. Doc says that uh, people won't fix the penalties. He just puts his arm around them and tells them everything will be okay. Yeah, he does. John, offense needs to finish drives with touchdowns. 11 scoring drives, last two games, eight field goals and three touchdowns. Unacceptable. And it's been a, kind of a season-long problem, really. Lance watching that missing kick, miss kick in person was excruciating. I bet, man. It was kind of close. Just started to slide there at the end. Just, oh. Oh. Come on, stay in there. Flipping flapjacks. Daryl Taylor was outrun by Matt Stafford. Yeah, how about that play? How does that happen? How does Matt Stafford outrun Daryl Taylor? Supposed to be a twitchy edge rusher. And the guy just flat outran you like you were standing still. Eric Hanna, offense needs to do better in the red zone. The creativity in the red zone is terrible. And third down play calling is literally just straight drop backs when you know the defense is going to blitz. Yeah, Eric's. And then them being, if I can add to the end of your, your line on that, and then them being surprised by the blitz. Because they always seem to be shocked it's coming, even though there's a high preponderance of it being dialed up by the opposition. Sean says it seemed like the blitz packages were working in the first half, then shut it down the second. Yes. Yeah. I was joking about it. It's the telecast literally caught this. Third way, halfway through the third quarter, they showed you the graph. If you're watching closely on the telecast of how Stafford did against no blitz versus blitz, and the numbers were startling. But yeah, the team just decided to totally abandon the blitz in the second half. I don't know why. Eric. Frank Clark is playing kind of un, is unplayable playing right now. He's not providing you anything as it stands. And Daryl Taylor's not giving you a whole hell of a lot more than that. 
this team's unwillingness to sometimes have faith in players they shouldn't have faith in at times is just defies logic and reason. Buchanan definitely hurts his loss. Iverson, I don't know much about the guy, but in light of his injury, could the Hawks maybe take a look at Jordan Travis in the middle rounds? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We've seen guys come back from that, that bad injury, so you can definitely come back, and he's a really good player. A little undersized, but he's a good player. Wouldn't mind taking a flyer in the middle rounds. Standard says, the way things aren't working out for this team on multiple fronts this season is what a lot of us expected to happen last season. Yeah, kind of. Mike, who is worse at their position? LJ Collier or Dwayne Eskridge? Dwayne Eskridge. You at least got some games where Collier at least played some snaps. I can't say that um, there are games where Dwayne gets like three snaps a game or something. GRD243, I want Jaden Daniels so bad. I'd be with that. I like Jaden. He's, he's one of my favorite too of those uh, second-tier quarterbacks. Nicholas, do I think Gino will play Thursday? Probably. He got back on the field today. He'll probably find his way back out on Thursday. Jason, I'm not, not putting it all on Myers. I'm just not delusional. Making the field goal would have won the game. Yeah, I would, Jason, but it's this, this is the tough part with it, in my opinion, is that there's other bigger problems at play than Jason Myers. And yeah, should, should, would it be nice if he could have made the field goal? It should have. But are you leaning, as many people, not just myself, Jason, but as you can see, many people presenting a lot of different stats about how hard the team's leaned on its kicking position this year. Is maybe a better argument to be said you shouldn't be leaning on the kicking so much. We shouldn't be having to come down to a rebuilding's Ram. I mean, Jason, just think of it like this. You've got a Rams team that's rebuilding. You have a Seahawks team right now that's trying to fight for the top of this division. Coming into that game, should that game come down to a field goal, whether or not you beat that team? Basic bottom line, remove the players, remove the coaching staff, remove the game plan. Are we the better team or not? Are we three points better than this Rams team or not? You know, and, and it's not a matter of Myers being the difference there. It's a matter of you're much better than that. And so there's bigger reasons than just Myers and you getting in this game. It shouldn't have come down to a field goal. It shouldn't come down to a 55-yard field goal, which I've presented a couple times over. I don't know if I'm not making any headway onto this, Jason, but I presented the graph over and over again that that's not a kick that kickers just walk out there and punch it through every other play like, oh, no problem, 55-yarder, right up and through, easy. It's, that's not the way it works. It's a tough kick. It's, it's a 50-50 kick on about how it's made. And even the better kickers, Jason, even to build in the, well, we're paying him money, so he's got to be better than what the average will be. Okay, let's titch it up a notch. He should be making 75% of the kicks. Still, there should never be a thought process that your kicker has to hit 100% of his kicks or that he should be hitting even 90% or 80% of his kicks from 50-plus yards because there's few kickers in NFL history that have put up those type of statistics. So unless you're looking at Jason Myers to be the best kicker of all time or to be up in the best of the best of all time, it's not realistic to look back at him and start pinpointing. I, I, you've hammered it, Jason. I've seen you hammer it in the chat, and I can appreciate that you stand very tall on the fact that you're placing a lot of your personal blame onto Jason Myers in this game. But I think you're going to be a bit in the minority on this one. It's really on so many other aspects on this game as to why you lost it. It's one play at the end of a game here in a game that had, what, 119 plays that led up to you losing this game. To pinpoint and pull one play out of a game, it's, I don't understand it myself. It gets me very confused. It's, the plays all matter over the course of the game. And if there's a theme that goes on in the, throughout the plays in the course of the game, if there's a collection of plays that all fit to type, i.e. like 
defensively. You're not willing to blitz. You're trusting your front four. Your front four is getting no pressure. Stafford's pick, dinking and you know eating you up in the secondary all across the board with 10 minutes of time to sit in the pocket. That's a theme that occurs over the course of many plays. Not a single play, but over the course of many plays. And that's what you want to start looking at and thinking about in your evaluation on the team in a game coming out of this. Not the Myers part on the one kick. Especially when you'd already made two kicks in the day. Especially when you'd already given the high degree of difficulty on the kicks that you had Adam go out there and try to go make. Especially when in recent games, you've been leaning on him game after game after game to save the day for these elements that have been failing elements leading into this game and were failing elements of this football team throughout the course of this game. That's why I'm kind of trying to push so hard on you to get to that side of it because the Myers thing is going to lead you astray. It's going to lead you into the wrong direction for coming out of this game. It's not that you're wrong to say he, I'd like him to be making those kicks. We're paying him big money. I think I'd like to see him make the case that we shouldn't put it. We shouldn't be giving it this amount of lip service like we are. It's something to be mentioned. And then let's get on to the things that are the more readily apparent issues at play with this football team, which are many and which are growing seemingly by the game at times. Uh, Joni, I am reading the chat. Sorry, Jonah. Uh, I do get a little bit behind on the chat. So I try to, read everybody's comment or most everybody's comment as I can, especially when we have almost 300 people in like we did tonight. It, uh, it does get a little bit tough on it. I sometimes miss certain stuff, but I try. Lord Boom says, Brandon, I don't necessarily blame Myers at all. I only say he should do his job, but it shouldn't come down to him. I understand, but where to start with this game? My head hurts. I, I get it, man. I totally get it. And I, I'm not against the Myers aspect of it and looking and saying, I'd like you to make that kick the money. It's just, again, that I've got issues with this team going on and they're going on right now and I worry they're going to go on into the future. I don't think I'm going to have to worry about Myers into the future at this point. I do think I got to worry about whether or not Coach Carroll is going to be willing to draw, dial up the aggressiveness that's required in this defense. I do worry about whether or not Waldron is a functional offensive coordinator in this sport. I do wonder if they're going to deal with the offensive line in the appropriate fashion to make it at least to more of a functional state than it's been through most of this year, both in opening up rushing lanes and in pass protection. But these are more of the bigger things that sit at the forefront for me. And I just, that's why I'm kind of trying to laser focus in on them because I consider them to be major issues, not only right now, but on into the future, because I'm not sure that we're going to address them. And I think the more time we talk about Myers, the less time we're talking about this, the less that it will have a chance of being addressed. If we, it's almost like the Myers thing will, to me a little bit with Lord Boom will be a thing that lets him off the hook on these other items, which I don't want because they're very important for us, I think, to pay attention to. Uh, Rick, anybody want to buy some hot tickets for when the Eagles come to town? I don't think I want to see the destruction that the Eagles are going to make us. <laughs> JRD says, we haven't been able to keep our running backs healthy since Marshawn. We are cursed. It's the beast mode curse, man. Yeah, Jason, I've I showed you that graph, man. I, I presented evidence that it's not the easiest in the world to kick the 57, 55-yard field goals. Mm, up until a few years ago, 62 yards was the longest kick ever made in the NFL. I mean, that's you're seven yards off the longest kick ever. Is it means it's a long kick and not a high degree. Yeah. I'm going to let you go with it, man. You do you, bro. Sean, Drew Locke sucks. Hey, Gino came in when Russ got hurt and put up points and almost won the game for us. True. True. 
Fans since 92 says Waldron needs to go. A common refrain tonight on the stream, that's for sure. Corey says, has Waldron forgot how to run the ball in the second half? He did seem to go away from it. Odd, too, especially when Locke came in the game, that you didn't dial it up a little bit more. Leanne Grenade says, can we, can we please find the next Brady in our draft, please? That'd be nice. That wouldn't be bad at all. Carlos Marins Jr., exciting game. How do you all see the five-game stretch going? I think everyone's outlook's a little dark at the moment, Carlos. Little, uh, a tinsy tins bit dark uh, on the on this one. Hearing says Diggs isn't Chancellor or anything, but he's fine, solid, not great, but solid. Yeah, he's solid. It's more the bang, the bang for the buck, more than it being about good or bad on the player. With that one. Mike says the turkeys and ashes of ashes in the oven at this point. <laughs> Cash back. Why does Pete and John insist on hanging on to crappy players? That obviously hasn't improved and not going to. Serious question. I think it's a very valid question to ask, Cash. When the team came in, one thing that stood out was the willingness to churn through the roster. That, you know, you weren't owned up to anybody, that you weren't play pushing anybody to a spot where that's they're just being given this kind of spot and that's just theirs and it's given and they don't have to kind of earn it. Competition was also king back in those days. There's definitely been a startling lack of that. And this team seems to have players who will come out and show you that they don't have necessarily a lot there to give. A guy like Daryl Taylor, for instance, who can be a pass rusher, but he can't give you anything as a run defender. There should be no outlook you come into an NFL season where you're looking at him wanting to play against the run and, and defending it so. But the team falls in love with its own guys. How many guys end up coming back here after they've let them go? Um, they hold on to guys for a long period of time, even when it's very very obvious that the person's not going to offer a lot. Eskridge wasn't going to offer anything coming into this year. We could all see that. We could all see that that was a missed pick by the Seattle Seahawks. And they did this with LJ Collier. They did this with Rasheem Green. They keep just trying to trot out them and like, well, no, no, we'll show you it was actually a good pick. Okay, well, now we'll actually show you. It's like, it wasn't a good pick. You missed. Move on. And it's one of the places that they refuse to be dynamic in, in moving off when they realize it isn't working and this guy's not the one. Instead, they do. I, I agree, Cash. They do get, you know, held on to their own players. Even in the Quandre Diggs contract, for instance, you'd pay Jamal Adams. You decided to pay one of your safeties top five money. You kind of had to make your peace with it at that point that you're going to have to go cheaper at the free safety position. In the modern NFL, it didn't make sense to pay both safety positions that. But what happens? Diggs twists his foot in the final game of the season. And so you feel impelled a little bit there to give him this massive contract. And it's not that he's a bad player, but he's not going to give you a play that's worthwhile to making him a top 10 paid safety in the sport. 
And this is where they get to with it. They get married, like they're married to these guys rather than how other NFL franchises are able to run it, which is to dynamically move off and on guys depending on their level of performance year to year. And uh, this team doesn't do that. And it does get frustrating at times with their approach on that. I don't know, as I say on a lot of this stream at times, I don't know why. It's not brought them out a lot of success. These, they've not had one of these guys in this mode who's just been crappily along for year in and year out, and then suddenly they turned it on. It didn't, it's never really gone that way. And if it has gone that way, it's been the, the rare rule of thumb versus the, the buyer large rule, which is that the guys are going to tend to be what they are. And if they aren't good, they're not good. Uh, Randy DC2, do you think the Witherspoon PI penalty was a bad call? I feel like we should have won that game too. Shaking my head. Yeah, we should have won the game, Randy. And yes, it was, a, it was the worst call of the game and there was a lot of bad calls. So that's saying something. But uh, Randy, it's an inadvertent legs tangling up. Um, I've referenced this happened in the earlier game this year in Detroit on a very key game, key play in that game. Similar kind of play. Witherspoon defending a crossing route in that Detroit game. Legs get tangled up. No call from the officials. This game, legs get tangled up on a crossing route, Witherspoon in coverage. Now there's a call from the officials. This is why these officiating crews drive these fans crazy. Is you never can get, what is, where's the consistency? Where's the line at? It's never consistently called. It's always a guessing game. It's always hold your breath after any play to see what the yellow flag coming out. And it got so lame. Pandemonium bad. At the end of the day, Jason Mayer didn't finish the job. If he had, we would have had a different but similar conversation right now. Yeah, I mean, I would still be looking at these upcoming matchups at this point going, I don't think we're going to be able to pull this off. We got this one pulled off, but I don't think that that changes my outlook of the season or the, the potential for where the season goes. The same things that bit you on the ass today have been biting you on the ass all season long. Cameron, I think if the offensive play calling is just as bad this Thursday, we need to fire Waldron. It clearly isn't working. Dude apparently needs to learn a bit more about being an OC. I wouldn't be against it. Carroll, I don't think, has ever fired a coordinator in season before, uh, or at least a offense or defensive coordinator. But, I mean, I've, I've seen enough at this point where he's, he's doing less with more. I think there's other coordinators that could do a much better job than what he's doing out there. Wilbert, I want to see Jamal on Kettle all game, like a true hawk. I propose Cam was a big damn force. Mike says, Taylor's an awful. Team loves him for his one-trick pony thing, but he doesn't even do that more. No, he's not even good at getting any kind of consistent pressure. It's like he just gets tried out there, though, over and over again, and they sort of trusted him through this offseason that he could be some key cog in this rotation rather than what I thought they should have done is use them like an asset, move them off to another team and look to find a different answer in there that can at the very least provide you some run defense and give you at least one consistent thing that they're bringing to the table. Lord Boom says, laughing out loud, no, I'm just going to keep picturing Drew Locke in the bathroom before every game, throwing out in his jersey, mom spaghetti. Carrying red zone is literally terrible. Like words I can't even say on the stream that are PC. Terrible, disgusting. Yeah, all of those. Yes, and all of those. N7, thank you for subscribing to the channel. Welcome aboard the Hawks Nest N7. That is the gamer. Thank you for the $2 donation. It says F these refs. Hopefully Thursday night is better. Hopefully, man. But F these refs. 
to hell with y'all. Not hard enough. We're having a hard enough slog getting through these Rams. You got to help them out on top of that. I, I'm, I'm kind of over it. I'm, it sure, should be nice a couple of games this year to go look at the penalty chart at the end of the game and maybe see just a couple, mere just a couple times, you know, like maybe three or four of the games this year, just maybe I might be greedy here where maybe the penalties are a little more on the opposition, you know, show a little bit of maybe a, a regression here to the mean. I probably asked too much though. But F the reps, Mattis, F the reps. Uh, Barry Satoro with another $10 donation. Barry, thank you for all your donations. I think that's like your seventh one today between the earlier stream and this one, man. Thank you for all of your support on the channel today. Very kind of you, man, and I am very appreciative. Has anyone noticed some of the largest holes our O-line has opened up has been on pass plays? Yeah, I think that's some of the predictability that we we kind of show off at times, Barry, where it does feel like the defense has a read on us offensively of knowing whether or not we're passing or running. I don't know if we're showing a tell or not, but it does always feel like the defense is like a step ahead of things and knowing when something's about to come like that, you know, w whether it's run or pass. And when it's in pass, then they know they can just get upfield on their pass rush lanes, get wide, not worry about the run. I don't know if it's that, but um, yeah. I, I think it's that, Barry. That'd be a, that's my guess on that. But one thing's for sure, they're not opening a lot of holes in the ground game. Everything in a lot of penetration, a lot of getting pushed backwards. That is the gamer with the $2 dono. Says, and the commentators were so biased on LA too. Laughing out loud. Oh goodness, that would have made this game even harder to have to watch. Luckily, I'm sound off because I'm doing the play-by-play -play at us. But um, that would have made it tougher. That would have made it tougher to get through this particular game. That's for sure. But uh, thank you, Addis. Appreciate the double donation. And Barry, thank you for all your donations tonight. I did see that there were some those pass rush lanes you talk about at times where the Geno could potentially run through, take advantage. I'd like to see Geno maybe take a little bit more of an opportunity to use his legs at times, where instead he sometimes just everything's got to be from the pocket and trying to wing it, even when there's not a lot there that's opened up. Alien Pet 13 Gaming, thank you for subscribing to the channel, Alien Pet. Welcome aboard the Hawk's Nest, and thank you for getting there. Folks, if uh, you haven't already, please do hit that like button for me, as well as if you're not already subbed up, please do get subbed up to the channel. As we're trying to get up over 15,000 subscribers, we crossed 14,300 today, so we rounded out. Channel's kicking butt, even if our Hawks are not, so we are motoring along on the path, on the road, almost there to get into the big 15 which would be fantastic for us this year. So uh, thank you, Alien Pet, to help us get into that spot. Appreciate you. Addis with another $2 dono. Thank you, Addis, for all those donos. Says, again, if the Witherspoon on Puka PI wasn't called. Oh, I think it definitely changes the whole conjecture of the game. The whole flavor of the game goes a different way. Because then they got to kick the field goal there on fourth down. Then you have a touchdown lead. Then you can maybe up call your offense with a little bit more, I don't know, maybe more freedom. Potentially, things don't get as, as more tight. You have a little bit more room for error maybe at that point. But it, it was just a BSPI call all the way. It's a, it's a standard issue, inadvertent contact. It's not a hard call for the officials to make in that moment. But if you have your official, if you have your flag, already a hand on flag getting ready to just look for whatever. If you're looking for whatever little ticky-tack thing you can find, then you'll pull the flag on that, won't you? You know? 
Uh, Jeffrey, thank you for the $5 donation, Jeffrey. Appreciate you for that. I know that's not your first today as well either. It says, technically, a flag could be thrown on every single play if the refs really wanted. A rules official admitted to that. Just depends. It's true. I, I mean, it's definitely true, especially when you get to the holding and the interior of the line, and it, there, there's a lot of that that's at play there with it. My problem with it is not necessarily if you have a game where you have 13, 14 flags called on you and the other team has seven or eight and they're just going flag happy on a given game. My problem comes into play of when you have a game after game after game of there just being such an offsuit to the number of flags call, called on you versus the number of flags called on the opposition. And you're just sitting there looking at it going, why is the discrepancy there every single week to this degree of a degree? Why is it this much? It feels like too much. And this one, this game, especially this year, in, in a year of many of these games, this was a year that was a, the, the most kind of glaring example of that to me. It's tough, Jeffrey. I hate blaming officials. I hate bringing up officials. And I don't want to, I'm by no means in saying they're the only reason we lost it. It was if it's not for the officials. We'd be dominating this year. But I do feel like it, week in and week out of times doing the play-by-play. I too often find myself feeling in my mind like we're playing against this team and we got to beat the officials on top of it. We got to beat this Browns team and be five to 10% better than them on top of that with the, the official factor. But thank you, Jeffrey. Appreciate the donation. It's definitely a truth though. You, you speak no lies, my friend. Alan says, no more Drew Locke, please. I can't. Uh, Dog Watcher says, Gino has an elbow stinger, lower triceps to the elbow. Thanks for the update on that, Dog Watcher. It's good to know. So hopefully he can be get back to it this week. Pandemonium Bad, Jaden Daniels, 2024. Let's go. I'm with it, man. I love me some Jaden Daniels. He's had a hell of a year down there in the SEC. And uh, unlike Rattler, down in that same conference, who's really struggling with not the best, most supported cast around him, he doesn't have the most supported cast around him either, and he is excelling. Uh, love what I see from Jaden down there. Randy DC too. To me, I still think that if we don't make a change or find adjustment on Thursday night football game against the Niners, then their season is over. I could be a fair outlook here, Randy. I think certainly you go zero and four through this stretch of games. You're you're Dunsky probably. You might slide you into the playoffs, but you're not doing anything with it. And hard hard to see this team beating this Niner team at this point. They look like they're on another level than us. And I, I don't like saying that, but, but you know, the truth is kind of apparent at this point, this deep into the season. Well, hand grenade says, okay, I'm going to ask Josh McDaniels for OC. We can't do that. <laughs> no, not Josh. Wolverine says, why can't Waldron never beat McVay seriously? Y'all see our fans. I don't know. Eric, sad Pete didn't bring back Dan Quinn. He would take Bobby off the field on third and longs. San Francisco, Dallas, Philly, running plays back-to-back are going to eat us up on pass plays. He's too, he's too slow to pass cover. They'll probably attack it. They'll probably attack it, Eric. I don't know if Dan wanted to necessarily come back here as a defensive coordinator. I don't know if what his thinking would have been on it that I get full control to run my defense however I want to run it. I think that he would have understood that he's still under the kind of you know control of Coach Carroll at that point. And, and what he wants to run and what he wants to do. But, um, yep, 
They, they, they run their zone coverages, not a lot of man. That leaves their linebacker middle of the field. You run a crosser against our zone, especially rubbing the cover three on the outside. That means you end up with a receiver like Tutu Atwell on Bobby. And I'd kind of argue at times, Eric, that if you put a middle linebacker in this sport on any 4-3 wide receiver operating with a, a build-up speed from the crossing route through the middle of the field, that, that most middle linebackers, even a Fred Warner, are going to get beat at that point. I mean, that's part of the problem of the, the scheme itself. Um, Mike, this team took the meaning of football a little too serious when Jason Myers is our leading scorer this game. Long live the That period of time Gino was out, very telling. Indeed, it was. Offense definitely ground to a halt once Gino went out. Mike says, Waldron's lucky Matt Canada exists. In my opinion, he is doing a worse job than Canada. He has more to work with and less to show for it. Agreed. Agreed. And yeah, Canada's reputation is with his burner accounts. Has him taking a lot of heat off of a lot of OCs probably in this league. Sanders champion and all the terrible disappointment today. We forgot to add the cherry on top. Mafia's sack streak is over. He had a point too where he had uh, Stafford kind of dead to rights on a particular play and Stafford was able to just kind of pirouette around him. But he had a shot. He didn't have a shot. Dog watcher Brendan, what would you do if you were Pete, Clint, or Shane to stop these penalties or make it a front of mind issue with them? It's kind of hard to just say stop stop committing penalties, dog watcher. To become a team that's going to be about being disciplined in that way, that's something that you have to set as sort of a mandate in training camp. I don't think that you can fix that halfway into your season. And it has to be a part of your identity. And I can't also ignore the fact, your dog watcher, that something that you've got as a common item of Coach Carroll throughout the past 12 years has been his teams tend to be one of the most penalized teams in all of football year in and year out. And they were, for instance, to my point on this dog watcher, the year you went and won the Super Bowl, you were the most penalized team in the NFL. So, as does come up the case here throughout the stream a little bit, we have long-standing issues and problems that have never been fixed or ever corrected. How do I have hope that they will get these fixed and corrected into the future, dog watcher? Especially when it's such a long-standing issue that goes back a minimum of at least 10 years. I would just say that, you know, what you get with the Coach Carroll team is a player-friendly coach. Player-friendly coaches don't tend to be the most disciplined of sorts. They're bringing their own benefits to the team, their own pluses to the team. But getting disciplined, military outlook type feeling from your team and the way they play is not oftentimes the spot you're getting that on. There, but there's a thinking that in being able to let them play loose and free and having those penalties draw will also bring up a lot of points where they will be able to just not be thinking in their head about being technically correct and just going out there and playing. I think that's the the philosophy of why they are okay with it or why they haven't corrected it. Not to say I agree with it, but just that that's what I think they're 
their philosophy is based in with it. Alex Haas says, where will Jaden Daniels go in the draft? Uh, I would guess Jaden Daniels is probably a third round talent, Alex. I don't think that he'll quite get into the second round, but I think top of the third round, I could see a team looking at him there. He does have, um, he's, he's tall enough. He's certainly got great mobility and a strong arm. There's a little bit of worries, I think, with his, just the weight on him a little bit. He's a little bit of a slight guy. But uh, third round, I like him a lot. Kyrian says, Hawksnest agreed. You get emotionally attached to guys, which is natural. People like good people. That doesn't mean you're an elite position player. It's hard to justify and easy to understand why. Yeah, I can get what draws them into the thinking of the loyalty. And it's a good, it's a good instinct to have as an organization. And certainly certain organizations can get too cold-blooded with their approach, cutting this guy at the first sign of trouble or just being cold-blooded all the way down the line. But you have to have a balance. And what we have right now is too much of the other side of that, where there's too much of leaning into our own guys and falling in love with our own guys. And our guys are our special guys and they're more special than your guys. And that's, that's a little bit of a trapping that you got to also lean away from. It's finding that balance. And, and I think that they are a little bit too in the extreme of that other side of it right now when you look at some of the recent moves they've made, especially with how they've spent their money. I mean, take the Brian Monet contract, for instance. Why did Brian Monet get a contract extension? For the love of God, somebody explain that one to me. He had done nothing on the football field to earn that contract extension. And yet we sit here, find ourselves on the hook for him, paying him like four and a half million dollars this year as he's sitting there doing nothing for the football team. And that's what they do. They'll reward these guys at the time where you're like, why? Why? <laughs> for what? It's just they they really value their guys. Red Ace, they showed me Myers missed a warm-up kick around the same area to the opposite goalpost, overcorrected and shanked it wide the other side. Indeed. I saw that too on the pre-kick Red Ace. I was like, ooh, that's not a good omen. Jason, good to hear you'll always be a Hawk fan, win or lose, man. That's great. Gotta be loyal, bro. Gary and refs just need to be fired and you'll never convince me otherwise. There is no punishment for terrible calls. As a ref, you're not judged by your good calls. You're judged by your worst calls in today. Yeah, it was bad. Barry says six and four teams don't fire coordinators or head coaches unless there's some illegal stuff going on. Yeah. Don't think it's coming down the track. Dezilla Hawks says same old Seahawks and playing down to their opposition. Hopefully we play up the upcoming 49ers game. That'd be great to see. And it's one nice thing here with this Dezilla Hawk is as tough a loss as this is, at least it turns around fast. And maybe it'll be another tough loss on Thursday, but at least we get another chance, another bite at the apple. And uh, you never know on these short weeks on Thursday night games with the Niners coming up here on the road. You never know how it'll turn out. We have been playing better at home this year. So there is still, there is still some hope. Allen says, I feel like players should execute their jobs every time they step on the field, regardless of what position it is, quarterback or kicker. Well, it's hard to be perfect. Uh, Jason Cheffers has always called our games like that, as far as I can remember. Oh, the, uh, the ref? Well, to hell with him then. To hell with him then. Damn it. John Stillwell coming in with a $50 donation. My God, John. 
Thank you so much on that donation, brother. I really do appreciate it. It's great to see you in the house too, man. I hope you're having a great night. Not out there working too hard. He says, at halftime, we had our foots on their throats. They were gassed. If we had come out mixing the run and pass in the second half, we could have won it easily. But instead, we came out throwing it downfield, play after play, giving the Rams their second win. Giving them an opportunity, like you say, John, you had them with your foot. As I love the, I love the uh, metaphor of foot on their throats. Yeah, you had the foot on their throats. I think the first two drives, would you have a 13-play drive, a 14-play drive, and even the third drive, I think, was like eight plays. You had made that Rams defense live on the football field in that second, that first half. You had a two-to-one on the, uh, the time of possession, John, to your point on that. And then, yeah, you get into the second half, and as we've seen at times with, with Waldron, he gets at his worst when he starts to just fall completely away from the running game. And what made it even odder to me, John, was that you had Drew Locke come out there, which you would think that you're going to make the offensive attack a little more conservative, that you're going to lean into trying to make that run game go a little bit more at that point, and instead you had him out there flicking it, and as you said, throwing it down the football field, trying to take these big, huge, you know, chunk plays that just didn't make a lot of sense. Move the chains. Keep control of the clock. Um, odd, odd play calling all the way down the line in the second half. And, and, and counter, I would say, John, counterintuitive. Unaware of, of the, what was going on in the game. Un, unaware of what you had set up for them on the, against them defensively. And um, strange because so much of that first half, John, was a bit of the mix, right? Even when you weren't having ultimately like a ton of success running the ball, you were having some. There weren't a lot of negative plays. And you had the balance. You had almost, almost a 50-50 balance in that first half in addition to that. And finding the success like you did and controlling the time of possession like you did. But it was the same way to me, John, with the defense, where the defense was constructing that first half with a lot of you know pressure-based looks at times and taken to that offense of the Rams. And then the second half, it just drives back into the into four-man fronts and soft zone coverages. Um, but what, we had our chance in this one, John. We had our opportunity to put this team away. We had an opportunity to get, got up early, had a chance to put them away, like you say, in that second half, especially to get them to a place where they would have been gassed and toast at that point. And instead, you just did a lot of kind of three and outs, quickly getting off the field offensively and quickly forcing your defense back on the field time and time again to where eventually then it was your defense that became the, uh, the place that was gassed. That was the crew that ended up running out of steam when it was all said and done. But uh, thank you, John, for your $50 donation, man. But even thank you more for thoroughly for what you say because you speak, uh, speak the truth on this one, man. You really do. And I think when it comes to the frustrations for us coming out of this game, John, there's different places that we could potentially point to look at blame or look at things that bother us most about this game. I think for our money, the coaching staff comes out of this for pretty much most everybody here. I think Waldron comes out as the coach, you know, facing the most heat and rightfully so. The bottom line here, John, is that this guy has so much talent to work with on this offensive side of the ball and he's getting so little return out of it. And it's not like you've necessarily had the most hellacious schedule that you've had to run through throughout the course of this season. It's not like there haven't been games where the defense has given the offense opportunities to find its footing, to find some success, to find some consistency. And still we find ourselves here now, what, 10 games into the season, not really sure what it is our offense does well or does well or does anything consistently. And we shouldn't be asking of that. And that comes down to the offensive coordinator. I've been saying, John, I feel like there's a lot of OCs in this league that would be licking their chops to have this amount of talent that they get to work with. And they would have no issues whatsoever with finding productivity from it. Instead, it, we, we're made to look like we're running a bunch of JVers out there against the varsity. And, and it doesn't make sense, John. 
I look for answers in it, but it just doesn't add up. And it comes down to that if we're going to have confidence in the future here, we might have to end up making a change with our offensive coordinator. And even beyond that, if we're going to hope to have a place that we can reach, John, which is getting to a contending state. But this offense is so much better than what they've been showing this year. And and Waldron and his play calling has been head-scratching, frustrating, and and seems to continue to fail out in the same kind of way, which makes it even more just frustrating than just general. Just like, and you don't try to fix the thing that just continues to be the problem. It's odd, John. Very odd, man. Thank you, though, for that $50 drop from John Stillwell. Big, big kind donation from him. And again, I hope you're having a great night tonight, John. Hope you're almost done with that work, man. Uh, Eric Wilson with a $10 donation. Eric, thank you as well. Very kind of you, brother. Says, had to donate after John Stillwell stepping up with a $50 drop. Man, John is amazing, man. Uh, if Pete doesn't select a quarterback in the 2024 draft, he's got to go. Jaden. Jaden. Daniels. Uh, Jaden's awesome. Eric, thank you for the $10 donation. And thank you again, John, as the shout out to you on that for that $50 drop. I've long said that I think that it's a no-brainer that the team's going to take a quarterback in this draft. You are down the second-round pick, but you still have two third-rounders, and there will still likely be a mighty good quarterback there available for you in the third round. You can also package those two third-round picks if there's maybe a guy that you want to go up there to pick in specifically that John Schneider and Coach Carroll fall in love with. And because there's so many in this draft that are going to reside between the second and the fourth round, I believe that it'll be somewhere between 10 to 12 players selected in that range that that means you're going to have a good chance of finding a guy who's got some real good talent in there, who's not just a you know washout third-round pick that'll barely make it in this league, a career backup type, but some guy with a true amount of talent who can maybe really push at the position to be your starter going into the future. And I think that it's a no-brainer that they go this direction, partly because I think the roster is going to be built up enough in other areas, partly because the talent of the quarterback position is going to drive their value of their board so much to where... I think when they come up into the third round, the highest value they'll have on their board at that point is going to be likely to be a quarterback. Or at the very least, that they fall in love with one that they want to trade up for. If it's not that first, it'll be the former, I think, or the latter, I think, uh, Eric. But Jaden Daniels is tremendous. Tremendous. I mean, he's put that LSU team on his back. What do you have, like 600 total yards of offense or something like that a, a couple of weeks ago. This is not the LSU team like they were when Burrow was there. They're, they're not stacked across the board. In the SEC, he's being challenged hard every week. And what I like about it is with his build this year, with being, even though he's had a little bit of weight, he's still a very slight guy. He's holding up to it. He's withstanding some of the punishment that he's had to deal with. And he runs strong. He's a gamer. He's going to lay it on the line. Um, hard, hard to really pick much apart with Jaden's game, really, for me at this point. I got to do the deep dive on him, but I, I've really liked a lot of what I've seen, especially understanding He's taken some big steps forward in his growth this year. Jody Vera's like me face scheme is to run a double crossover and to pick the DBs and his receivers got picked. Yeah. He's like still do those flood zone concepts to your point, Jody, where he's going to run one guy through the zone, run, run your zone defender off. He's going to attack your, you know, attack your zone with linebackers and get a receiver running through your, your linebacker zone. Very good about understanding. That's why he's had a lot of success with Coach Carroll, especially with his defense. Jason says, many, many said Eagles and Niners best in the NFC. The Lions and the Cowboys look really strong, though, so I disagree. I think they're the Lions and Cowboys are a step just below them, but I think they're right there with them, pretty close. Uh, 
Like I said, I was used to my interior being biased. It was just whatever now. Yeah. It's funny though. Washi, yo, Brando. What do you think about firing Carroll and hiring Ben Johnson as our head coach at the end of the season? I'm I'm not opposed to moving on from Carroll at this point. I, I'm I'm not married to Coach Carroll saying he's the only option here. Um, but I don't think he's going to be let go. I think he's going to be your coach now and into the future. Uh, ben Johnson's going to be hired by somebody as a head coach this offseason, Washi. So I believe he's I think he's going to be probably the number one hot hire out there who's looked at. Um, before anybody else, as far as those next guys up kind of thing. Cash back. The cat's focused on something. I got a little bit of a deal. I play with my fingers when I'm talking to you guys. So she sees that and wants to, wants to play with it. Jamie Cruz is, I gave up getting mad. Refs lubricated our donkey a-hole today. Said they had to interfere. <laughs> uh, Kieran says, do I sun, sub this man or do I sub this cat? Not sure. Cat and man come together. They're inseparable. The Lost Souls trilogy. The Hawks are way too predictable. Nothing happens ever on a special teams. No trick plays on offense. No punt blocks. No fake punts or field, no fake field goals. Very predictable. Yeah. Predictability is the name of the game for the Hawks. What you see is what you get. That's also what I would say about them. Brandon Jana, Brayden, Brandon Jana says, uh, ha ha, Waldron is a plant. I can already see the screenplay directed by Ridley Scott, right? Sean McVay enters the smoky room. Shane, yeah, boss, what you need? I need to let you know something. Yeah. You're going to go to Seattle. What? You're going to go to Seattle. I even got McVay's voice. I can do McVay's voice good here, five hours in the stream. You're going to go to Seattle. You're going to be their offensive coordinator. No, I'm not. I'm a Ram. I'm a Ram. I bleed that yellow and blue. We've won. What are you talking about? You're going to go be, you're going to go be the Seahawks offensive coordinator. And you're going to help them lose. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I could just see it. Hearing the refs are terrible. Accountability doesn't exist. The NFL needs to hire full-time refs. Yes, they do. And pay them a salary. That means they won't give a F about what their friend can make them when they bet. <laughs> it's probably true. You know, some officials doing it. Some of it's doing it. But yeah, full-time officials would be nice. Removing some of the subjectivity from the calls would be nice too, but I don't think they're going to do that. Darren Gibson, go Hawks. Hoping we can beat the Niners on Thursday night. It'll be a big change. Hopefully we can do it, Darian. Odds aren't looking good right now, but we got a chance. We can figure it out. Alan hasn't hit the panic button yet. I like it, Alan. Keeping the faith, brother. Randy says, you know when Gino was injured that do you think they should like call that roughing the passer or not really? No, not to me. He's hitting him as he's throwing. He's removing his head from the play. Um... I don't think, you know, Donald's had some suspect hits over the years, especially against Russell Wilson. But I think on that play, that's him doing what you teach defenders to do, which is get your hands up and knock down the ball. Which is what he did. Jason says they'll give Gino a quarter zone shot or whatever. He'll be back Thursday night. Maybe. Might just. Might very well just. 
Corey Olson, we can't continue to cause this many penalties and expect to win, period. We need to clean things up. Also, if we can get some different looks on defense as well as offense, that would be great. Well said. Well said. Yeah, hard to win game with 13 penalties. Paul says, just got off work. Dang, you're still going. Go Hawks. Hey, man, you know what I do, Paul. You know, I got to do what I do. Especially when I got some bitching and moaning. <laughs> Dazilla says, is it possible that we thought maybe once we got a lead that we thought maybe we can coast to the end of the game to preserve, maximize our players' health stamina for Thursday? I mean, maybe. The only problem I have with the false confidence in any way in this game, being it halfway into the game, Dazilla, or coming into the game, is that they, they beat the doors off you in the first opening matchup. They embarrassed you in the opening game of the season. And even if you thought that that's a rebuilding Rams or a lessened team or a weakened team, Hard for me not to see them have taken this team stridently serious throughout the course of this entire game because of that opening week loss. And especially Dazilla because of how much troubles they've had with this Rams team going back to 2017. You come into the game as a Coach Carroll-led led crew and you're 5-9 and nine against this McVay-led team. You have your worst record against this Rams team led by McVay than any other coach out there that you've played in 12 years as a coach by far. And I think that, that that has to inform you as a coaching staff at that point, as a team at that point, got to take this thing seriously. We gotta, we're going to have to go hard in this game. We can't let up on the, the gas at any point in time, especially because you didn't have any real huge mounted lead. It wasn't like you're up 17 nothing, you know, and you just felt like, okay, we got this. Hit the cruise control button. They were always within pretty much striking distance. Brandon says, yeah, that Thursday night game is still a massive game. We can leapfrog the Niners for the division lead at that time. And ultimately, for goodness sakes, please just let us make the playoffs. One and done. It would be pretty cool if we can pull off the win this week. Dafford is still injured. Got the, the thing with the thumb, the thumb thing. Gunny says, Seattle trades Geno from Malik Willis at the end of the season. No, nah, because the Titans aren't going to pick up Geno's contract. So, I don't think that would go down like that. Kieran, is anyone rocking their Seahawks ugly sweater on Thanksgiving? Thoughts? I need a fashion recommendation. I have an ugly sweater, but I got to wait for Christmas on that one. I don't think I'll be rocking it on game day, but uh, I got a great one. I pull my one out like once or twice a year because it's so uh, egregious, but it's egregiously awesome. Isaac Wesley says, man, be tough one to take on the chin, but we have to get ready for the San Francisco on Turkey Day. I hope Gino, Gino's a go and we compete hard to right the wrong to a game we should have won. Well said. Well said. Yeah, this is a tough one to take on the chin. I'm definitely um, struggling myself, Isaac, just to shrug it off like it ain't no thing. Like a turkey, turkey wing. Uh, like a turkey leg, chicken wing, uh, chin, turkey wing. God, it doesn't really work with the turkey deal, does it? But uh, yeah, this is a tough one to take. But you can turn around this week, get a win this week. You can flip a lot of scripts, I guess. Mike says, the thing that haunts me is knowing we could draft world beaters and Pete would still just run the same old thing with Jody looking for a seller and not wanting to change in the organization. That's at the root of my worries right now. I haven't reached the conclusive state that that's what I believe in my heart. But if this season fits to type and goes through the full season of playing out the way it's played out so far, I will start to get closer to reaching that conclusion. Being that it's not a talent issue. 
It's not a talent issue. And if it's not a talent issue and it becomes a coaching issue and the coaching is not going to change, how does it fix? How does it become then resolved? Well, then our hopes have to be on it resolving or fixing itself sort of by sort of happenstance. No, we're not doing this, cat. No, don't do it. Up, up there. There we go. And Jason, see, I'm with you. I don't believe in luck. I believe you do things, you do things for a purposeful approach or you don't. And when you don't take a purposeful approach that works and it fails, then it's broken. Or it's not going to at the very least work into the future. The team's got to start to try to apply certain fixes, I think, that are more possible, pliable as a solution. This is the thing that's frustrating for me on this. It's, it's not if they were trying different things and those things were failing. If Coach Carroll was trying a different song, you know? He's been doing Pearl Jam tunes and stuck on doing Pearl Jam tunes. Like, let me try to work in some Alice in Chains here. Let me try to work in a little Sound Garden. Oh, that's not working. Okay, let me try a little Nirvana here. Oh, that's not working. Let's go with some Mad Season. Maybe some Mud Honey. I mean, start going to the right band that's going to work, the right call that's going to work, the right application of the right process and strategy that will work, trying different things at least. But to try the same manner of approach over and over and it to failure is what, Mike, to your point, makes me worried and has me concerned. Because if you're not, if you haven't fixed it the past five, seven, eight years, you're not fixing it this year's, then why will you suddenly fix it over this off season? Why will it magically at that point finally be addressed? I hope it would be, but it's very hard to find many guarantees that we, or many much confidence in our heart to feel like it will be. Uh, if this plays out in that manner, I'm going to let the whole season play out before I reach a determination on this, but it does have me driven a little bit in that direction and going, boy, but it's one thing to be a problem now. It's another thing if that problem is going to persist on into the future. E36, what are you looking to complain about? Dizilla Hawk, Monet sounds like money, so pay the man, laughing out loud. <laughs> That's probably what they did almost. My goodness. There's like no drive. Nobody was like, we need to get Monet on our contract extension. Said no one ever. ever. Addis is with the team should cut him. We don't need him anymore since we got Jaron Reed and Leonard Williams. They're, they're going to cut Monet this offseason. He's your first cut candidate that's going off the board. But the bottom line point is, why did you reward him with that contract in the first place? You know, why did you pay him that anyway? Well, what was the, what was the thought process there? He hadn't shown you, look at his stats. He hadn't shown you anything on the field to earn that kind of money, to earn that kind of payday. But the team does tend to fall in love with their own guys. They really do. John says this game was as poorly officiated as I've seen this year. And the PIs against Woolen and Spoon, horrible. Agreed, John. This is the worst officiated game of the year. And, and, and I think, John, that's kind of saying something. Because there's been a couple games this year that have been ugly and have not been balanced in their officiating, have not been consistent in the calls throughout the course of the game. Impacted too highly by the officials, not letting just the players play overall. This would be another game that was like that for me today too, John. And it, it's tough when you're having the volume of calls that are happening at play and then you're also having the timing along with the volume of calls. So you get the timing happening like on that Puka Nuka 
PI with Witherspoon where their legs get tangled up. And it's on a big play in the game where it not only impacts going and taking the Rams from having a fourth down where they're going to try to field goal attempt to now giving them a first and goal from about the two-yard line. And it's those kind of times where the, the calls come out in addition to just the sheer number and volume of them. Volume of them. And man, it does get frustrating. Wolverines, where were the, wherever Seahawks picked the guy they were looking at will get picked right before. A long live the king. The play setup was definitely conservative to set up the kick. What did happen, if you guys are new on the chat on or just getting in the chat on this long live the king, uh, the headset went out in the quarterback's ear. So Gino had to freelance that play call, and the Hawks didn't have a timeout there to reset things. So it just got a little bit. Uh, I don't know if the Rams cut our headset off at the end of the game, but uh, that's what did occur. Jason, Seahawks the most penalized team in the NFL? Yeah, Jason, by a wide margin. And if we're not, it's the only team that'd be ahead of us, I'm guessing, is a team that's maybe not had a bye yet or something. So, yeah. By a wide, at least per game penalty-wise, we've, we've got to be leading the league by a decent amount. Kevin says, it's not going to be. I really emotionally needed to be, but this team's coaching staff has proved to me that it isn't the pieces you have, but the way you make them work together. Agreed, Kevin. I'm struggling with that confidence in the same manner you are. Where I don't want it to be this way. I want Coach Carroll to ride in the future and to be the guy at the helm and to run this out as we go into the future and to trust in him. I truly do. I'd love to see that love. I'd like, love to see Geno Smith prove the doubters wrong and raise a Lombardi trophy. That'd be a great story. It'd be great to see. I'd excited for that. I'd root for that. I'm rooting for that. But I'm also going to be aware of what I'm seeing with my own eyes, crystal clearly. And what we're seeing with our own eyes is a coach unwilling to change. A stagnated offense that's loaded to the nines with talent that should not be this stagnated. And the excuses are harder and harder to call upon. Dog watcher, who's the first corner who's going to get burnt by Brock for a Niners first TD Thursday? That's going to be not a corner. It's going to be Jordan Brooks in coverage. They'll probably run a fake screen to the right, come back to the middle with Kittle, and then he'll he'll hit Brooks up the seam. Reek, 206 Northwest. Locke has the potential as a backup. Just got to be comfortable. The pick, if he would lead over a little more, is a beautiful pass. Just needs to get his reps to get comfortable. We may be seeing him this Thursday. Theron says Thanksgiving equals stuffing plus gravy plus Seahawks. Yes. Yes. Cashback, by the way, whatever happened to Woolen? I'm seeing his latest play correctly, right? What happened to the rookie defensive player of the year runner-up? Cash, he's been having some really strong games. Last week, he had the strongest game of the season. I think in this game, again, he matched it up and he played really well in this one, including he got a second interception of the year in this game. I thought Tariq played has played he maybe didn't start out the greatest this year to begin things, but he's been coming on strong lately. Here in Hawks Nest, I'm starting the Seahawks JV team. School year just started, right? Or is it second semester? Or are we on the trimester? Ugh, school is hard. <laughs> John says, I wish the reporters would ask Pete the tough questions, but they just don't. No, I like you wish they would too. Not all of us have the access to do so. There are some straightforward questions you can ask without being a dick. 
to Coach Pete. You don't have to come at him with a complete a-hole style to get these questions asked. You can soft sell it a little bit. You can, you know, butter them up a little bit. But the questions should be asked, I think. I think they're fair to be asked. Uh, Radu Turkan, thank you for the $5 donation, Radu. Appreciate you on that, man. Still good to see you in the chat too as well. Hanging in there with me. He says, why go for a 55-yarder? Why not go for a sideline pass and not run the ball and potentially make the, the field goal doable? Seahawks coaching logic equals delusional. Okay, so the, the play at the end, of, and this is Radu according to Geno Smith and what he said in the press conference. So I'm, I will take him at his word at this. I don't know if it is what accurately happened, but... He completes the pass to DK Metcalf. There are no timeouts remaining. The clock is winding. I agree with you. The call there should not be a run play. The call should be to spike the ball. The call should be to go to a pass play and try to get another pass off, try to get another 10 yards, try to make it a more makeable kick. It shouldn't, you shouldn't be asking your kicker to kick it a 55 yarders, a long kick. That's a hard kick for, for uh, kickers to make. So I'm completely with you on, the, um, on your complete setup on this. I am. The part that changes this a little bit is that the headset goes out. So Gino loses complete access to Shane Waldron. Should Gino maybe have been having the internal clock that tells him in that moment to go spike the ball and then, you know, get your, get your kind of setup going, get your head right, get everything kind of prepared for the next play, give yourself a chance to then get the headset in there? Maybe. Maybe that should have been the right or better call there for Gino to make rather than going to the run play. But it's all going down in a matter of seconds, right? Because the clock is running. There's no timeouts. You're moving up to the line of scrimmage. You're trying to process everything that's happening right there in the moment. So it's if he had had the call come into the mic and they had called the running play, I might be a little more extreme on this along. You know, I might be more in the land of like, that's just completely unacceptable. But because the mic goes out right there at that moment, it's like, well, it's not good. But it's also going to be hard for any quarterback in that position to have their mic suddenly go out there and just sort of, you know, freelance and make the call kind of on the run, you know, a little bit. Um, and you don't have, I don't think Waldron's there on the sideline. He can't shout at Geno. And it's, it's just, there's not enough time to kind of com communicate, I don't think, over to Geno of what to do. He's just got to kind of feel it in that moment. Still doesn't make it a good call. Not trying to excuse it away. But it's so weird that the mic just goes out on like the final play of the game like that too. Very, very suspect. You know what I mean? Very, very suspect. But thank you, Radu. Appreciate that $5 donation. Um, Jeffrey Thistle, thank you for the $2 donation. It says, base down, base, base down, the stands, the fan must be enjoying the win. Based in the stands, the fan must be enjoying the win. Thank you for the $2 donation. Based in the stands, the fan must be enjoying the win. He must be. I'm not sure I know of the Baston on that one, Jeffrey, but he probably is if he's a Rams fan. <laughs> I'm sure he is tonight. John, oh my God, John, with another $50 drop. Holy Lord, look out. John Stillwell going to come in the house hot. And uh, John says, got a split, pal, but enjoy. John, thank you for the huge donation. I saw too, I think you've got some subs that you just gifted out to the chat as well. So thank you for all of those uh, donations, support, the gifting of the subs, the being the member of the channel as you are and all you do in your support of this channel, you are absolutely by far and away the, the biggest donator I have on this channel, the biggest supporter of this channel. And uh, we've got a lot of big supporters. That's saying something because there's a lot of folks that drop their, drop their dollars down and, and uh, put their love in on the channel here. But uh, you do stand at the head of the stack on that, John. I thank you so much, man, for all you do on the channel. And uh, you put out, you know, huge, huge donations. Every time I go live, you're right there doing that. And um, Thank you. 
Thank you so, so very much. Thank you for gifting those memberships too, as you did. I hope you have a great night. I hope you're not working too hard this week and you finally get a little bit of a free up here around the holiday season to kind of relax and catch your breath a little bit and be able to just kind of, you know, enjoy this holiday season. We got to catch our moments where we can catch our breath. You know what I mean, brother? But um, thank you, man, for the 50, $50 donation from John Stillwell, along with another $50 drop and the gifting of subs. You are the man, John. You are the man tonight, man. I appreciate you, brother. And you, uh, you have yourself a great night. Thank you for all of that, though. Woo, let's go. Let's go. Uh, Kasra with a $5 dono says, Hi, Brandon. I've gone to the Rams game for the last 10 years, and the amount of times I've left feeling that the refs had too much influence is crazy. Indeed, it is crazy. Um, we all remember this play, right? Dallas. You know, we, we, we all remember this play. Mm-hmm. I can get to it. This is a play from a couple years ago. You guys remember this one? I can get it. Where'd it go? What the hell? I guess I can do this the old-fashioned way. Remember this play, folks? Remember this one a couple years ago? Yeah, you see that there? See the ball on the air? See how the ball's flying in the air and it's in route to DJ Dallas? And do you see the, the Los Angeles Rams player not only just draped, but basically hugging DJ Dallas down the field. This was a key call in the game that took all of our all of our hope away. This was the end of the game, no call. A game where you had had a PI call on you, by the way, on the other side, because as we know with these Rams, we're not we're not getting the equivalent calls both sides. But uh, yeah, too many of these kind of plays against the Rams over the years, from my perspective as well. I've seen a lot of these games called like that. And Kowser, this is coming straight from your lips on this. I mean, you you saying I've been in the stadium two times. I've been gone to the. Let, let me put read your cause or your statement again on this because I think it's important. I've gone to the Rams game for the last ten years, and the amount of times I've left feeling that the refs had too much influence is crazy. In stadium, in the Rams game against the Rams, last ten years. And Costra, I've said the same thing. I can bring up this DJ Dallas play, which is one of the egregious ones that I've seen, and a game where it was horrible throughout the game. It was miserable throughout this game a couple of years ago with DJ Dallas at the end where there was the no PI, the calls were ridiculous throughout the whole game. And it ended up with that. And this game, the same kind of way. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on. Maybe, maybe just we have calls steer against us. Maybe that's rigged. Maybe it's something just random. Maybe just officials just love the blue and yellow on the back of the Rams and they really like the way it looks and it makes them call more flags on us. But there's so many of these calls in these games, that it's not evenly officiated. It's not officiated in the same way. There's this variance going on from how you call it on one side of the ball to the other, how you call it from one team to the other. And it does get very frustrating, Kasra. I hate talking about the officials I do. It's the last place I'd like to go to. And hopefully that's evident in the fact that in the amount of shade I'm putting and push, putting on to the other parts of this team coming out of this game. Because there is not just a place where you go, well, it's just the, it's just the officiating. 
But indeed, over the last, over the many, these last many years at times, and especially playing this Rams team, especially as you had that T Rams team in a place of contending and being ready to go push for a Super Bowl, the amount of calls they got in their favor versus us was kind of strange. And it does make me a little suspicious when it happens years on end. Years on end. I don't, ugh. I'm seeing the same thing, Cosra. And Cosra with the $2 donation as well says the flags were even more confusing in person. Yeah, it, it gets a little bit overload when you're to 13 flags of the course of the game. And I've been saying, Cosra, it's, it's going to have to be one of two things at this point. It's one of two things. We are either A, the most undisciplined football team in football by far, not by a little bit, not by like, well, we're just edging out 31. By a mile, we are the most undisciplined football team in football, or we're not getting our games called equally well. We're having to face the opposition and the refs week in and week out. It's one of those two things. And if you want to put the tinfoil hat on my head and say, okay, tinfoil hat boy, there ain't no rig in here. Then we're that undisciplined. And then that means a whole nother reality to that, right? That means, well, okay, we're this undisciplined. Then this is going to have to reflect on the coaching staff to a degree, right? When you're the 31st most undisciplined team in the whole NFL. Isn't that a huge, horrible reflection on the coaching staff then at that point? But then here's the other part of that is the flags become confusing where some of these flags are very ticky-tack and not evenly called. It all makes it, to use your words, Kosra, confusing. It's confusing. I'm just looking for what what is a flag and what isn't a flag. I'm looking for a little more removal of the subjectivity, which seems to be on bright display week in and week out against the teams we play. And what's odd is the subjectivity always seems to slant away from us. We always seem to be on the negative end of this. And if it is a matter of it's all being officiated equally, I feel like there'd be some regression to the mean here. There'd be some balancing of the scales. Maybe not to completely balance them out. We'll be one of the more penalized teams. Okay, I get that. But to to be the far and away most penalized teams? It, it doesn't add up to me, Kasra. Something, something stinks in this a bit. Again, not letting off the hook, the problems that are on this team and are readily apparent and, and are worth talking about and discussing. It's kind of everything on it. AJC, AJ Hawker, so many flaws in this team. It's hard to point the finger at one particular... Oh, Jesus, sorry. Why did I have the alarm going? My bad, folks. I gave you guys all a scare there. That was my alarm for... I suppose I set the alarm today. AM. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. God, I had this on silent, too. Um... So many flaws on this team, it's hard to point to a finger at one particular thing that lost us the game today. That tells me we have a long way to be a good to great team. Agreed, A.J. Hawker. We're not a great team coming out of this game, and it's hard to say that we're even a good team coming out of this game at this point. I think it's a fair outlook for what you're seeing right now. Jeffrey O'Kelly, I hate the refs so much. They screwed us so bad today. I do too. I do too. I get so annoyed by it. Just let us play the game. Just let the players play. Let it be decided on the football field. Why does it every week I got to look at these officials going, wow, here's your impact again. Why is it every good play that happens I have to like cringe and look for yellow on my, on my television screen? 
Hey, 206, yeah, I think Caleb Williams is going to be tough to pull that one in. <laughs> be a tough one. SE Wolverines, I know uh, who has the say. It's Carroll, but I would love to be a fly in the wall in the room during draft this year between him and John when it comes to picking a quarterback. Uh, I'd love to be a fly in that wall just to be there for draft day. That'd be awesome. And John, thank you for, man, again, gifting 20 Hawks Nest memberships on top of donating a $100 drop from John Stillwell. Just amazing on John's part. So Sean Lee, Jeffrey O'Kelly, Allen, Eli Montoya, Barry Satoro, or uh, sorry, Robert Ziglorf, Justin Cooper, Unrund, Kelly, Addis the Gamer, Connor, Allen, Diddy Cat Lover, Justin Elizadas, Deadshot Killer, Jeremiah Miller, Eric Gilbertson, Brandon Poye, Brian Ryan Ball, Hans Van Wyn, Jeremiah Miller, Tyler Muir. You have all been gifted memberships by John Stillwell. Thank you for John for gifting those memberships. And folks, if you are a member, do keep an eye on your community post on YouTube as I'll be posting the PFF scores there this next Monday morning. And we'll be also doing our members only stream on Thursday night football. In fact, we might be doing a Monday uh, only member stream this upcoming week here for this matchup on Monday night. Uh, to today. So uh, keep an eye on your community post board as I will be uh, putting the membership benefits out over there for you guys. But thank you to John Stillwell for coming in hot tonight. It's a tough night as far as dealing with this loss, but made it a little bit easier with John Stillwell coming in here and uh, providing that kind of support. Thank you, John, so much, man. Very, very, very kind of you. Let's go, John. Uh, the Rams take y'all keep screaming the refs, but not realizing the Rams had nine penalties as well. You only had three more. Yeah. It's, it's not just about necessarily the total penalties though. Again, with this law Rams take, what I'm trying to say with this penalty situation is it's not just an issue of dealing with it in this game. This discrepancy of penalties has been going on throughout the season. And we're, as I said, the high, most highly penalized team in the NFL by a wide margin. Something seems to be a little bit rotten in Denmark. It's also the timing of the penalties. It's also about how the penalties affect you at the given time. You get a third down stop, and now you get a flip over of all your downs to a first down from the goal line. It's a little bit different of having uh, a five-yard penalty on a given play on your guys' side of it. So it's, it's also the nature of the penalties called and the timing of the penalties called, along with the sheer volume of the penalties called, along with how we've been having to deal with it throughout the course of this year, LaRams take, where it's been something that's been ongoing every single game. And as I say, it's one of two things. Either there's a little bit of a fix is in on the games we're playing with the refs, or we're just that so highly undisciplined. We are the most undisciplined, not the Raiders. No, 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 not the Carolina Panthers. No, no, no. They're actually more disciplined than us. No, no, we're, we're that undisciplined by the number of Finland. And, and to me, it doesn't add up. I'm not saying we're a super disciplined team, but I don't think we're the worst team in football from a discipline standpoint. And I've been watching throughout the course of this year. These, these are a little suspect at times. A lot of suspect stuff in this one. Uh, Kieran says, I'm not panicking, pulse rising and wondering about my game swag. We're six and four and have a great look at the playoffs. 
John says, I thought Williams had a good, uh, I thought Williams had a good, but the Hawks had to adjust when they start rolling Stafford out on most of his passes. Uh, I thought Leonard Williams had a good game too, John. And uh, yeah, they got Stafford a little bit on the move in this one. He also had some pockets that were really clean. The four-man four man fronts were not getting pressure on their own. And that was giving him a lot of time back there to set up and kind of survey the field and decide where he wanted to go with the football. Jesse Outlook on Geno. I, I think he's going to play. I'm I'm hoping he looks like he's going to remain the starting quarterback. I don't think Drew did anything to unseat him with what he did going out there to fill in for him. But uh, some of this is going to be dependent on Jesse, the health of Geno. I thought he played a pretty good game up until the point of his injury. It wasn't flawless. It wasn't without a few blemishes. But I thought he played a really good game up until that point. I don't think Bobo's injured. E36. I saw him out there. Randy says, I feel like the game was totally rigged and the refs probably cheated being pay your, make the Rams won that game. Can understand that thought process. Rod says, at this point, I hope we don't get stomped out by the Niners on Thursday. Me too, man. Hopefully we can at least make it a game. Dear God. Jason, see your cat is a bit fat. She is. She's, she's big boned. She hears you, Jason. She hears you, man. God. And you tell me, Jason, how do you look at this face and not give it salmon treats? Yeah. Salmon. Salmon. Impossible. But she's a little, she's got a little extra. She's a little chubs. Yeah. Wolverine says, that cat named Pumpkin? I got a cat named Pumpkin. It is indeed a cat named Pumpkin. She's just healthy boned. That's all. You didn't hear. You didn't hear Jason, did you? Mean old Jason. You're svelte and athletic. You're built like Devon Witherspoon. Aaron, I lost all hope tonight. I can understand why, Aaron. There's gonna be people that are gonna hop off tonight. I'm. I can't quite get to the place of it, but I'm. I'm getting. I'm getting jumpy. Getting froggy. I'm getting worried. I get where pokes are coming from with some consternation on this team right now. Gunny says, how awesome was that quarterback hit by Edwards on the Woolens pick? Oh, perfect hit. Got his head out of the tackle. Got the, the strike point in just the perfect spot and was able to actually lay a good thunderous hit there on Stafford. That was wonderful. Perfect form on his part. Snap out of it says McVay knew what he was doing when he called that long pass with Witherspoon P.I. Even the announcer said it. Yeah. Indeed. Thrawn, San Francisco, hitting on all cylinders. Debo back, CMC healthy. Kittle, pretty a perfect quarterback rating. We aren't stopping that. No, I don't think so either. I don't either. Fei Wu Hong, I have no confidence in this team going forward. I think you can hear, Faye, that it is a uh, common common outlook of this football team right now and the way we're seeing it too as well. Jason says, what quarterback could play behind our O-line that can't protect for like two seconds? 
It's definitely not doing a lot of great things, this offensive line, Jason. A lot of, lot of issues going on with this team right now. That's for sure. Dog Watcher, yeah, Seahawks have 76 penalties. Arizona, 74. Dallas, 74. Chicago, 73. Lead the league. Lead the league. Steve Cunningham, there's too many flags being thrown. The NFL is starting to get hard to watch. It is, Stephen. It's affecting the product on the football field. And I, I don't know if the NFL is going to consider it a problem or not, but it is getting harder to watch these games when every time I've got a flinch waiting for a flag when anything good happens. Nunya Burtz, he might put together two and a half drives in a game, but it's crap the rest of it. You're talking to somebody else there, sorry. Radu says, yes, Drew played bad, but I believe it's also a coaching issue that is making him okay as well. Yeah, I don't think the play calling did 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 Drew Locke any favors when he came out there, Radu. You ban you abandoned the run. I hated the rollout to the left there, where he's got a he's got a rollout to the left and then he's got an unblocked edge crashing down on him. So you're throwing already to the to the left where right-handed quarterbacks don't like to make that throw anyway, and then you have a guy right there in his face. Some of the play calling got really dodgy when uh, Locke came into the game. He didn't play great within it too, though, too, as well. But yeah. Stewardess says the refs weren't good, but they didn't lose the game. It took a concerted effort, relentless effort by the coaching staff to throw this game away. Inexplicable decisions and embarrassing lack of discipline. Well said, Stuart. Well said. I certainly can't put it all in the refs. I have my issues with the refs in this game, but I, I certainly have a lot of other parts in this game I can look at that didn't do their part to help us win this game. Z-Hawking, I think teams that have a collective discipline as a whole end up winning more. Like no alcohol two days before and or game day. Not saying the Hawks have the issue, but it can be a factor. No, it definitely when you, especially... Or whether or not it, it were you deserve it or not, when you at least are on paper the most undisciplined team in the league, on the other side of that, Seahawk King, that is going to cost you games. That is going to cause some extra losses over the course of a season. And uh, we got to feel that today, and we've gotten to feel it in other games this year. Um, it's it, it is true. It's one thing to have it be a little you're a little heavy on the the penalties. It's another thing to be the most penalized team. And this team just does show a stunning lack of discipline across the board, game in and game out. Alan says, you're not delusional, Brandon. Thank you, Alan. <laughs> Didn't well happen. Stuart, I love the confidence. He says, they're going to clean this up this week. Let's go. Let's go. Kazra, thank you for another $5 donation. I appreciate you for that, Kazra. All the donos in the chat. I know I'm I know I'm not being a biased fan because the Rams fans in my section were just as confused on the penalties. 
I feel like it's gotten to a bit of that state of things here, Kyle, for this year. You know, it's pulled into that place of we get we get to the phrase in my mind that comes into play where they say beyond the pale. And I feel like we've reached that point here with the the flags and this thing accumulating to where it just feels like this is a little bit beyond the pale. And this game was kind of the greatest example of that that we've seen this season. And we've had a lot of examples to go off of. It's it's inconsistent, the officiating. It's got so much subject subjectivity to it. It's so weird how many penalties that we get called over the course of the season, which wipe points off the board, wipe big plays off the board, change the whole context of a game and a single call when they're coming in like they are in those moments. And it just, it's game after game over and over again. And it's not the only problem with this team and it's not an end-all be-all excuse as to why we're not a better team than we are. But it's an inhibiting factor and a major inhibiting factor. It's hard enough to win in the NFL with the parity in this sport when you got to win the game plus an extra 5, 10, 10% to overcome whatever the officials are going to do to you over the course of the game too. It doesn't, it doesn't work. And uh, it does make it extra frustrating as a fan to watch, especially when your team's not playing particularly good on top of it. Gazra with another $10, don- $5 donation. Thank you for all the donos, Gazra. As I've been saying the last year that the NFL should do something like soccer, VAR, where there's a ref that watches replay and makes calls in real time. The NFL could stand to do something here to find some point of redundancy for these refs because they're not calling things evenly. You're, you don't know what a flag is or what isn't. Something that happens here is, something happens over there that isn't. You know, Kazra, for instance, Puka Nuka is in the back of the end zone. His legs wrap up with Devon Witherspoon on a third down play. They decide to call a penalty on that. We have the Lions earlier this year. Same kind of crossing route, albeit a deep, deeper crossing route. Same guy in coverage, Witherspoon. Legs get wrapped up with the receiver. Inadvertent contact. No call in that game. Call in the Rams game. The play looks exactly the same between the two, the two foot, the two film. Exactly the same. So why is one a call and the other not? Why are two different officiating crews calling it completely differently? A play that is very easy when you look at the when you look at the rule book and what is incidental contact. I've watched for 40, 40 plus years of my life football and watched legs wrap up like that going back from the 80s to the 90s, the early 2000s to the late 2010s, where it is always called inadvertent contact. There is no there is no flag there. But there's too many of these plays like that, Kazra, game in and game out, where you don't know where the line is at. Where, as as a fan, can I know where the line is at so I know whether it's a good call or not? Because you don't seem to call it to the the, the letter of the law sometimes. And sometimes it's a loosey-goosey. And sometimes you ignore it and sometimes you pay attention to it. I I don't get it either. And it it does make watching the games highly frustrating. Thank you, Kazra, for all your donations tonight, though. Very kind of you. His Duter says, we are the most penalized team, but only by two penalties. And there are several others than us that are close. I wanted to check up what this was. Uh, let's see something. So we had the... Did they have their bye week already? They did.
Okay, so for instance, here's the one thing with that though. So like that stat that was placed about us being the most penalized team, the Cardinals are the number two most penalized team though, right? And they haven't had their bye week. So we're the most penalized team right now over the Cardinals, maybe by just a couple penalties, but that's with them playing a whole extra another game than us. Um, who was another team that was on there? Chicago, man. See the Bears, where are they at? They already have their bye? I think they've already had their bye. Nope. So there you go. Chicago Bears, another one of those teams that was on that list that was just presented. I forget who put it in the chat, but another one of those teams that's right next to us on the list with us with penalties, like the Cardinals, they haven't had their bye yet. We're beating these teams that haven't had a bye, and we may be only a couple penalties ahead, but there's a whole game more that they've played than us who've already had our bye. So that also factors in. You got to look at that penalty stat, not just by the total penalties, but penalties by game. And if you look at it by penalties by game, there's a substantial mark of difference between us and the number two and number three teams at that point. Nanya says Seahawks getting hurt by the way. Call from a girlfriend. My alarm went off. I set my alarm for this morning at a time and uh, it didn't go off. I was like, why didn't it go off? It's like, because you put it for PM. Stuart, I'm not sure why Pete didn't call his final timeout with the 40 seconds to save that at the half. They called the first time out, which seemed to signal that they were going to take that approach. And then he just suddenly decided not to on the next down. I would have called the timeout and given my offense a chance at that point. Stuart, why they run the ball 42 times and ride the ball, throw the ball 42 times and run 20? Because they don't stay committed to the running game over the course of the, over the course of the season. And just about every single game they've bailed off on. Stuart, why didn't they spike the ball after the Metcat catch? Because the headset went out in Geno Smith. He could not hear his play caller. You had no more timeouts to call. So it was on Geno there to freelance in the moment. Geno should have maybe have chosen to spike the ball, but he's having to kind of decide in a heated moment as the clock's running what to do. It's hard to exactly hold your quarterback responsible in that moment. It's more, man, headset went out in a piss poor time. I'm more like, who turned off the headset at the key moment of the game? Gary says, at what point is it better to not have refs again for all intents and purposes? Hey, let's call PI on ourselves, on our system. <laughs> like in basketball when you're playing down the streets. Foul. Gotta respect the call. Stuart, why did they throw a screen, a long bomb, and another long bomb when Drew comes in with no warm-up? I don't know, Stuart. The play calling, a lot. some of these answers I just don't have. I, I really don't. It, they befuddle me as much as you on this. And I wish I had a better explanation for him, but unfortunately, I don't. It kind of defies explanation. But you're right to bring it up. Stuart S says Stafford has had Stafford mostly had clean pockets, and when he didn't, he made our rushers look foolish. Who was the pass rush guru again? BT Jordan. BT Jordan. 
Marco Savelli, good morning from Italy. One point loss with only three points in the second half. I fell asleep, 13 nothing. Damn, disappointed. A very bad way to start the week. Anyway, go Hawks. Always, always go Hawks, Marco. And uh, yeah, this is a tough loss. We're having a hard one, I think, all of us in the chat on this one and turning over and trying to make sense of it. Take 206, I'm manifesting Seattle will go to the Super Bowl this year and win. That would be uh, an amazing turnaround at this point. Gary says, my cats, my mom's cats are pumpkins. It's a thing. I pet them anyways. <laughs> she likes to be pet too. She's a good girl though. Spoon is nice, Addis. I love what I see from him. He brings it every week. Every week. Brandon, this is, I think we have a chance against the Niners too. At least I'm hopeful. Let's go. Go Ox. Come on, baby. Hey, we got a chance. I may not be predicting a win coming into this game, but we certainly got a chance against them. It's a divisional matchup. These things do tend to across the board in the NFL be played a little tighter than maybe even um, where teams are playing, talent discrepancy, who's hot, who's not coming into these kind of games. We got a shot. Jeffrey Thistle, thank you for the $2 donation. Unbiased opinion. What receiver is better, Puka or Bobo? I would take Bobo. I think Stafford's just really good at feeding a slot receiver and he gets into it. So I, I, don't, I don't know that Bobo couldn't be able to put up similar statistics to what Puka's putting up if you had him out there starting and playing as well from within the slot throughout the whole course of the year. Bobo's just not been given the chances. But I really do like Bobo's game. I like Puka's game too. Kieran says, these refs are just a sink filled with dirty pans that you, that you try to wash and they smell like farts after a couple days. <laughs> Great description. Addis says, again, hoping the Hawks can find a way to beat the Niners on Thursday night. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. I want to see it. I want to see it. At least we're number one in something, says Stuart. Hey, you got to find something, right? Brandon says, no 12 should be given up. Facts. We 100% can make the playoffs. Be hopeful. I'm still definitely hopeful here, Brandon. And, and certainly these losses get us turning over at times some negative items. And I'm not looking for the downfall or hoping for the downfall of the team as we go through the rest of this year at all. I'm hoping they can turn this around and find their footing. They're just going to have to find it very fast here if it's going to happen. But I think we got some rights to question what we're seeing them too. And how this is going along. LFG says, how bad's canine injury? I don't think it's an incredibly serious. It is an oblique strain. So probably out a couple games, it would seem like, or at least one game I would I would measure to guess this upcoming matchup. Gearing says, why did Taylor think of that power run? Did that pulling guard nail the block? OS. As he Wolverines, where was Mafia in this game? I don't think he even had a tackle. He was being heavily rotated out. I don't know if he's dealing with a bit of an injury or anything, but uh, he was definitely being worked through a little bit. As, and I don't know if they were trying to load balance a bit of his game with the Niner matchup on deck too. Could be a part of this in play, having to play in, in a short amount of span. So you're trying to balance all the snaps out a bit. But uh, indeed, he um, didn't play. I don't think his, probably might have had a, a league, a season low as far as number of snaps.
Randy says, tomorrow, Monday Night Football, Eagles versus Chiefs. I bet they're going to focus on Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's going to break up with her. <laughs> on live TV? Karen says, I can't recommend enough have, enough have like five beers then to think about this game and pretend you're Shane Waldron and pretending you missed a career in the NFL play calling. <laughs> Ellen says, I like how Canine and Charbonnet were both on the field at the same time. Dynamic duo. Carrying a drunk play caller would do better? Maybe. And Addis, yeah, I think we're going to finally get to see Kenny McIntosh on Turkey Day. I think he's coming out at that point. Stewart, 55 yards is no gimme. Each uh, yard away is harder. Why run the ball for two yards instead of passing to get to 10? Uh, he likely makes a 45-yarder. They just ran it like it was no problem. So, Stewart, yeah, again, the, the headset went out, Stewart. So, I, I, I don't know. I maybe didn't catch that. I just was saying that a second ago. The, the, you come up on the final throw to DK Metcalf, the headset goes out in the quarterback's helmet. Should Geno Smith have been freelancing better in that moment to make a better call there to know to go to the pass? Uh, maybe. Um, the clock is winding. You have no timeouts. You've just completed the play. You're trying to rush up the line of scrimmage. You're trying to adjust in that moment to, oh my God, oh hell, oh shit. My, my, my mic just went out of my helmet. I can't hear my coach. Think of something. Think of something. Clock rolling, clock rolling. Get everybody lined. Get everybody lined. Get down, get down. Clock rolling, clock rolling. Make the call. What do you do? It's a bit tough in that moment to say, quarterback, make the pristine right call. That's why you got the offensive coordinators. That's why you got the mic and the helmet to instruct and to guide the quarterback in those moments and situations. But the mic went out. It sucks. Um, I agree with you. You shouldn't probably run it there. But I think if the mic's on, I think Waldron probably calls a pass play or, or tells him to spike it there or something like that. So I, I think it's a, something that I, I don't look as a major issue because I just don't think you're typically going to have your helmet mics go out. Um, or earpieces go out. So not mics, but earpieces. Hunter Biden's crack pipe. How are you still alive? I don't know, man. I don't know anymore. I got nowhere else to go. I actually got to get this recap video done eventually here today. <sighs> Michael, Seattle's kind of screwed going back to back Thursday games. I think that's the first time the NFL has done this. I think it is too, Michael. And yeah, it's... Uh, Part of the reason this game was so important was to set the stage for the fact that if you lose the next two games, you understand it with having back-to-back -back Thursday night games, three games in 15 nights. That's why this game was so very important to capture because of what was coming and due on deck. Indeed. Wolverines, at least Kenny's legs will be fresh. Maybe he'll run like the wind. Run like the wind. That's why I gotta run like the wind. It's a good song. Let's go, Kenny. Kirian, and your car, because I think of how awful my day was, then I think, Kitty, and a few beers later, I'm good. Cat, get down. <laughs> Kitties always make the day better. They do, even after a tough loss. Uh, Michael says, most of the times after a Thursday night, you get a few extra days to rest. Seattle doesn't have that against the Cowboys. It'll be tough. Nope. Indeed, they don't, man, Michael. Indeed, they don't. Luckily, the, the good part about this, Michael, is, of course, the Cowboys have to deal with this, too, because they play on Thursday night as well. So they're not getting the extra rest either on the other side of it. Terminal, only penalty I was okay with was Witherspoon's body slam. 
yeah, that was a pretty straightforward one. They got to call that. Hell, they called it on us early in this game on a lesser one. So you got to be consistent in the calling at that point. Don't have any problem with the uh, the suplex by Witherspoon being called. That's to the letter of the law, absolutely a penalty. But a lot of the other ones, yeah, kind of egregious. Wolverines, how much time was it at that point when they went out? I'm not sure. I think I missed the question on that one. Michael says, at least going into San Fran, San, at least going into San Fran, we'll have a bit of extra rest, but I doubt that will help too much, sadly. Yeah, hard to have a lot of confidence going up against that juggernaut right now. Just is, Michael. Flag, before I forget, shout out to Hunter Biden's crack pipe for making KJ Wright read your name on his stream about the Washington game. <laughs> well played, Hunter Biden's crack pipe. Well played. <laughs> Jimmy, the next four games are brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Brutal. Brutal, I say. SE says, my whole family likes Cowboys. I can't stand them. I remember Golden Tate's hit. How much time was left when the headset went out? Uh, I don't know exactly how much time went out. I think you were at about uh, 25, 24, 25 seconds, something like that. It was it was after the DK catch. Wolverines, this is according to DK or to Geno Smith. So it was after the DK catch. But I'm not sure much more. I don't have much more information past that. Standard, they got to pull the fire alarms at the Hotel of San Francisco staying out the night before. Uh, a. Any means necessary, standard champion. Get the water balloons out. Start pulling fire alarms. Maybe we stab the tires with knives before the game, right? Kind of delay them to getting in the locker room. Get them rushed a little bit. I love it. P4 Blow. Was Ad not roughing his arms? Uh, was Ad not? Oh, was AD. Was Aaron Donald not roughing his arms? Roughing his arms went up on the quarterback and literally... Full cracked him, and most roughing is just weak hits, but that was brutal. It was a brutal hit. Um, he didn't get his head colliding with Gino's head. He didn't make contact with Gino's helmet. Um, it's a brutal hit, but it's a, it's a clean one, much like the Mario Edwards Jr. play where he almost knocked um, Matt Stafford out of the game. That was a clean hit too. Can't really point those guys and say they did anything wrong, you know? I'd jump on if I thought it was a, a dirty play, but he's just getting his hands up trying to, you know, he's he's got his hands up trying to knock down the ball as Gino's trying to get the ball out. Alan, I uh I remember the I remember the Cowboys hit. I remember the Lockett hit. I remember the Gate hit. I remember them all. And put an alligator in the water too. Let's go. Flag, I hope we don't get our doors blown off either. I beg of that. I do beg, beg of that. And sup, face, yep. Cup was injured most of this game and you still couldn't get out the other side of it. Well, uh, I think we'll wrap this up here at about this note, folks. Um, I want to thank uh, all of the folks that donated in the chat tonight. I oh, my goodness. Jeffrey Thistle, Kazra, John Stillwell coming with $100 donation and gifting out subs. Jeffrey Thistle multiple times over. Eric Wilson, uh, Addis the Gamer multiple times over. Megan Gockroger, as she does. Corey Olson, Jonah Jaffe, Barry Saturo, tons of donation. Mike Skinner, tons of donation. Um, just 
everybody, just save the geese. You guys are amazing as ever. Even in a loss tonight, even when I know you guys have your hearts down in kind of a low place, and especially a low place on this loss, given what it might mean in the grand context of this season, you don't stay away from coming to the channel. You don't stay away from coming here and interacting and chopping it up and discussing this. And I really want to say I appreciate you guys that I know it's easy when we win to come in here and talk this stuff over and all you know get super excited about it. It's harder when you come through the loss to have these kind of discussions. And I'm really appreciative of the chat tonight, especially being that we were able to talk about some negative items and kind of find some, I think, clarity within those negative items. It's not fun turning the negative over. I tend to be generally positive in regards to this team. And I tend to have a generally rosy outlook because I like what they do. I trust in their decision-making and they've earned that trust through the years. But some of that is getting tested this year and getting tested in a major way. And it's going to influence how I look at this team going through the future part of this year and into this offseason. And there is not a blank check involved with this team for my um, respective things. I, I do not just give this carte blanche open door to Coach Carroll to say that he gets to write his own check to get out of town here, that he gets to make any amount of mistakes along the way. And as long as he can provide us a one and done team, as long as he can slide in the back door of the playoffs every year, then everything is okay. That's not okay. It's not okay for me. I'm not saying we got to go win a Super Bowl every year, but it's been 10 long years since we've been an elite team. And right now, we do not look like a very close team to being elite right now as it stands, even with all the talent you have across the board. And that just doesn't feel acceptable. That doesn't feel good enough. I'll give Coach Carroll the season to figure this out. I'll give Coach Carroll the whole season and see where this all lands at the end of the year. But I'm going to tell you right now, if this fits to form, if this keeps holding the type, I'm going to be very hard on this coaching staff throughout the course of this offseason. And I'm going to have a very hard time of mustering up a lot of confidence in them going into the future if there are not major changes undertaken at that point through the offseason. And even if they are, I'm going to wonder at times if Coach Carroll is still remaining here, if they will even make those true changes or if it's just sort of the, the telegraphing of change, not the actual change occurring itself. We're just going to have to see on that. We're just going to have to see. Uh, see if there's any last questions. I want to just make sure I'm not missing from you guys. Appreciate you for watching and staying in here. Well over 200 people in here, four and a half hours in after a loss. I'd love to see that. Michael says, do we get rid of Diggs and Myers next year to better use the money? I don't know if Myers is much on the chopping block right now, Michael. I think that there's a variety of other guys that the team's going to take a lot closer of a look at. Uh, Quandre Diggs, yeah, you're going to look very closely at him. There's a substantial amount of money to be saved there. Jamal uh, Adams, you could post June 1st, designate him, save a ton of money there. Will Disley, Brian Monet. Um, these are all guys that I think that they would go to first and foremost before they would get down the line to Jason Myers. I think he still remains a kicker now and into the future, and they feel relatively fine about where at least he is in particular. But uh, a lot of other guys, even uh, Draymond Jones, um, I think the team's going to be taking a long, hard look at all these guys this offseason. Brandon Jana says, Brandon, you go hard. Much thanks for facilitating a space where Seahawks fans can come together and share their stuff, both good and bad. Go Hawks. It's the place that I love about this the most, Brandon, is I don't ever want this to be an echo chamber. There's a lot of agreeance in our outlook tonight and how we're looking at this team and where we see this team and how where we see it going. But it's very much a place that I just love for open and honest discussion to be had. And even when it is going to be tough discussions. And I love that about this place. It's why this is my favorite place to come to is that we are able to toss around so many different ideas. And I always end up thinking through something I hadn't thought through or had something, somebody present something that I had never considered every single time I do a stream. I always end up expanding my comprehension and understanding of this team and what we're doing and where we're going. 
And it's by you guys and what you bring to play and allowing us to happen the way you do. So uh, thank you, man. I love what I do. I got uh, I got the best community on YouTube. No doubt about that. Hands down. Don't even need to vote. Just goes without saying. I appreciate you. Appreciate you very much. As evil Wolverines, we all got in our feelings a little bit too much after this loss. And I think we all feel that a bit. And that, that's where we've all been a bit. It stings. This hurts. Rams just, you know, brutally beat you for a second time this year. They swept you. McVay's kind of owning Coach Carroll. He's kind of sunning him up right now. It's tough to watch, especially when Coach Carroll doesn't seem to be calling upon a whole lot of creative answers in order to counter that ownership. We'll see if he does into next year, but at least for this year, the Rams have swept you. We'll see if our Seattle Seahawks over the next course of this four games can find some answers. This is going to be a hellacious run of games. This is going to be a tough amount of opponents you got to go through. The odds are looking long. The season is looking in tumultuous shape as it stands. And yet, and yet, as I have said from the start of this, everything is still within your control. Is the road going to be hard? Are you going to have to beat quality opponent after quality opponent to get it done, to get there to the mountaintop this year, to get yourself to a state where you can be legitimate? And are the odds looking long that you'll reach that state? Sure are. Sure are. No doubt about it. I'm not trying to color that up. But at the end of the day, you do still control your own fate. You do still control your own destiny. You are a six and four team that can go out there and go on a run through the end of this year if you can find that right rhythm. But if they're just going to try the same old song, that same old rhythm and blues, that same old drumbeat, you're going to call upon it time and time again like they have this year, oftentimes over and over again, bailing on the run, defensively getting way too conservative, offensively finding no adjustments after your plan A stops working. That continues on forth into the future of this season. It is hard to find them in a contending state at that point in time. But hope springs eternal. The team is 6-4. and four. Not all is lost as of yet. And though chances are a little diminishing, they yet still do remain. I want to thank you guys for tuning in today. Please hit that like button. I want to thank the sponsor of the show today, which is going to be Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is sponsoring the Hawks Nest throughout the course this year. You guys have been absolutely phenomenal. And your support here in going and utilizing this code, you utilize it by clicking right down the bottom of the description link section below. And my code is N-E-S-T. You do that and they will match you up to 100% on your first deposit up to $100. So you get $100 on me as you're supporting the channel at the same time and you get a chance to go out there and win in some really big contests, win some big money. They're giving away $200,000 a week during the NFL season, $2 million on the year. You can take advantage of that in a variety of different contests across the board. Show a little bit of uh, love back onto the channel, but you guys have also just want to say been doing a great job with that. I'm hearing some great stuff from Underdog Fantasy about you guys and how you're utilizing the code, which is speaking large to you guys because in Washington, you can't really utilize their app all the way through unless you're in a casino. So it does really speak to, to how well you guys are taking advantage of that. Thank you so much for showing your support with Underdog Fantasy as this is a sponsorship I would like to lock down now and into the long-term future as they've been very, very kind to me and nice to me on their uh, side of it from day one in that respect. Uh, I thank you guys. I love you guys. Your support is unbelievable. Um, and I th and really want to thank you for hanging in here with me, helping me get through this loss. If I may love you guys through, you guys helped me get through this loss and, and being able to vent with you guys, try to turn it over, try to make sense of it. I don't know if we did or not. We made a run at it and I think we got pretty close to making some semblance of sense of this loss, but it's a tough one. And we're going to have to just turn this page. Luckily, we turn it fast with a Thursday night game. I will be back potentially on Monday night here football for maybe a members only stream if I can get a chance to fit that in. If not, we will be back in on Tuesday with a behind 
enemy lines at uh, I think we got five o'clock there with Jesse from Last Second Sports coming back and Alice from the Niners Channel. We'll be doing the BNB wrap up show on Tuesday, and then Wednesday we might be fitting in a little quick show as well. But until that time, my fellow Hawk fans, you're a little bit low stuck in the mire. I get it. You're down low in the mud. I get it. You're feeling like the season might be almost just about lost, but I tell you not yet. Even in a tough loss, even after all the doom and gloom I've been wielding for four hours and 35 minutes, let me end you off with a little bit of hope. We ain't done yet. We're not finished. We may be like that Monty Python character with his arms and his legs chopped off saying it's only a flesh wound, but there's still a chance here in it. We got a shot here. We still got the puncher's chance, if that is all we may have. We still do have at least that, that big old overhand left waiting to happen. And we'll see if maybe they can bring it this week against the Niners. So please, my fellow Hawk faithful, you might find your faith a little bit shaken, but do not give it up. Hold on to it, cling on to it, and keep the hope, my fellow Seahawk faithful, that we can turn this thing around and find some footing this year, find some reason to believe that this team is in the right hands as we go into the future, and that it is only a matter of time before we once again find that mountaintop. My name is Brandon Kane. Please hit the like button. Please sub up. But beyond all that, don't you ever forget. Even after a tough loss like this, please don't you forget. Go Hawks.